Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are now listening to the Cast. The number one old school RuneScape podcast featuring guests from all across Galenor. To support this podcast, visit the Patreon link in the description. All right, welcome to the Save Cast number 65 with Caveman only. Caveman, how are you doing today? Dude, I'm great. I am I'm absolutely stoked to be here talking with you today. I mean, I've been a big fan of of yours and your content for quite some time and um you know i uh, i know we got a lot of ground to to cover today so i'm uh, very much looking forward to our conversation and uh seeing where this thing goes you know i'm so pumped so i have all big fan as well of your content um i know since <laughs> since the, uh you know and i guess we'll talk about it um your history with streaming and everything and then going full-time and then just kind of like going back to uh the real world you know and um <laughs> yeah yeah but f- when you did stream they were they were golden streams and uh i, I do <laughs> well, miss them so anyway um oh. yeah for, for wait just for those listening we've been talking for over an hour right now trying to get the audio settings working. <laughs> yeah. i got a new pc yeah so like we've already pretty much been talking for an hour it seems like but um yeah uh i'm really excited to talk mainly about I think the big thing like the elephant in the room is Bard but I also want to talk to you about just your history with the game and how you got into streaming what has all transpired since then just so people are in the loop and also just who you are um, as a content creator for those that have never heard of you yeah sure well I mean I I guess uh, I guess we'll just start there huh Um, yeah go for it yeah well I mean uh, most people know me as, as caveman only uh, AKA, you know, the guy who spends the majority of his time underground doing uh, dead content by myself. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's what most people know me for these days. Um, and that started actually just over five years ago now, which is kind of hard to believe that I've been uh, noodling around on this little snowflake account for, for half a decade. But um, yeah, that's, uh, that's really where I got started. And um, sort of by 
I don't know, accident or fate or whatever you want to have it, and maybe a little bit of uh, skill and luck. Um, you know, it, it started uh, just as like progress logs on Reddit um, on the 2007 scape sub, of course, and yeah. um, and then from there, just posting my my progress, uh, you know, every two weeks or something. Um, it it uh, sort of snowballed, and people in the comments started uh, asking about, uh, you know, wanting to see more behind the scenes and to get more, you know, just generally more information as to like what I was doing on my account and how I was accomplishing it. So uh, people suggested that I uh, try and make videos, and I had absolutely zero experience doing any kind of uh, video editing or anything, but I gave it a shot. And uh, my first few videos on on YouTube were pretty tragic. I mean, I, I made them in iMovie. Um, on my uh, like MacBook Pro that I was using in in college at the time, yeah. Um, you know the built-in microphone and everything, so my I didn't have a setup. It was it was uh, it was pretty bad, but I guess it's sort of charming to look back on now. Um, yeah, so I, I uh, started doing YouTube pretty shortly after I um, started publishing my progress on Reddit, and um, you know I, I uh, enjoyed the the process of just kind of recording my. Um, progress, if for nothing else, just, you know, for historical purposes, for my own sake, regardless of what, uh, you know, how popular it would, uh, it would be. And then um, from there, uh, you know, people on YouTube uh, said that they were interested in, in seeing some live action. And at that point, I was really just a, a casual viewer on Twitch. You know, I mean, I had no aspirations to really be a content creator or anything. But uh, again, I figured, you know, why not just take a take a stab at it. And so um, fired up the stream. And uh, the first ever time I turned on my stream, I'm pretty sure um, it maybe it wasn't the first time, but one of the first times I streamed was uh, taking on the Calphite Queen for the first ever time, uh, wearing like a rune full helm and frog leather and like a, <laughs> I think like a leaf bladed battle axe or something trying to uh, take on KQ uh, for the first time. And uh yeah, I, uh, it turns out that I, uh, I actually really love streaming, way more so than, than video making. Um, and so I, uh, I tried to do both, and it was really just you know a, a thing I did on the nights and, and weekends, um, just because I enjoyed doing it. And then um, after a point, maybe, I don't know, not quite a year into uh, doing this uh, Twitch and YouTube thing on the side, um, at a point, it had started... Uh, earning me more money than I was making at my day job. <laughs> um, and so I, uh, I kept doing all of those things uh, simultaneously for a while. And then uh, back in uh, the very beginning of 2019, I decided to uh, take a leap of faith and see uh, what happens. And uh, so I quit my day job and uh, moved across the country from Florida, which is where I'm from, uh, all the way to Oregon, which I know that's where at least I don't know if you're from Oregon. I am I from that. Oregon. I love Oregon. You are okay. Yep. Yeah, me too, man. I miss it so much. Yeah. But um, yeah, the, the move was completely unrelated to the uh, to the streaming stuff. I was just sick of Florida and wanted to do something in completely different with my life. So yeah, I uh, I packed up my car and drove myself uh, clear across the country and decided to do the full time uh, streaming thing. And uh, it was honestly uh, better than I could have ever imagined. And so. Uh, yeah, so I did that for a while, and um, well, lo and behold, uh, you know, COVID came around about a, a year and a half or so later, and um, you know, just with uh, financial difficulties because of of that, and uh, you know, just some other behind the scenes things, uh, you know, my my time in Oregon was a little bit shorter than I would have liked, and so uh, you know, I ended up retracing my steps and and uh, returning to Florida. And uh, after I did that, which was about a year and a half ago now or so, 
I just kind of had a, you know, a priority shift and was just kind of rethinking things. And um, so in that time, I sort of, uh, you know, backed off uh, of the, the, <laughs> the gas from doing the regular progress videos and, uh, and streams on Twitch. And mostly it was just kind of, um, you know, doing the occasional uh, stream and that kind of thing, but mostly focusing my, my efforts off stream behind the scenes, uh, trying to build this uh, Bard project that I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it at length throughout yeah. this thing. But uh, yeah, so that's me. Um, that's what uh, most people know me for. And I guess most recently, as I mentioned, the, uh, the big Bard passion project that we just uh, launched on Reddit, I guess about a week and a half ago at the time of this recording. Um, and I uh, worked for a very long time alongside uh, the community legend, Gentle Tractor, who I know you've uh, had on the Seibei cast in recent months. Such a huge fan um, of his. Yeah, honestly, like, uh, you know, I was already a fan of his, uh, you know, just as a casual Reddit viewer back in the day, you know, with his Zaya redesign and everything. He's an absolute community legend. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. To, yeah, really. And, and But to, uh, you know, to get to work alongside him, especially like one on one for a lot of it, like we literally had marathon length discord calls uh, pretty frequently. Um, but yeah, just an absolute stand up gamer. And uh, and then about halfway through our project. We uh, realized that we needed a, another set of eyes uh, on it just to sort of give us a different perspective and maybe, you know, call out some of our blind spots that we had missed and whatnot. And so uh, we found uh, this fella named Screetmonge on Reddit who had just posted this lengthy, like, dissertation type thing about the, the modern challenges of designing a new skill for old school RuneScape. And it was, I don't know, it was, it was long, <laughs> and, but it was very detailed very uh, well written and um, we figured he would be the uh, the perfect addition to the team uh, just to I mean really we just wanted you know some initial feedback it uh, it wasn't ever really uh, meant originally to uh, have evolved into like a, a trio collaborative project but that's the direction it took because we just enjoyed his company so much and his insight and so yeah the three of us uh, sunk a whole lot of time into, uh, <laughs> into doing this uh, this barred project thing over the last number of months and years but you know we mostly did it because we just enjoyed ourselves you know i each other's company and the game design you know parts of it and everything so uh yeah now we're here i just love that you it's just like it's so cool that human nature you really can spend an enormous amount of time doing something you enjoy and it does not oh, feel yeah. like a burden no pay yeah. you know just you're just doing it you're just sinking in tons yeah. and tons of hours. i just love that and it was really funny when you just said screepmon basically wrote a dissertation on Pretty reddit much. like yeah. like the fact that you three are just so passionate about this just it, like first of all it radiates passion looking <laughs> looking at that uh post a week and a half ago was just a treat a total treat i just i'm looking through that it must have just been i mean at least triple checked i mean i don't think i even remember seeing a single typo you, like you like <laughs> we, there just uh... has to be typos in it like you just see something that of that like just of that length and you just see it like okay there's yeah. got to be some issues or something just like no everything looked so good it was fantastic. Yeah, well, it was yeah. amazing to well, fun, read through. Fun fact. Uh, thank you, first of all. But yeah, fun fact. My uh, my mother and my mother's mother were actually both proofreaders for the newspaper uh, wow. in their uh, time. And so I guess I'm like something of a, <laughs> not really a third generation proofreader, but kind of. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, we uh, we pretty much had this full design ready to go for literally months. 
um, and we were just kind of waiting, uh, you know, we were doing the final, you know, beautification of it and, you know, creating visual assets and just trying to get the flow of information right, which, you know, is still debatable <laughs> whether or not we did it perfectly or not, probably far from it still. But um, yeah, we, uh, we went over this thing with a fine tooth comb because uh, one of our goals with this bard thing was, um, you know, at the end of the day, even if it wasn't everyone's cup of tea, which it wasn't, you know, we, we pretty much wanted it to be irrefutable in terms of how much, you know, care, love and passion went into this thing. And, uh, you know, that was, I, I think, a pretty common thread of feedback. I think our Reddit post got something like, uh, I don't know, 800 plus comments, which is a, a, exceeds expectations for sure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a common uh, thread of feedback was like, eh, you know, this bard thing, music, not really for me, but I can definitely appreciate, you know, the time and, and attention to detail and, and effort that went into this. And I was like, you know what, <laughs> that's, that's a win in our book. So, um, yeah. yeah, like you said, we, we weren't doing it for, uh, for the money or for the clout or anything, because believe me, there were probably way more efficient ways to do that. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, we just did it because uh, we enjoyed doing it and uh, working together. I mean... Honestly, I've never been part of a group project uh, that I enjoyed until this one. Because <laughs> wow. um, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, most people are familiar with doing some type of group project, you know, in school or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's always just like such a massive struggle such to get everyone headache. on the same page. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, there's inevitably that person that's just, you know, Doesn't like care. sandbagging the rest of the team. Yeah. You got to yep. pick up the slack. But this was just like so effortless well i shouldn't say effortless because it it was certainly you know a bit of a struggle to to finally launch this thing yeah. but um but yeah i mean it was honestly just a, a pleasure working with these two guys primarily um over the course of you know many months and with gentle tractor literally years uh trying to hash this thing out a bit together but yeah i, I feel you know like at the end of this i i ended up with two you know kind of lifelong gamer friends from it so um, yeah, it was a very cool experience. I think I, I speak for all three of us when I say that we're all very much relieved that it's like out there in the community now and yeah. off of our plate because we, we could have sat, you know, and, and tried to iterate and, and that kind of thing, uh, you know, for probably another year or something uh, if, if we let ourselves. But we knew that we just had to sort of draw a line in the sand at some point and, uh, you know, just figure out how best to present what we had at that moment. And, uh, you know, a bit of a sunk cost fallacy towards the end, I guess, you know, we could have tried to strive for absolute perfection, but you know, that's obviously unattainable. So yeah, yeah. we're all very pleased with, uh, with how it went down and the result of it. And, you know, ultimately who knows what actually comes of it in the long run, but we just wanted to put this out there cause, uh, you know, we, we love this game and we love this community and, um, you know, I think uh, old school has a very bright future ahead. And, um, you know, uh, we just wanted to uh, at least have our receipt, you know, to sort of uh, show that we at least, you know, gave it the old college try, you know, <laughs> yeah. our best to present something. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this in more detail later, I'm sure. But um, in terms of, you know, how we go forward talking about new skills um, in this game, I think Mod Kieran specifically, but maybe even others like Mod Husky have said in no uncertain terms that at this point, they're pretty much waiting for the community to, uh, to get something going because, you know, obviously the team has uh, made three attempts at, uh, at pitching new skills to the players, uh, all of which have been unsuccessful. So, um, you know, just from a business standpoint, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for them to really keep trying um, when, you know, it hasn't 
proven fruitful, you know, thus far. And so I think um, I recall Mod Kieran on a dev Q&A. This was, you know, some months ago now. Um, but I think he pretty much said that uh, they don't really have any explicit plans for a new skill. They're kind of waiting for some sort of community generated idea to uh to you know to pop up and basically start to you know form some type of consensus mm -hmm. um you know before we can uh, really move forward on this and i think that's really the only way a new skill is ever gonna um you know have a chance at reaching that 75 percent yes vote threshold so uh yeah this is basically just sort of our receipt saying uh, we tried you know so yeah. um you know the the balls in the community's court now and i guess you know the developers too to see um you know how uh, everyone wants to go forward with it and obviously i'm here today you know to to talk about uh you know bard and you know the behind the scenes of it and sort of the design process some of you know the uh the logic behind our decision making and and some of the the content ideas that we arrived at and obviously you know i want to address a few um, topics or, you know, concerns even maybe from some of the folks, you know, from on, uh, from Reddit and, um, that kind of thing, you know, just like common points of feedback, uh, that people had pertaining to our, um, our big skyscraper post <laughs> of which we had plenty of feedback about that too, that people weren't super, uh, thrilled about, uh, the, the skyscraper, you know, marathon length <laughs> post. Cause yeah. obviously it's just sort of a lot to, uh, to look at all all at once but you know it, it's a it's a format that was proven to work you know many times yeah. over general tractor i think sort of uh, pioneered that format way back uh with like his uh, uh reimagination of sailing you know that was from i don't know five or six years ago now um so yeah we we decided to go with a format that uh we knew at least worked um and uh yeah so again we're, we're all you know very happy with uh how this thing ended up and you know regardless of the ultimate result of you know whether bard makes it into the game or any new skill makes it into the game i just feel uh you know happy and and proud of the final result that we uh, arrived at yeah it is definitely something to be proud of i want to just preface this whole bard skill <clears throat> by saying i am uh relatively musically inclined and probably a lot more than the majority of the player base and yeah um also just to preface all of this so you with i think street monge and uh gentle tractor had a community stream right where you just kind of talked about yes. bard so i want to just say right now i did not listen to that and that's for my audience to know i have not listened to that vod so if you guys have listened to that i am going to be asking questions that were probably answered on that vod so for anybody that missed that vod I, you said it was like what seven hours or something yeah, yeah. So uh, if I if I can do a bit of a shameless plug real quick. Yeah, go so, for yeah, it. Um, the, the day after we, we launched our Reddit post, we decided to do like a follow-up kind of discussion, you know, Q&A type thing on my stream, um, twitch.tv forward slash caveman only. It'll um, be linked in and, the description. Uh, be sure to click it, guys, if you want to watch nice, the mod. Yeah, so yeah, we had a basically a podcast type format, you know, with, uh, with the three of us in a Discord call. Um, just running down the post, you know, and, and yeah, like you said, it was like a seven or seven and a half hour conversation. So, you know, it's a bit lengthy, but, um, you know, feel free to, to skip through and, and, you know, find the parts you like. I do eventually intend on, uh, you know, doing some minor edits and, and posting that to my YouTube channel as well with timestamps and stuff. So it's a bit easier of a, you know, navigation experience. So you can kind of skip to the parts that, uh, you might be most interested in, but, 
I also just haven't had, you know, multiple hours to sit down and, and uh, you know, try and splice that video together, but I'll aim to do that here relatively soon, so. Awesome. So just so that other people know, I am walking into this as blindly as most of you that have at least glanced at this uh, post, and I'm actually going to pull it up right now. I have the uh, the full skyscraper here. In yeah, fact, great. I'm I'm tempted to – I think I'm going to put it in full screen so it, it, it chops off of like – half okay. of my screen so you can still see the game in the background but it, it gives a more full view of it um sure so yeah i just want to preface all that by saying i do not know the ins and outs of this skill yet and i'm gonna learn with you guys today a little bit more and of course there's so many other resources as a uh, um like for example the the vod that hopefully will be uploaded to youtube again go down in the description when caveman does slice up that video and uh uploads it there will be timestamps there to give you guys a better overview of it who knows maybe i'll even put uh a few timestamps in this video just to give people a little bit more accessibility to the things they want to know about sure yeah yeah a little bit yeah because i'm sure there will be plenty of people who uh you know want to just hear a little bit more about bard and maybe a little bit less about me or you know other non-bard topics but of course you know bard i think will probably be the primary uh, focus of this talk so yeah i think timestamps will, will help a little bit you know just to you know give people a little bit uh, of an easier time trying to navigate this because i'm sure we're gonna we're gonna ramble on here for for multiple hours which i'm stoked for oh i'm so pumped so i want to uh actually go into a little bit of history so before we yeah. started this recording you said that you actually are a musician and you've actually kind of spent a lot of your life as you know more musically inclined playing instruments fixing instruments uh so i want to kind of talk to you a little bit about that how sure, yeah. why does bard speak to you and why like why was this <laughs> even the concept and what is kind of the backstory of your real life with this yeah well i mean you you almost answered your own question there because uh you know the the real genesis for uh, for this bard idea i mean directly stems from you know my uh my involvement and my passion and love for music um, yeah, so I mean, for those who don't know this, um, yeah, I uh, have been a musician for most of my life. Um, it really started seriously when I uh, took up band in middle school when I was, uh, you know, 11 or 12 years old. And uh, my primary instrument uh, starting out was the euphonium, <laughs> which uh, Seder might know, but uh, for, <laughs> I for don't. most uh, people I don't. who... I've heard of it. I don't. I can't even imagine You've what heard it of looks it? Okay, <laughs> I can't okay. even imagine yeah, what well, it looks like. Okay, okay, well, hey, okay, okay. <laughs> Well, hey, so the euphonium is basically like a small tuba, more or less. Okay. Um, and uh, it was just what I sort of got stuck with to begin. But uh, it turns out that I actually really enjoyed it. And then um, the following year in school, I picked up uh, the trombone, which, you know, are they're very similar, mm -hmm. uh, except, you know, one's got valves, the other one's got, you know, a, a slide. Um, and then uh, the following year, I picked up trumpet um, a little bit in school. So I played three instruments, uh, brass instruments, primarily to begin. And then, uh, yeah, I, I carried that uh, all through high school. You know, I was uh, very heavily involved in uh, marching band as well. Uh, marching band was probably like my my pride and joy for uh, for my high school years and sort of my early college years. Um, and uh, yeah, so then um, after high school, you know, I went to uh, college and I majored in music for uh, for four years. The first couple years, I started off as a performance major. And uh, wow, was that a shock to the system? Because, uh, well, when I initially applied for college, my major was going to be astrophysics. Um, kind of, kind of a weird, uh, a weird switch there. But that's a long story. I 
had a bad experience and it made me change my mind when I got to college. Um, so uh, music was sort of in a way like my backup, but I still, you know, loved music and, you know, was decent at it and, you know, decent enough to, uh, to I guess, want to at least uh, do it in college. Um, yeah, and uh, so I was a performance major for the first uh, two years in college on the euphonium. Um, and then uh, I decided that, uh, well, I mean, to be a performance student in music, I mean, you, you have to know that you're like the cream of the crop, right? Because, I mean, it, it's basically like trying to, you know, make it into major league sports, you know, like the MLB or the NFL. You know, it's like you have to be the best of the best to know that you're going to be able to actually, you know, <laughs> feed yourself if you do this. Yeah. And um, I uh, just knew that I didn't have uh, that level of ability or uh, work ethic, frankly, <laughs> to want to uh, to want to put in those kind of hours. Because the expectation as a performance student, at least at the university I was at, was on top of the coursework, you'd have to do like, you know, four hours or more of like individual solo practice each day. Um, so basically like a part-time job. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, and that was I, on I just... top of taking... Yeah, all the classes and everything else. I just want to say, so I music or I uh, music. I majored in music uh, for a semester, uh, actually for okay. a full year, and um, yeah, that what, was. What was your what? What's your primary instrument? So I actually went in. Wait, hold on. I want. I want. I want to guess. I want to guess. It was okay. I will just say it's not an instrument though. So like you guessing. Oh. Well, it was. I actually oh. went into music to uh, learn how to compose and to uh, oh, actually become no a composer. Kidding. And uh, so just to kind of go back in time, so in high school and even middle school, I used to have these little music apps on my phone and I used to have an iPad as well. And I used to just make beats, you know, as the cool kids yeah. would call them. Uh, and <laughs> I actually made a little bit of music, just kind of goofing around. But I really got passionate about just making music because it did seem like something that was, you know, if you got good enough, it, it was going to like let you pay the bills and stuff and it would just be so much fun to make beats and yeah. on top of making your own beats you could actually just make a beat and sell it to like you know a rap artist or something that wants to use it and yeah. stuff and that was kind of like my passion that's what I went into school for initially but I will say I mean every credit that you're taking for music would take three times the hours of any other credit <laughs> in any other major and it was just yeah it was unbelievably overwhelming and on top of that I mean, I thought I knew music theory somewhat. <laughs> and then you get into like those classes and you realize, okay, I don't know anything. And then the worst part is I compare myself to people. So I'm looking around in my class of 30 or I was like 25 or so. And it, I mean, there was probably two people that were like worse than me. Everybody else was just unbelievably passionate, played multiple instruments, just ha literally had a love and just ultimate passion like this is what they want to do is yeah. music you know and they would spend their entire days at the uh like the building just just practicing like sitting around just studying 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 like doing like yeah it was insane and so it that's just got the, that's so the music school meta man yeah. that's the music <laughs> school meta and uh it's it's extremely competitive and, and oh, you know yeah. even cutthroat at at uh at certain places especially you know like uh at conservatories and that kind of thing you know it's it's not really, uh, at least from what I've heard, I did not attend a conservatory, but I've, I've just heard stories about uh, just ruthless competition because, I mean, you don't see your peers as peers. You see them as, you know, future competitors that might be yeah. taking your gig or something. So, No, um, it, it yeah. was not for me. I, uh, I do not, 
I did not live and breathe music. That, that, but basically, that was the discovery, is I don't live and breathe yeah. this, but I still am very passionate about it, and so... Yeah, well, I, that's good. At least, at least it didn't. Uh, at least it didn't burn you out completely from it. You know. Oh yeah, no, I just couldn't. I couldn't put in the hours and feel happy about it. I was just <laughs> miserable spending so much yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, I, I suffered some pretty major burnout after uh, I graduated um, because I actually. So I, I did. I was a music student for all four years of my my undergraduate degree, but I changed my major within music a few times, just trying to find the right sort of uh, niche. And uh, I did the performance track for the first couple of years, but that was just so intensive. I was like, I can't, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Um, so then I switched to, uh, to music education for a semester. Um, and uh, as much as I enjoyed that, and uh, I do enjoy teaching, I just uh, couldn't see myself wanting to be like a high school band director or something and deal with, you know, band parents and, you know, the, the public school bureaucracy. I just... Yeah. What, not for me, you know. I'm I'm a little bit too much of a contrarian to really uh, operate well in a system like that. So I ended um, my uh, my time at school with just like a general bachelor of arts degree, mm -hmm. um, with a with a obviously an emphasis in in music. And I also graduated with a business minor to I guess I don't know make myself a little bit more marketable. I'm not sure, but um, that yeah, I definitely ended up with some some pretty major uh, burnout through school because I also went the classical route. Oh um, yeah. So uh, yeah. So definitely was uh, a little too square for for my liking, um, and it was just very sort of by the book, you know, very traditional. Yeah. Um, and again, it was like it was something that you know is respectable, like if that's your thing. But it was definitely not my thing. I mean, I can appreciate it, um, and you know, I, I enjoy listening to uh, to classical music and that kind of thing on occasion. But um, I don't live and breathe classical yep. music, you know, especially in comparison to some of my peers, and so. You know, it was just, yeah, having that, um, being, you know, that, that, uh, level of honesty with myself to be able to make that move and make that change. And it sounds like you, uh, did the same thing. So what, what did you, uh, pivot to after, um, music? So it, just to kind of go back what you were saying about the teacher thing, like that was the safe route, you know, go into education, yeah. music education was like the safe thing. Just go into that. And that seemed very boring to me and dull. Yeah. And I realized that, you know, that I am taking a gamble by continuing this major if uh if i don't want to go into teaching then it's a serious gamble because there's a lot of people with just unbelievably more talented than i was um so i actually switched at that point to an english major and um i love oh. i've always loved and been fascinated by languages um yeah, i was cool. semi-fluent in spanish and I just, because of learning Spanish, and a lot of the Spanish I learned was from the book, you know, just like the technical sure. side of Spanish, not just getting immersed completely and learning it that way. But then I started to understand the English language more, and I wanted to get into technical writing, and I wanted to get into just editing, sort of, but I never wanted to write. I just wanted to edit and make, uh, you know, this sounds extremely boring, but one of my passions would have been to make uh, legal documents or make, like, um, sort of, like, instruction manuals, things like that. Like, the no technical kidding? part of that kind of stuff really. <laughs> wow. And, okay. and again, like, that's kind of seeing it from just an out view, not going into any specifics. But I was like, I could yeah, see sure. myself getting into that because making very, very clear and concise statements and uh, directions and things kind of excited me and uh i will say my favorite class was actually a sentence structuring class where you just break wow, down sentences crazy. and you it like yeah. becomes this uh 
the English language sort of be, becomes like math in a way, like where you can actually just go into a sentence, go into a paragraph and pick out everything and you can rearrange it. And that's how you kind of, you would uh, also in that class, you would get like a jumbled sentence that was kind of a run on sentence and then you would fix it and make it optimal, you know, and that was the thing yeah. that excited me. But alas, uh, there was um, some issues with the classes I was taking after that, which was like just writing essays every two weeks. And there was just a, an, an insane course load of just writing research papers and I could not do it. So I gave up and I went to communication major. And at that point I wasn't really passionate about anything. So I ended up just dropping <laughs> out of school and streaming RuneScape. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, Hey man, I mean, honestly, gotta, gotta re respect you for it because it's, it's so easy to just stay in the, the trap of uh, public education and you know, just get funneled down the pipeline, and just you know, kind of settle for whatever thing you you <laughs> you dislike the least. Yeah. And uh, and then just you know, get get ushered you know out of the pipeline at the end, and you know, get you know, plop down in a career that you don't have any passion for, and you know, that's a that's a recipe for a midlife crisis. And so. Uh, oh oh yeah, it, it I mean it was, I mean yeah, I, well, it, I I just remember working, so I would like go to school. Uh, for a couple semesters, I'd go home uh, out of state again to work, and I would just go home with my family, you know, rent free, work for a little bit, go out of state again to college. And uh, yeah, I was working at Target, I was working at this metal factory, I was working at this other place, and it's just like I was seriously not in a good place. Like I wasn't like seriously depressed, but I was like, what am I gonna do with my life? Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that uh, that burden is real, and uh, obviously it's not just unique to the two of us. But oh, I don't know. It's yeah, it, it's sort of endemic, especially at least in this country. You know, um, where I don't know. It, it's for so long it's felt like you know, um, you know your uh, your college education is is seen as like the only option once you're done with grade school, and. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, so I, I struggled big time to even make it through four years of music school. And by the end of it, I was extremely burnt out. And I'm like, as a music student, you know, you're meant to have weekly private lessons with, you know, your primary instrument instructor. And uh, my entire senior year, uh, I did not take lessons. Like I negotiated with my professor because I was like, honestly, we'll be wasting both of our time <laughs> if, uh, if we have lessons. Cause I'm just like not having it. And I know yeah. you're not going to be having my not having it. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so we just sort of agreed to disagree and I just kind of coasted my senior year a little bit. Um, but yeah, felt very fortunate because in my last uh, semester of college, uh, you know, the graduation's coming up and here comes, you know, that quarter life crisis wondering, you know, what I'm going to do with my life. You know, am I going to stay in town? Am I going to go back home, do something completely different? And um, I feel really fortunate because my uh, my uh, private instructor um, asked me if I uh, had ever been interested in instrument repair. And I was like, you know, I, I had never really uh, considered that as an option before, but that sounds kind of uh, kind of neat. So I sent out a few uh, applications and emails and um Turned out that uh, one of the music stores near me uh, was looking for an extra pair of hands, and I told them that I didn't uh, have any real prior experience, uh, you know, fixing or repairing uh, band instruments. But you know, I was a quick learner and um, you know a competent enough musician across you know enough instruments that I could figure it out. Because yeah. obviously, if you're going to fix instruments, you kind of have to know you know when they work and when they don't. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it requires like some baseline of competency. 
Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, I just sort, sort of got thrown in the deep end. Um, and that was uh, a job I picked up just like part time my last semester of school that uh, then segued into full time work after I graduated. And it turns out that I uh, really enjoyed that work. Because, um, it, well, first of all, I love just like kinesthetic work, you know, like working with my hands. Um, ironically, it was sort of one of the things that I, I uh, enjoyed the least about being a, a streamer and like a video maker and just like j just the, the sitting down at the PC for so many hours in a day is just like not my thing. <laughs> mm. I much prefer to be like active. Uh, I, you know, love doing different outdoor activities and things. Sorry for the folks if that ruins your like underground Ironman immersion or whatever. That's but, just, that's um, so interesting to me because I wouldn't have seen that. I wouldn't have uh, thought that that would have, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, and I, I could definitely obviously enjoy it for what it was. And, yeah. you know, I love this game and, you know, I, I really enjoyed, uh, you know, what I was doing with Caveman because, you know, people would question me about that too. You know, why not? <laughs> actually, the, the way that um, Bard was received recently, uh, it, to me was very reminiscent of when I first started like publishing videos for caveman because when I first started uh, publishing videos for caveman so many of the YouTube comments were like you're just doing this for attention <laughs> you know like you're just you're just doing this you know for some internet clout or whatever because you know you you want people to pay attention to you and I was like whatever man you know and just kept like doing my thing and uh, you know I, I wouldn't have been doing it for all of these years if it was uh, for anything other than my own personal enjoyment yeah, but uh, yeah, I saw a little bit of that with the Bard thing too. People thought that we were just trying to, you know, like stroke our own egos or something. Which I mean, people are, uh, you know, are allowed to have their opinion. But yeah. um, no, we were just doing it because we enjoyed it. And so yeah, that's that's super important to just find uh, what you're passionate about and um, you know to to not settle. And um, you know, it's kind of difficult because also you know doing what you love can also be difficult if you try and also do that for work. Yeah. <laughs> because um, I'm sure you're you're very familiar, you know, as a as a full time gamer and content creator these days, um, you know, trying to trying to make your passion, you know, into something that generates enough income for you to you know live comfortably and feed yourself. It uh, it just changes the incentive structure, yeah. And uh, and sometimes it can be it can be a real struggle to find that right balance because um, well, I discovered this with music. You know, music school really sort of turn music into a job for me and uh, I did not like that at all um, and it really burned me out and frankly the same thing sort of happened with uh, with YouTube and, and Twitch um, to a lesser extent because I still really enjoy it but again um, you know under the the financial incentives uh, that you're under as a full-time creator you know where you're completely like I think that's one thing that that isn't appreciated enough about um people who do choose to take the plunge into like full-time content creation. It's not that like content creation is the, the, uh, you know, most difficult job in the whole world. Like I've definitely done, I've definitely had occupations that are way harder than, you know, streaming video games. <laughs> yeah. But I think the thing that, uh, that people sort of dismiss or just don't fully appreciate if they've never done it is the full autonomy you have over every minute of every day. Um, at that point, you know, it can, it can be paralyzing for a lot of people, especially if, you've never experienced anything like it, you know, because so many people get stuck, you know, in the pipeline of school, you know, whether it's, you know, some people go straight from high school into, into undergrad, into graduate school, PhD programs without ever actually having like set foot outside the school system. And, um, but it's because, you know, it, it's kind of convenient, you know, it gives you structure, it gives you boundaries, it gives you, you know, just some sort of like, you know, general foundation to your everyday life. But as a full-time creator, 
you're in charge of every minute of your time. And, uh, you know, a consequence of that is that you never truly feel like you're off the clock, you know, because yeah. every minute that you're not spent trying to, you know, improve your content or pump out content or come up with, you know, unique novel ideas, whatever, you know, it's like that, to, you know, it's easy to fall into the trap of, you know, the feeling like you're wasting your time because you're not being optimal because you're the one in charge of how you spend your time. So it's, uh, that's something that I think isn't, uh, isn't noticed or talked about enough in terms of full-time content creation. Cause yeah, like playing the video game, that's the easy part, yeah. but, uh, like deciding what you do with your time and how to best use it and also how to just like take time off. Cause that's, yes. that's the plague we see with, especially with Twitch streamers, right. Is like, you know, people do these crazy sub marathons or, you know, just like insane streams and you even see it with some of the top guys like i even hear you know guys like um you know curtis or paul you know who are the you know top kind of gamers you know in the in the twitch category for old school runescape and those guys even openly admit you know how much of a struggle it is still even after they're well established and you know are pretty well off like there's still that underlying fear they have about you know taking more than a few days off at a time because you're just People are afraid, you know, that, you know, the internet algorithm and people's, you know, short attention spans these days will, <laughs> will, uh, will lead to negative consequences. And so, um, it's, uh, that's the thing about full-time content creation that I think doesn't really get enough attention. And it's something I definitely struggled with a lot. And, um, you know, ultimately, as I said, it was something that, you know, with my move, uh, you know, out to the West coast and then returning from, uh, from just financial and, and uh, other real life struggles. Um, you know, it was something that I had to just reflect on deeply about, you know, is this uh, what I really want to be doing? Um, and for me personally, again, it's this isn't like a blanket statement, but just for me personally, I've learned that I have to have a rather clear separation between um, what I do for work and what I do for play. Yep. And it's not to say that, you know, my work can't be playful, and that my my playtime, you know, obviously my playtime lately has been uh, making Bard. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's not to say those are mutually exclusive, but I definitely need to sort of draw that line in the sand for myself so that I can, um, you know, just just feel like I'm able to relax, <laughs> you know, when I'm, uh, you know, when I'm, uh, you know, not working or, you know, in my free time. Um, yeah, because when you're a when you're a full time gaming, I don't know if, if you feel the same, but I definitely felt like there was never a you know, a moment where I felt like I was off the clock. I felt like I was always on constantly just trying to improve or, um, you know, just see what I could do differently or, um, you know, just spending time, obviously streaming, video editing, that kind of thing. Yeah. But, uh, it can, it can be a, a real exhausting thing. And, um, yeah. How do you feel about hey, all that? I really love the way you put it. In fact, the way you said just never being off the clock, I've never, I've never actually looked at it that way, but it definitely is like you've you've put things into a different perspective for me because i used to see it as just oh you're playing something and then now the incentive's different and so now mm -hmm. it's just gonna feel different like me playing runescape is now okay i have to do this it's not yeah. my choice anymore i mean it still is my choice and i still love the game fortunately yeah. um i think <clears throat> for me personally when i see me as a content creator um I look at that and if I'm ever a little bit discouraged or a little depressed about like, oh, like, is this what I want to continue doing for years and years to come? I just look back at previous jobs and I really try to take a close look at, okay, what was, yeah. 
yeah. how did I feel during during this time in my life versus now? And yeah, every time I reflect, I'm like, okay, no, I'm way, way, way happier now. When I took, when I take, when I like write things yeah. down, and I'm like, here's the pros and cons of my current situation, pros and cons of before. I am so unbelievably like just so much happier now, and uh, yeah. that is not everyone That's and. Great. Um, a lot of people actually get really stressed out and it sounds like you were kind of in that same boat of like, you feel like you're never doing enough. I am a person that can relax and maybe I can relax too much, but it's a good thing. So <laughs> I, I have this ability yeah. and not everyone's built the same. And my brother's kind of the same way where we can push things out of our mind and just not stress about it. So yeah. I mean, who knows in the next few years if I'll be balding or anything by that point. And, of course, stress isn't the only case of balding. But uh, I yeah, will say, right. if things are unbelievably stressing me out or something that I just don't want to think of, like, oh, like, I have to I have to get a girlfriend. Or I don't have to get a girlfriend. But it's, like, things that I'm, like, I have to probably buy a house, you know, in a few years. I would like to do that. Oh, and I'm, if, I'm in the process of that right now, oh, as a matter of fact. It's stressful. It's stressful. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a different kind of stress for sure. But, yeah. you know, it's exciting. But at the same time, completely overwhelming. Yeah. And that kind um, of thing of like even just income per month with streaming yep. and stuff like that stuff can really start overwhelming me and eating me up inside. But I have yep. an ability. It's my superpower. No, it's not really a superpower. Yeah. But it's just me just, okay, am I happy in this moment right now? Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's all that really matters in life is just yeah, like, are true. you happy? So, yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's very well said, man. And honestly, uh, you know, to me, that almost sounds like a, like, well, first of all, I want to say that, yeah, definitely the, the reflection, you know, sort of on the past and just thinking about the way things used to be versus the way things are now, I think is very valuable. You know, that's almost like a, um, uh, almost like a, like a stoic principle in a way of like a, like a negative visualization type of thing. I don't know if you're familiar with any of that, but basically like the whole idea is, is to, um, it's almost, I don't want to call it like a meditation technique because that sort of diminishes what it really is. But like the whole idea of negative visualization is to just sort of like be able to imagine what your life would be like right now without something in it, you know, say whether it's, you know, a parent or, you know, streaming RuneScape and, and, you know, and also drawing those comparisons to the way things used to be versus the way things are now, I think definitely helps you keep a level head and um, yeah, to just remember to, uh, you know, to stay in the moment. Yeah. type of thing because it's so easy to get caught up you know in in the past you know the way things used to be you know maybe especially as a streamer you know it's so variable from month to month yeah um you know it's so easy to get caught up you know when you have a bad month or something for whatever reason it might be completely out of your control maybe yep. just the game is having a bad month and therefore everyone's numbers are down mm-hmm. but still you sort of you know tend to take it personally uh, at least i i, I do i do too way. yep it's, it's hard it's hard not to you know because you're like well shit i don't have as many people watching me as i did last month like what did i do but yep. you know it might not even it, it might be completely unrelated but you know it's so easy to get caught up in you know oh man you know the way things used to be were so much better and maybe i need to you know do something different or obviously you know just being sort of fearful for the future wondering you know how long this is going to last it, it's so easy to get caught up in those you know vicious loops but uh, yeah, I mean, it's great to hear that um, that you're keeping a level head about it. And obviously, you know, you're, I think I speak for uh, for most people listening to this podcast when I say that it's very evident, you know, just the passion you've got um, for this game. And also, I think, in my opinion, as a content creator, you've really set yourself up for for success down the line because 
one of the things that I feel like I struggled with personally as uh, trying to be a full-time uh, Rooney gamer was that uh, I felt very pigeonholed into caveman only. Mm. Like taking that literally, it felt like that was what the majority of people viewed me for was watching, you know, my little underground Iron Man progress series. Um, and so to me, maybe this wasn't, you know, in actuality, but I definitely felt very strongly that it was hard for me to try and make a pivot, especially to like another game. Now yeah. I'm, I think I'm like you, I'm definitely primarily a scaper. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I've played this game far and away, you know, more hours than I have any other game. It's not even close. Um, but you know, I've dabbled in some other things, especially like MMOs and that kind of thing. But, um, I just felt uh, very sort of pigeonholed into one thing that, especially because, you know, I was doing this thing, you know, for money now as a full-time creator after taking the leap that that also created like a, a, a disincentive to want to change up what I was doing, you know, cause I had a formula that worked. Um, but you know, to create another snowflake account, for example, you know, from scratch and try and, you know, get people on board with the idea and like build up a whole new thing or try and, you know, I remember when, uh, like classic, uh, classic wow launched, um, or relaunched, I guess, you know, a number of years back. Um, you know, I tried to stream that a little bit as well as a bunch of other creators, but, uh, it's just hard, you know, because a lot of people just like, there's something unique about the RuneScape community where like, I feel like most players in this community only care about runescape or only yeah. want to see runescape content you know it's yeah. like that's really cool like you know the community is super passionate and everything but also sort of not a total monolith obviously but monolithic tendencies and yeah. so trying to just like you know trying to diverge from what you're what i was known for you know as this one you know account i felt was was incredibly difficult to convince myself <laughs> first of all but then to convince you know my my audience as well my community um to uh to follow along but i so i guess back to my point i think that you set yourself up really well not only you know do you have a solid iron man you know one of the best in the game arguably but obviously you've got um you know your rambles that you do where you're just giving your own personal you know insight into um you know just dev blogs and and you know the gazette posts and stuff and um and then obviously this podcast where you've had so many legends and you know j mods as well just to get uh, some insight and really, uh, you know, just we were talking about this before the podcast, but it's just kind of awesome to talk to different, you know, creators and, and gamers from this community and and get to know them. You know, this this community is so special. And yeah. then, of course, you've also got, uh, you know, guides that you do and that kind of thing. So I think you've you've definitely diversified yourself. Um, and then, of course, your streams, too. So I think that you've definitely got uh, the recipe for success to kind of make this in the long run. And it's only bolstered by the fact that it seems like you're a pretty level headed dude and if you've got the ability to just kind of, you know, block things out or just let things go and not let them get to you so much, I think that's uh, that's a recipe for uh, for success in the future. So I really appreciate that. That makes me, you know, sometimes I think, and it's, uh, it's interesting because when you get a compliment or you, somebody says something in a different light than you've been internally thinking for so long, yeah. it just puts things back into perspective. So I really appreciate uh, the kind words. And yeah, I do one thing i'm really grateful for is it is just exactly what i want to do like i yeah. want to make an efficient guide <laughs> i want to just talk about what's happening in the game i want to just speak my mind i want to just record upload done it's not like oh this is my weekly obligation to make an update video you know for yep. this like no this is exactly what i want to do and this is the uh sort of like 
bad part uh mm-hmm. it's very comfy for me but it's like the kind of no schedule which is yeah pretty bad <laughs> but uh yeah i mean i'm 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 a very similar where i struggled to maintain a schedule just because i don't know every day is sort of different yeah. and yeah. you know er, er, you know <laughs> events unfold you know uh in in the way that they do and you have to sort of learn to adapt so yeah that was that's one thing that i actually um not to digress too much but one thing i love about my current job a lot fixing band instruments is just the flexibility that uh, that my employer gives me you know it's like i still work approximately nine to five but it's mm-hmm. like you know i could pretty much work whatever hours i want as long as i get the work done yep and uh you know nobody breathing down my neck you know micromanaging me and stuff it's really nice that's so, fantastic um yeah yeah so i definitely i definitely empathize with you on that struggle to uh to maintain a schedule because i mean it's just you know it's the paradigm we've operated in for so long you know just uh <clears throat> you know as a society not i don't want to get too far down a philosophical rabbit hole or anything but you know, I feel like the uh, the meta is sort of shifting IRL in a way, especially with all of this uh, remote work and stuff and employers having to give people a little bit more uh, leeway and flexibility. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. it's necessarily inherently a bad thing to not maintain a schedule, but obviously it also has its advantages too, because so many people are, you know, schedule oriented that it helps people, you know, uh, to, to fit your content into their lives. Um, a bit better, and yeah. that was something that I uh, I struggled with too when I was streaming full time, trying to stick to some semblance of a schedule. It was tough. Yeah, and uh, I see my brother because like my brother is very passionate about what he does. Uh, he's a creative director um, over here oh, cool. in Alabama, and so I've always just kind of followed him, uh, living wise, because uh, you know I I could live with anybody else. I could go back home. I w- I wouldn't want to go back home to live with my parents, but it'd be you know free rent and everything. But I've really enjoyed living with my brother, and we. I feel like I I know him really well. And one thing that he always kind of says is he he does work a nine to five basically, and he loves it because he just works. It's really chill. He's kind of like in the upper management sort of area, and his boss just loves him, lets him do whatever he wants basically, and uh, he gets to go home and doesn't have to think about it. Just boom, and that is yeah. kind of something that uh, there's pros and cons to each. I mean, he's. Sometimes he's a little envious of me that I can just sleep in whatever day I want. Uh, well, but the there grass is... is always greener exactly. on the other side, right? <laughs> yeah. No, and I'm a little envious of just that, like, kind of strict routine where it's like, okay, let me wake yeah. up. Let me work out. I have to go to this job, you know? And then you get to go home yeah. and just relax and, uh, you know, pros and cons to each. But Yeah, definitely. Well, and as I was saying, too, you know, about just... Uh, you know, being a full-time uh, creator, being self-employed, just that level of autonomy. Like it, it really does, I think, take a special type of person to be able to do that and do it successfully into the long run because it takes, uh, you know, discipline, frankly, um, you know, to be able to, you know, do what you need to do and like, you know, be a person first and then be able to, um, you know, do your content creation, whatever that means to you and, and still, you know, feel like you're living a, a well-rounded life because like that was the thing for me is that I felt like as much as I was enjoying streaming in particular video making and eh, not so much I could I could take it or leave it but I love the streaming and just the live interaction and hanging out with you know with the with the gamers uh, in, the, in the chat and everything but uh, I just didn't feel like I, I had a, a very healthy um, like life balance yeah. and uh, you know probably just got myself to blame for that but I mean it's tough you know and especially as you know just people who are you know in their mid-20s primarily you know early to mid-20s i think is you know where a lot of streamers find themselves age-wise um 
you know, most most of those folks, I mean, some people may have not even had like a regular job before. I mean, you know, the, yeah. the upcoming generations, you know, there are kids, you know, in middle school and stuff who like literally want to be, you know, YouTubers when they grow up. Like, that's so weird. That was that was not the that case was not a path you could take. Yeah. Back yeah, then. Yeah. But the fact that that is a realistic path is awesome. But it, it's it's got its consequences for sure. And like you said, I think it really just ultimately comes down to knowing yourself because, yeah. you know, like your brother. You know, he thrives apparently in that nine to five and that's, yep. and that's great. Um, you know, but for a lot of people, the nine to five just doesn't cut it. Um, yeah. and so I think it's ultimately just about, you know, knowing yourself. And that was the part that, uh, that's, that's the, the adventure I've been on recently is just figuring out what that means for me. And I feel like I'm figuring it out, you know, not, not completely. Yeah. Cause I, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up, but I, uh, you know, I, I do things that I enjoy and, uh, you know, I just kind of want to be someone who, uh, you know, makes cool shit basically, yeah. Wh whatever that looks like, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, making a, some bard post for the medieval clicking simulator or, you know, uh, you know, making cool instruments or, you know, whatever it might be. You know, I think, um, definitely that's, that's sort of where my uh, passion kind of resides. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's just nice to be able to have a job that gives me the amount of flexibility that I really need personally. Um, and also just like the, the creativity um, and problem solving involved with the work that I do, you know, with like band instrument repair, it's like every day is different, which is mm -hmm. great. Um, I would not, I would not thrive in like a cubicle <laughs> environment. That would be, you know, yeah. th that would be the, the end of me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, I feel like I've struck a really nice balance um, just in, in my, my work and, uh, and non-work settings. But um, I also want to, you know, eventually uh, make a bit of a comeback to streaming in particular. Uh, YouTube, probably uh, not going to be making any more Underground Iron Man progress videos because spending 200 hours, you know, of, of progress and editing for a 12-minute video just, like, wasn't something I was super interested in after yeah. a while. Um, but, yeah, I'd like to, uh, especially now that this Bard project is, uh, is off my plate, so to speak, um, I definitely think I'd like to uh, to bring streaming back into the fold a little bit more because I do miss it. But, that's um, that's so exciting to hear. Yeah, Have, having a break was was definitely needed. You know, just to to figure myself out a little bit more and uh, you know get my bearings underneath me again and find that right balance. And I think I'm I'm getting close at least. You sound happy too, and that's the main thing. I I hope you feel happy and it sounds like you are and uh, i do yeah and I, I saw someone uh, someone asked that question on uh, on twitter i want to give this guy a shout out go for it yeah uh plm bra <laughs> asks uh on the on the twitter uh, thread just ask him how he feels if he's happy in life because that's the most important so shout out to that guy or or gal whoever you are but um yeah i i uh, I, I genuinely feel pretty happy you know with with where i'm at in my life you know i i've surrounded myself with uh, with great people both, uh, you know, in real life and uh, I think, you know, in this community and um, yeah, the people you surround yourself with, uh, I think is probably like the most important factor in life, you know, because it's, it's so easy to be, uh, to be swayed by people, you know, positively or negatively. Yeah. So I, uh, I think I'm, I'm pretty particular in terms of who I uh, like to involve in my inner circle, if you will. Yeah. Um, but I think that, uh, well, it's, that's got its pros and cons, but I definitely think for me personally, it's, it's a pro. And, uh, you know, so all of my friends, uh, that I've got, you know, in real life and communicate with regularly, they're all my best friends pretty much, you know, I can talk to them about anything, anytime. 
and uh, you know they're they're great you know reciprocal relationships and uh, yeah so uh, I'm I'm feeling pretty good feeling pretty good <laughs> hell yeah okay so we've been talking for uh, a minute just you know just over yeah. a minute uh, but uh, I want to kind of like cross it by you what do you think uh, we should get into first some of the Twitter topics or just kind of jump into Bard and then kind of like mix them in or like do the Twitter oh, topics gosh. at the end it's it's well, hard to. Yeah, it's hard to know because obviously with Bard, we're gonna be we're gonna be chatting for uh, probably a little bit more than a minute. On that. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I I think the best way to probably approach that too is to just kind of do all of the Bard stuff in one go. So I think it'd be a good time, you know, while we're still talking about you know life and and you know just general topics to uh, to include some of those um, in uh, before we delve into the the Bard rabbit hole and. Um, and then, of course, you know, the Bard-specific questions we can kind of, you know, sprinkle in uh, as we go through, I think. So, yeah, if you want to uh, pull a question from uh, the Twitter thread or whatever. Okay, I see one right here from Alex Percival. He asks, how and why was the Bard skill chosen? What other skills were you potentially looking at to put concepts together for? Great work, by the way. Yeah, thanks, Alex. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, so I mentioned this a little bit uh, earlier already, but... Uh, how and why was the bard skill chosen? Um, well, I mean, again, it, it directly relates to uh, to my you know my time as a musician um, and my experience as a musician. Um, the so I, I talked about this a little bit on the Reddit post. Like, I had a, a comment underneath the post that probably got you know buried by all the other uh, hundreds of comments. But I, I gave a little bit of like a, a brief history, I guess, of you know the genesis of this whole thing because uh, actually. Um, the idea in my mind to uh, maybe have a bard skill come to old school runescape dates all the way back to like 2014 um when i was in music school and i mentioned this before uh we we clicked the the red button to go live but i mentioned to you briefly that i had um i participated in like a medieval music ensemble uh when i was at uh, college and um i just did it for the hell of it because it sounded cool and uh, why not? I always enjoy, you know, picking up a new instrument and learning it. Um, and uh, so, yeah, for an entire semester in college, I played the sackbutt, <laughs> which is um, the uh, basically the medieval trombone. And uh, yeah, it, I mean, it, it's spelled just the way it sounds. Uh, and so, yeah, if you look it up, uh, if you search it on Google, I mean, it's basically a trombone because I guess it's you know one of the classic cases of you know if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I played the uh, I played the E flat alto sackbutt um, in college for a whole semester, and uh, I don't know, and and of course you know so this was pretty shortly after old school had just you know relaunched, you know it had only been out for you know maybe a year or something at that point, and I was I was a day one you know old school player, so um, but I was just you know noodling around on my uh, main back then, but I don't know the idea just kind of hit me one day, um, you know sackbutt in hand <laughs> uh, during class and everything, I was like man. It might be kind of cool if, uh, you know, if Bard or just music in general had some kind of, you know, inclusion in RuneScape. I was like, maybe that could work. I don't know. And so um, this was also around the time that um, Jagex had decided to do the uh, the player design contest for a new skill, which is, you know, the thing that eventually spawned Artisan. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, you know what? Let me let me just do a little quick, you know, write up and, and submit it. You know, why not? So. I put together a pretty like you know pitiful uh, like Google Doc or spreadsheet or something with you know a couple you know a few very bare bones ideas and you know like level tables and stuff and you know and chuck that in you know spoiler alert nothing happened <laughs> but um, 
so that, that was like the original genesis of um of uh, the bard idea and uh but then like once artisan came to the forefront obviously you know that stole everyone's attention including mine um because again just like the prospect of a new skill to me is so exciting and i don't know i feel like i'm even more excited with it the more uh, time that passes because it's like that final glass ceiling in this game that just hasn't been broken yet you know it's like you think about everything i i start the bard post um you know just asking what makes old school runescape runescape basically you know and obviously you know we know that you know the the low poly stylized graphics you know it's a pretty big cornerstone um but also it's not one that's like completely foundational because obviously with uh 117 scapes uh runelite hd plugin you know that he made um which was fantastic by the way yeah. um and i still uh, use that um myself but it just sort of went to show that as foundational as we think like the graphics are of this game they're really still sort of subject to change mm-hmm. and also like nothing like there's nothing inherent about the game itself that really changes by just modifying the graphics um so it's a it's definitely a a core part of what makes old school old school but it's not like the essential element and then you got you know just like the way you play the game which is obviously everything is you know point and click which is uh, unique to runescape i think compared to other mmos you know like wow for example you know with the with the wasty uh, movement and, and that kind of thing um and obviously you know the ability bar combat very different but with runescape you know whether it's movement or your skills or combat everything's simple point and click um and again that's pretty foundational to this game i would say but also still kind of subject to change just like look at runelight and how many plugins we've got and how many ways to modify your clicking experience we have these days especially things that were initially controversial like the menu entry swapper you know that um, i didn't use for the longest time because i was i was uh, stubborn and against it um because it was i don't know literally just like deleting half the amount of clicks that you had to do <laughs> for certain activities but um again you know it, it it's sort of shown over time that um you know, as foundational as, you know, the point and click, uh, nature of the game is, it's still kind of subject to change. Yeah. Um, and people's varying opinions, but the one thing that I think is the most foundational and that glass ceiling that still hasn't been broken yet for this game is a new skill. And, uh, I mean, your, your skills are literally what make your runescape experience runescape, you know, get rid of your skills and there's not much of a game left, <laughs> you know? Um, uh, they're they're pretty much inevitable um you know i don't know if i've ever actually seen you know like a, a no xp gaining iron man you know snowflake roaming around i'm sure they probably exist but but um you know no matter what way you choose to play the game you know whether you're a, a skiller or, you know or a pure pk or a maxed iron man you know we say in the post here your skills are are what make your runescape experience what it is and um I don't know, to me, that just presents such an exciting opportunity and also a challenge. You know, that's just like a creative problem-solving challenge, really. Just figuring out what does it take to add a new skill to this game, given where we're at and with the polling system and everything. And I think I should also preface before we do, you know, like a a dive into Bard, which I don't want to do that quite yet because I want to take more Twitter questions. (laughs) But but, um, I do want to preface before we jump into the Bard stuff that... um, I am still of the belief that old school RuneScape could very much go on indefinitely without ever seeing any new skills. I think that, I mean, it's already been proven, you know, the last nine years 
that the game's been out, you know, I think it's done quite well for itself. I think it's exceeded everyone's expectations. So oh, yeah. I don't think that um, a new skill is absolutely necessary for the longevity of the game. However, I would argue that I think that the game could very much be better because of it. Um, you know, think about raids. You know, the game could have easily gone, you know, without raiding dungeons, you know, Chambers of Zarek, Theater of Blood, uh, you know, TOA coming soon, you know, and they could have done, you know, just more traditional bossing experiences and stuff, and, like, that would have been fine. But raids just make the game so much better because of it, you know? Yep. Um, it's it's just added so much life to the game and so much, uh, I mean, it's just increased the skill gap in this game by an insane amount, especially with things like the Inferno. Like, gamers these days you know, in this game are not the same caliber as they were five years ago. You know, people have way far outpaced what people were doing five years ago um, in terms of just the the level of skill and complexity. Um, so, you know, raids were absolutely not necessary for the, uh, for the longevity of this game, I would argue, but they've made the game better. And um, I think that's the exact same argument that you could make for a new skill. Now, obviously a new skill, because it's so foundational, um, you know, it's gonna be the most controversial because again, your skills in RuneScape are basically inevitable. You know, it's pretty hard to avoid them. And like, yes, you know, you can selectively avoid them, but because it exists like right there in your skills interface, you know, level one, just staring you in the face every day. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's hard to avoid, you know, it's not the same thing as like a new boss or a new quest or a mini game, you know, like all of those things are, um, you know, more avoidable i would say than a new skill so i definitely can appreciate people's um you know like trepidation over adding a new skill because if it goes poorly that that could uh you know affect the longevity of the game in a negative way mm -hmm. but um i just think there are so many more opportunities for something like this to succeed especially if we can work together um and collaborate as a community um, you know, I think that um, that's going to be the only real way to ever uh, get a new skill into the game. Yeah. Um, anyway, I digressed a lot from the original question, but um, to go back and I guess actually answer that question succinctly, how and why was the bard skill chosen? Um, it was chosen because I'm a musician and uh, it made natural logical sense to me. And obviously we fleshed out that idea over the years. Now, the second part of the question, what other skills were you potentially looking at? Um, I, I don't mean to disappoint, but frankly, the answer is none. <laughs> um, because um, this, uh, this idea for Bard has just been like this, this uh, earworm in my brain, you know, for lack of a better phrase. <laughs> like it's just been this idea rolling around in my noggin for like nearly a decade. And I just like needed to get it out. <laughs> and I'm very, I'm extremely grateful for General Tractor and Gnome in helping me uh, accomplish that because I definitely feel like I've got a lot more uh, mental bandwidth available now that that's uh, pretty much you know said and done yeah but um yeah there there really was no um like there was no competition between different skill ideas you know internally between all of us yeah now i will say that uh gnome um the gentleman who we added uh onto our project you know sort of midway through the process he um, is uh known in the reddit community at least for uh, publishing his own skill idea um, I guess probably about a year ago or maybe a little more, um, his exploration skill idea. And uh, that did not involve uh, me or General Tractor. That was a completely solo project that he had been uh, endeavoring um, on his own for quite some time. 
And um, so that was also a really cool thing was that like somebody who had made their own skill idea and like published it and, you know, did the big, beautiful skyscraper post, you know, just like we did. I think he did collaborate a little bit with General Tractor in terms of just like formatting his final yeah. thing. But um, yeah, I mean, it was just really cool to, to bring somebody into the fold who had already concepted their own idea and then coming in and getting fresh eyes on a different idea and being able to, you know, just have that dialogue back and forth, you know, talking about the best bits of his design and how we could implement those and perhaps, you know, improve some of the weaker parts of our design. So, um, yeah, there wasn't really like a contest of ideas or anything, but obviously when we, when we get into the, uh, the Bard stuff, um, in greater detail here coming up, I of course do want to talk about, um, previous skill ideas. Cause I know another topic that's been asked quite a bit is like, why Bard? Yeah. So there, there really wasn't uh, much of like a competition of different skill ideas among us, you know, among the three of us. But um, I do want to talk later in this podcast when we uh, when we get that far, just about um, you know why Bard in particular versus you know maybe some other more familiar ideas or even you know ideas that have been pulled in the past, you know, artisan sailing warding, and I know the other you know commonly uh, asked uh, skill ideas or you know like summoning and dungeoneering from days past, yeah. but. Um, I've got my own, you know, arguments against each of those ideas for various reasons. Um, some I think are better than others, but um, yeah, I just think that uh, you know, Bard um, achieves uh, more than what some of these other uh, historical ideas do. And you know, I'll obviously try and, and back up that uh, that statement as well later on. But um, yeah, so Bard was chosen because uh, I'm a musician. I love music. And I love RuneScape, and uh, why not uh, match the two up, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I'm just eager to get into it, but I'm going to try to see if there's any other questions. <laughs> and if you see on the Twitter topics as well, like if you see anything that you would like to kind of go into before getting into all of Bard, let me know. Yeah, okay. Because uh, some, some I kind of think of like, uh, like maybe we should cover this afterward, but yeah, it's up yeah. to you really. Yeah. Uh, because I want mm. this to be kind of all-inclusive, barred, but I don't want to cover things that we should cover after before. So, right, of course, it. of course, yeah, it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be tough because uh, I mean I guess we could have spent a little bit more time, uh, you know, on my my history with caveman, um, but because I see there are a few uh, a few questions about that. I think um, we should get into so that yeah, first, then. Kind yeah, of, I, I think we should because yeah. bard, yeah, bard, bard's gonna be uh, beef. a while. So. It's gonna be beefy. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I want to uh, talk uh, about this uh, right here from Sani OSRS. Sorry if I uh, didn't pronounce that right, but um, they it. ask, what what made you originally come up with the idea of a caveman only iron? Um, I really like uh, just reminiscing on this because, again, it was like almost by accident in a way. But so two of my like main inspirations for doing this, I know that um, uh, some people sort of um, – I don't know. I, I feel like sometimes I, I get a little bit uh, like too much credit in terms of, uh, you know, like the snowflake community. I mean, I, I was definitely early on, but there were also like many other people um, who were doing, you know, this snowflake type thing, you know, this area locked um, style of play long before I was doing it. Um, I just happened, you know, to make YouTube <laughs> videos and, and stream it too, um, which uh, some of these other folks uh, didn't do so much of. But my two main inspirations for um, for starting something like this were Karamja only, um, not Verf, 
love love the gamer to death, but um, Karamja only was like the OG area locked account that I, I guess he must have made his account like pretty shortly after Iron Man mode launched, which I think was like late 2014. Oh wow, something like that. Way yeah. early. And okay. um, yeah, I actually had uh, the pleasure of of getting to speak with him on a number of occasions. I believe he's from Finland. Great guy. But um, yeah, he's not really a content creator. He just does it again because he sort of enjoys it. And um, he did used to post pretty regular progress uh, logs like on Reddit on occasion uh, and just would sort of describe, you know, some of the challenges, you know, that he would encounter with his restrictions. And um, yeah, I, I was just fascinated by it because I'd never really seen anything like that before. And um, also, uh, I was a big fan of a YouTuber back in the day who went by the name Will Dependent. Um, and his series uh, predated Iron Man mode because he was playing as a sort of Iron Man in a way, um, but before the mode was even released. So this must have been like very early old school, like late 2013, early 2014. But, you know, he was basically like a like a wilderness-only Iron Man in a way. But, of course, you know, his rules were sort of flexible because he didn't have actual Iron Man restrictions. And, like, part of his, you know, shtick, too, was, you know, he wanted to be able to, like, gear up and, you know, kill people and, and loot their stuff. Yeah. Um, and um, so that was part of his um, his series. And, again, I just absolutely fell in love with it because, I don't know, I had just never really seen anything like that before. Um, but I at that point, I hadn't really ever considered uh, doing it myself. Um, but I guess, like, the way that I started – so when I, when I first – uh, started playing old school again I was like a day one gamer um, I was just you know playing a playing a regular main and um, for whatever reason on my main early on I decided that one of my first goals was to be one of the first people to get 99 herb board. <laughs> wow um, don't know why don't know why but uh, I just decided that was that was uh, gonna be my thing yeah. and um, I found this really weird meta way back in the day this was like this predates the grand exchange in the game and everything so this was like even before like the trading post was a thing, this was like back in the Zybez days, you know, yeah. when you have to, you know, go to this third party forum and, you know, and find, you know, go click some sketchy links to find people to <laughs> trade with. And um, I mean, this predates so many things, but um, this even predates like Slayer bosses, like Kraken um, and like Thermi and that kind of thing. Yeah. And so back in the day, early, early old school, the one of the early money-making methods was to actually do barrows with a black salamander. Um, and, uh, cause this predated the Trident and everything. So, um, and, and using the black salamander was pretty cheap and you can use every combat style with a salamander. Yeah. So, um, but the ammo, you know, goes quickly and people need a lot of it. And, uh, and so the ammo is Harlander tar. Like you literally just, um, combine swamp tar with Harlander and now you've got your, your tar. Um, and, uh, I didn't even really realize that was a thing. Um, until, I don't know, I was just like browsing the skill guide, looking at my options, I guess, and discovered this <laughs> and turned out that like at the time, I mean, I guess early old school, like botting was even more of a problem, I would say, or in terms of like the ratio of bots to legit players at mm -hmm. least. Um, and so, uh, yeah, there were definitely some very uh, suspect individuals who I purchased like bulk <laughs> quantities of Swamp Tar and Harlander from and pretty much had like a monopoly on the market back then. Wow. Um, yeah, and so uh, I remember there used to be uh, like one other dude who um, who would um, uh, compete with me on Zybez for for my uh, my uh, herbs and my tar, and we'd be in uh, like the same uh, like Varrock, West Bank, same world and everything. Um, 
but anyway, um, it turned out to be like extremely lucrative. Um, and so I actually profited probably like 50 mil or something getting to 99 Herblor, which is like unheard of, you know, yeah. for, a, for a viable wow. skill these days. Um, and I enjoyed it so much. And like, it was, it was lucrative enough and also extremely AFK. You oh, know, so chill. Ocean. Yeah. It's so chill. Yeah. And I was making bank from it early, you know, <laughs> in the early days. And so I literally made and sold millions of Harlander tar. And, um, and, uh, I, I also decided, uh, to, uh, to make my character's name Heisenberg, you know, like after, uh, <laughs> yeah. Walter White on Breaking Bad. Yeah. And so like, if you, if you actually look at the, the Bard post, you'll see that my, my Reddit name is actually Heisenberg RS. I was going to so, ask that. I probably would have yeah, forgotten, yeah. but wow. <laughs> so that's where it all yeah, stems from. So, so that's where it all stemmed from. And I, I figured it was kind of perfect, you know, because I'm I'm uh, the Herblore guy, you know, and and so uh, I just thought it'd be cool to have uh, like an untrimmed Herblore cape and be like a Walter White cosplay. I don't know, whatever, weird idea. But um, so after I got 99 and it made bank, I kept doing it, and I was like, this is this is so AFK and and chill and lucrative that I'm just gonna do this all the way to 200 mil because I was making money, so why not? Yeah. Um, so I ended up getting, uh, I think to about like 30, 30 something mil herblore. I was, I think like one of the top 10 people to get 99 herblore, if I recall correctly. Um, and I was in the top 10 herblore ranks for quite a while. Cause you know, no one was really uh, training, especially post 99 XP. Oh yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So anyway, I was, I was making, I, I had my Harlander tar empire and it was growing <laughs> and I was enjoying it. Um, but um, at the time, back then, I was working a summer job that was like really taking me away from the PC. I wasn't going to be gaming much. And I had a good gamer friend of mine who I didn't actually know in person, but like we had played RuneScape together since like, you know, 2007. And we like used to go PKing together back in the day. You know, we'd be on, uh, you know, on Skype or TeamSpeak or whatever together. And so like, I felt like I knew the guy and we were good gamer buddies. And, um, you know, so I, uh, when I was away for the summer working, um, I decided to give him my account details because he wanted because I was I was max combat as well, so he wanted my uh, account to go like max PKing in. Um, and he said, you know, he'd he'd fund all the gear and everything, and I was like, fine, you know, have at it. So yeah. he uh he played my account, um, and you know went PKing and probably staking too and whatever. Um, and there was no issue all summer, and then finally I came uh, back from uh, my uh, my time away at my summer job and was back to session the Rooney regularly. But I never changed my login details. Didn't really even think about it. Yeah. And um, and one day my buddy messaged me from his account saying, "Dude, I just lost everything. You know, at the Sand Casino. Can you help me out?" And I was like, "Oh man, you know that sucks. You know, I, I gave him a, a loan. I don't know, a small loan of a million dollars. And uh, and uh, you know, just trying to help a homie out. And lo and behold, the very next day I log in and my bank is wiped. Just Jesus absolutely Christ. clear." So yeah, I, I obviously I was I was angry at the time because you know I felt betrayed, but at the same time that guy obviously had a bit of you know like a, a crippling staking addiction and yeah. uh, you know so I didn't necessarily take it personally, but that completely burned me out from that account. I was like, well, guess I'm done with this. So um, I made a regular Iron Man account because again this predated hardcore. Um, and, uh, so I seshed the Iron Man for a little bit and like, it was fine. And I got to sort of like the mid game, you know, I was doing Barrows. I was maybe, I don't know, like 1300 total level or something, mm -hmm. but it just like, wasn't really doing it for me. I don't know. There, there, I don't know. I, I guess I was still feeling kind of burnt out from having my whole empire wiped out overnight. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, then I started, uh, you know, reading these progress logs from Karamja only and from, uh, and seeing will dependence progress videos, which are still up by the way. I think it's, you know, if for nothing else, you know, for historical purposes, just looking back and seeing the way people used to play the game back then, kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, so um, I was on my Iron Man, just like kind of noodling around in like the Lumbridge basement, I think. And I started like going through um, the the Dorgishan mines and like all of that stuff. I hadn't really ever explored that area before. And I, you know, stumbled my way into Dorgish Khan, which I had only been to before, like from the quest. And then, uh, you know, explored the city and ended up in like the, the South Dungeon there and found what to me was brand new but it actually been in the game since i think like 2006 but for those of you who don't know there's actually like a somewhat unknown and secret entrance to the calphite layer where kq is um from the dorgish khan south dungeon so you can actually get from the lumbridge basement like through the mines walk through dorgish khan all the way to the south through the dungeon into the calphite layer without ever going to the surface and that just like blew my fucking mind when i discovered that <laughs> And I was like, how cool would it be to try and do something like these guys are doing? But my only goal was basically to kill Calphite Queen one time without ever going to the surface um, and use, you know, what resources and stuff I had uh, in Dorgish Khan and like, you know, the mines and stuff, whatever, whatever I could do to scrounge up enough gear to kill KQ one time. That was that was the series. And um, but it wasn't even a series then because I didn't really plan on making content. Um, but this was when uh, I guess I was using OS Buddy, and every time you get a level, do a quest, whatever, it, it takes a you know an automatic screenshot for you. So I had all of these screenshots just kind of like saved up, and uh, after playing the account for a couple of weeks, um, I was just like having a blast, and figured you know why the hell not you know just try what Karamja only was doing and do a bit of you know like a progress log kind of thing and send it on uh, Reddit and see what happens. And uh, yeah, my first few progress logs did pretty well, um, you know at least uh, in terms of. Um, how the, the subreddit was back in the day. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was sort of how it got started. And then somebody in the Reddit comments said like, yeah, KQ is is cool and everything, but you can use the free minigame teleport to the Czar fight pits and you can go for a fire cape. And I was like, holy oh, shit, shit. That, this literally changes everything. <laughs> so all of a sudden I started seeing sort of like the potential for what this could turn into. Um, and so I started, yeah, just doing some theory crafting and figuring out like how to navigate around the game. And obviously, you know, not a perfect system, um, you know, because, you know, it's not as black and white, you know, as Mauritania only where you mm -hmm. just go to the swamp and never leave. Yeah. Know? So I, I, ha I had a bit of gray area to my rules. I still do. Um, but I don't know. I kind of like that, you know, and, and um, you know, I would basically just uh, only go to the surface if I had to, you know, to get from one cave to another. And, uh, yeah, so after progressing for a while, you know, I got my, uh, uh, I also, uh, had to do a couple quests early on, you know, to, um, to get the account started so that it would actually work. Um, like I had to unlock the train that runs between, uh, Keldegrim and Dorgish Khan, which again is something that I think a lot of people <laughs> don't even know exists. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's an actual train that takes forever, by the way, to like move between the two locations. But yeah, yeah. you can, you can technically get from the Lumbridge basement all the way to Relica without ever seeing the surface. That's and, crazy. Um, yeah, and as I discovered more, I was just like, this is fucking crazy. And like, I had never seen these parts of the game and I was just hooked. And so, um, yeah, that, that evolved into the progress videos and stuff. And then I mentioned this earlier, when I first started streaming, one of my big things on one of my first streams was to like actually kill KQ. 
And so I had uh, seen some guides on how to like set up a, a flinch basically where you kind of walk her to like the Southwest corner of the room and stand underneath her and then, you know, just step out every, you know, eight ticks or whatever and, and uh, get a hit in. And um, yeah, that, that stream to me is unforgettable because first of all, it was one of my very first streams. And so I was, you know, just like shaking in my boots, <laughs> um, just like being on camera in front of people. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a very good scaper, to be honest with you. As long as I've been playing this game, I'm, I'm definitely not your caliber of, uh, of gamer. Um, so, uh, yeah, trying to kill KQ in, like, frog leather gear on a leaf-plated <laughs> battle axe was, like, kind of a big deal for me. And um, the kill was also, like, almost 20 minutes. Um, so, yeah, it was an extraordinarily uh, difficult time just to, like, gear up enough to get to this moment. And then finally... I got that first kill and uh, and like screamed, you know, with excitement and like you know blew some eardrums from uh, sorry headphone users. And then on my very first Calfi Queen kill, I got a dragon chain body. Yep. Um, which was just like that. That to me is like one of the pinnacles of my time on Caveman. Like it's such an uh, like an inconsequential item and drop, but it's so for me in that cool. moment and with the context of that account, it was just mind blowing. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, so that's uh, that's how Caveman started. Those were my few inspirations, and then it just kind of evolved from there. I um, I also saw that uh, Gentle Tractor asked a question too, asking about my biggest ups and downs that I've experienced on Caveman. And uh, looking back, are there any rules you'd change or exceptions you'd make? Um, so the Dragon Chain Body is probably like at least a top three moment, if not like the top moment. Just again not for like the item itself but just like what it meant in that moment i think that was really the moment that kind of set like the trajectory for my uh you know content creation career i guess um like that's what really got people hooked was like wow this is actually possible and you actually got a you know a great item for your uh, your account like right out of the gate um and I remember uh, pretty fondly another one of my uh, big moments when I um, when I continued streaming um, a few months down the line, um, I finally, I killed Calfi Queen for all of my brews and restores to be able to do the fight caves. <laughs> um, so I had to flinch, like, I don't know, dozens of Calfi Queen kills with a leaf-bladed battle axe to get the supplies to do it. Um, and then ultimately when I went in there, I went in with a bone crossbow and like a red dehyde body and just like really scuffed gear. So badass um, though. <laughs> yeah, it was like a three hour <laughs> cave or something. But, and again, it's like, I didn't do any advertisement. I didn't really like make a big deal of it. I was just kind of doing it. And out of nowhere, like no, no host or anything. Cause I was still relatively like unknown at that time. Mm -hmm. But when I got to Jad, I think I had like nearly a thousand concurrent viewers when, wow. I, was, when I got to that point. I was like, what the fuck is going on? This is crazy. <laughs> um, like completely blew my mind. And of course, like I wasn't looking at the stats at the time. I only saw it, you know, kind of after the fact, but um, I was like, this is insane. I had no idea that this little gimmick that I just decided to do for the heck of it uh, would would capture the attention of so many people. Um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, the D-Chain rolled into uh, the Fire Cape and rolled into so many other absolutely ridiculous grinds and things. Um, but definitely one of the, the lowlights for my account, uh, to answer the other part of General Tractor's question there, uh far and away it's got to be cerberus um which again <laughs> it's like not because the boss is bad or hard or anything yeah. but um 
well, I guess I could show you my log for proof, but um, I did not get a single boot crystal until I was over a thousand kill count. So um, so messed up. I was I was uh, yeah I was literally <laughs> eight times the drop rate for any crystal. I got I think I had an empty log like minus the teleport scrolls or whatever. I had a completely empty log until I think like nine hundred and thirty or something when I got a smoldering stone. I was like, Jesus. oh great, like, doesn't matter. Um, and again, it's not because like Cerberus is is a terrible boss or anything, or even that difficult really, but the supplies. Um, you know, being an underground only fella means that I don't have the luxury of just like fishing my own food or like farming my own herbs to make mm -hmm. potions. Um, I got to get all that shit manually. You know, through PVM mostly. You know, farming. You know, low level Slayer creatures. I killed like fifty thousand cave crawlers or something to to train my herb lore. Um, you know, and to get uh, enough potions and stuff. Um, I camped water fiends for ages to get noted uh, snape grass for Jesus. prayer potions. So yeah, I just had to do like some of the most AIDS content in the whole <laughs> game. Um, and like I would literally spend like a hundred hours gathering, you know, prayer potions. Um, my main food source was uh, cheese potatoes that I would make from scratch um, at the lumbered cellar chest. So again, um, you know, I had to I did a few quests very early on. I only have, I think, 10 quest points um, just to make the account like actually feasible in the long run. Yeah. And so one of those was the very first part of RFD just to get the bank chest downstairs. Yep. Um, and, uh, but that was the only part of RFD I did. So as a consequence of that, um, when you buy like food from the chest down there, um, you only get one item per world so like it only stocked you know one so grape bad. you know one one potato one cheese so i had to hop you know ad infinitum to get the supplies one by one you know i had to get oh my, my potato God. well actually i got the potatoes and my poh um which i had to yeah it we could we could talk about goofy caveman grinds all night but um yeah i would literally spend 200 hours you know gathering supplies killing water fiends to make prayer potions and you know <laughs> world hopping you know until my fingers fell off you know trying to get supplies to make cheese potatoes and then all of those supplies would be gone in like three or four hours of Cerberus. um yeah and it was just not good and this was also before the days where it was really popular for like the no ghost method and that kind of thing that would have yeah. really saved me a, a lot of supplies in the long run but um yeah, it, my Cerberus grind literally took me over a year just to get Primordial uh, Boots because um, it was just such a strenuous grind and it was, so much of it was just not enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it was definitely a slog, definitely had a lot of burnout in there. So I, it wasn't like a year straight or anything, but you know, when I don't have the luxury of infinite prayer potions or you know, a spectral spirit shield to reduce the prayer drain, you know, I was doing like three kill trips or four kill trips for the majority of my grind to start. And um, even getting there, you know, I'd have to, I'd home telly to Blast Furnace and bank there. And then I'd take the mine cart to, uh, to underneath uh, White Wolf Mountain, like where you do the, the fishing contest quest. Yeah. And then I'd, I'd come out on the Taverly side and then book it south to, uh, to the Taverly dungeon and then, you know, have to you know, run around there to Cerberus. So like that was my path to get there every trip. <laughs> Assuming I didn't have teleport scrolls. So yeah, it was it was not a fun time. That is literally worse than nightmare. Like the nightmare trek <laughs> still gives me nightmares oh, to this God. day of just Oh yeah. Yeah. It's pretty bad.
Yeah. I want to um, I want to kind of hear about your raids side of the thing for people that don't know. Um, yeah, so raids luck. Um <laughs> Yeah, well, I guess, you know, it all evens out in the end, right? So yeah. as as much suffering as I endured uh, through my Cerberus grind to get, you know, pretty trivial uh, upgrades anyway. Um Yeah, my my raids grind was uh was interesting because Chambers of Zerid launched um I guess right around the time that I made uh, Caveman. It might have been just before, because I think that was like the beginning of 2017. And uh, that was around the time that I made Caveman. So at the time, I hadn't even put two and two together. You know, I was still focused on Calphite Queen and maybe a Fire Cave. Um, but, you know, the more I progressed and the more I realized what was actually possible, um, you know, the more that raids actually sort of came into focus as a real possibility. Um, you know, I had to farm a ton of Slayer, you know, to get uh, gear, you know, so like I had to get a Trident and uh, and a Tentacle Whip and a Cult, and um, I got Dragon Boots from the Spiritual Mages um, in the Wilderness God Wars dungeon, because um, I, I guess like a common um, misconception about my account is that people seem to think that I'm able to do like any content underground, which is not true. Um, I literally did like the bare minimum prerequisite Questing in order to make my account feasible. Um, and so I didn't want to do something like Death Plateau to give myself access to God Wars. Yeah. Um, because even if I did, the trek to get there every time would be ridiculous. You know, it'd be like five minutes having to run, you know, through the, the plateau to get there. It would be yeah. a night. So wasn't interested in doing that. Same thing for like Barrows, uh, you know, Theater of Blood, Nightmare. I just wasn't interested in doing Priest in Peril mm-hmm. um, to access that stuff because um, it would just, the I well, obviously there'd be great benefit, maybe, <laughs> if I could access some of that content, but I just not didn't nightmare. like how much Not it, nightmare. Not nightmare, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I just wasn't comfortable with like the amount, like the ratio so of many underground time to lifted. surface time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if they ever, you know, make any uh, changes in the future that are accessible to me that make other content more accessible, I'd consider it. But as it stands right now, you know, I'm not even doing... Uh, you know uh what is it land of the goblins <laughs> because it requires me to to go to the surface and like make dies or something and it doesn't really give any meaningful rewards so i'm not actually going to be doing that even though it's mostly underground yeah but, um yeah my raids luck gosh i can't even really remember when it it first dawned on me that raids would be possible um and i'll be honest like i knew that at least for my ability <laughs> that I wasn't going to ever really reasonably consider trying to solo raids exclusively um, only in my underground Iron Man gear. (laughs) It just, like, could it be, like, is it possible? It's definitely possible. But again, with having limited supplies, and I didn't even have the Herbler level to, like, make any of the good, you know, supplies in the raid. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't get that Herbler level until way down the line. But um, yeah, I uh, so I can't really remember when it sort of dawned on me that raids would be possible. But um, one of my big grinds, uh, which actually uh, is, is kind of funny because it coincides with uh, with uh, Verf and Settled, was uh, the Rune Crossbow was actually probably my most coveted item for a while. And uh, the way that I had to obtain a Rune Crossbow on my account, because again, I used a Bone Crossbow from from. 20 what is it 28 range all the way to 99 um, 
So so that was my uh, my main uh, my main range weapon. Um, but the way that I could get a rune crossbow was uh, I had to get an unstrung rune crossbow. I think from skeletal wyverns um, in the uh, in the ice dungeon, and then the only way that I could get a crossbow string underground was to kill smoke devils. Um, and because there's no spinning wheel underground, and uh, so I wouldn't be able to actually make the crossbow string even if I had the meat. So the only way that I was able to get it underground was to get 93 Slayer and kill smoke devils. <laughs> Jesus, that's um, so insane. So, so yeah, I, so I'm just kind of curious, like, yeah. how do you, like, you think of like, okay, I want this item. Like, how long does it take to understand the just magnitude of the item? Because you would think a rune crossbow. <laughs> oh, there's got to be something underground yeah, that drops yeah. a rune crossbow. No, just right. <laughs> well, I mean that that's to me like that's the intrigue of snowflakes. You know, is that it's never it's been just done. The theory sometimes. crafting, yeah, and the discovery, yeah. I mean, as settled says, you know, forging your own path. Um, and yeah, to me, like that's the real allure of. of playing this way is um i don't know again i mentioned it you know in terms of just like music school and stuff i've always been a bit of a contrarian um and so i've just never really enjoyed following someone else's guide to the t you know it's like yeah. i could never imagine myself playing an iron man and going straight to winter Todd. you know it's, it's like that to me sounds fucking miserable yeah um so i just you know i've always enjoyed you know just kind of doing my own thing and uh, for my own enjoyment and uh yeah so i i didn't really the rune crossbow was one that sort of snuck up on me because um thinking about what i would need for a raid um you know like my melee gear was actually pretty decent i had like full obsidian um armor you know that i uh got as drops and also bought a few pieces uh, from the store um you know i i had uh, like a berserker necklace too and everything so like my melee gear was not terrible um but then my range gear, I was like, dude, I'm rocking a bone crossbow still. And um, and then for magic, the only staff I had access to, so I had to manually cast all of my magic spells until like, I don't know, 70 magic or something because I didn't have a staff. Um, and so my first staff that I actually got, I bought the the czar staff from the shop. I forget how much uh, topple it costs, but that was the first time I was able to like actually auto cast magic spells, but the staff is two handed and it's garbage so um i was like this can't work so i'm gonna need a trident too so um but the caveat for those things is that kraken and smoke devils are only assigned by neve and duradel i think um not by vanica which is my like basically my primary um slayer master so this is where again it's we sort of get into a gray area but i think it was very much worth it for the longevity of the account so basically what i decided was like I only exclusively did Vanica Slayer up to, I think, like, level 75. And then once I got 75 Slayer and Crafting to make Slayer Rings um, and had the combat level, obviously, to use Neve, I allowed myself to teleport with a Slayer Ring directly to Neve just to get a task, but only on my 10th task. Mm. Um, so, like, from a 10-task streak and, like, the bonus Slayer points, too. Yeah. So I couldn't just, like, you know, farm Kraken anytime I wanted to. Also, I didn't want to go to the surface that often, but I figured that was about the most acceptable trade-off possible if I wanted to actually raid, you know, and get the gear necessary. So um, because, you know, those areas are task only, I needed the Slayer task. So um, after 75 Slayer and crafting, I obviously bought the ability to make Slayer rings, made a bunch of them, and then every 10th task would teleport to Neve and, uh, and get a task. And so 
that was uh, what I did from that point on and still do to this day, which by the way, I'm like, I think about 30,000 gamer points off a 99 Slayer now on Caveman. So um, whenever I decide to fire up the stream next, it'll probably be a 99 Slayer party. So uh, be on the lookout for that. <laughs> but um, almost 2,000 Vanica tasks, by the way. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I got, uh, I just farmed a ton of Slayer and, uh, and got uh, my whip and got my tentacle and my trident. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, after doing so much theory crafting, I realized that, yeah, there wasn't any way for me to get a rune crossbow otherwise. Um, you know, I couldn't even do, you know, the lucky impling, uh, you know, route that uh, that settled and Verf took because, There's well, I don't have implings underground. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was a real struggle. But fortunately, I you know, I grinded for, I don't know, how many, <laughs> how many, uh, you know, hundreds of hours. But um, I think it was about a thousand hours of Vanica Slayer or something silly like that. Um to get to 93 and then i think it was like my second or third smoke devil kill uh i got the crossbow string <laughs> so um so it, it uh, definitely paid off but wow. um yeah so um that just sort of enabled my my uh my raids grind and um the way that i approached raids to begin was uh i basically in a way i i guess i sort of leached my first couple raids because uh in order to like make accessing the raids realistic you know i needed the xerix talisman and the tablet and uh i got the talisman from like the stone chest by the uh, by the lizardman shamans in mulch mm -hmm. and um and then i leached i think four raids in order to uh to get my ancient tablet and then uh i eventually mounted that bad boy in my poh so unlimited teleports to raids so um that's how i minimized my above ground travel there um yeah and then uh honestly initially um, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to, uh, to even contemplate doing solo raids. So I tried, you know, sort of, uh, the, the approach that settled took with, uh, with Tob doing, uh, doing a run like with, uh, with people in your same gear kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but the problem that I found with that, first of all, I wasn't, you know, like a gigantic content creator by any means. So my audience was, you know, limited. And also I just attracted a lot of like similar minded folks. So you know, a lot of my community were Iron Men, you know, or other snowflakes that either couldn't access the raid or, you know, couldn't be bothered to get, you know, my obsidian melee gear and that kind yeah. of thing. So um, I quickly realized that that wasn't going to be realistic either. So basically, um, for the majority of my grind, um, I did uh, like anywhere from trios to five mans um, with uh, with people just in, you know, their, their sort of regular gear. Um, and we, for the most part, prohibited uh, like you know, Lance, Scythe, Tebow, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, just to give me like a fair shot at actually, you know, Getting accumulating some points. a yeah. amount of points. Yeah, <laughs> relatively speaking. Um, yeah, and uh, I, I had no raids experience, you know, prior to this because, you know, again, I had just started playing Caveman around the time they came out. So, oh, that's so daunting. Um, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. So, uh, and you know, my main was wiped. So, I mean, I guess I could have borrowed, you know, something to, uh, you know, to practice. But I was like, nah, fuck it. We're just gonna go in, uh, you know, no experience or anything, and figure it out. And I'm very fortunate for uh, for Sync, uh, who's a big gamer in the community, who I actually haven't uh, seen around in in a while. So I hope he's uh, doing well. But uh, Sync, big gamer, who was you know like a billion raids drive of the omelet pet for for a while. Um, he very graciously taught me uh, Chambers of Zarek in duos, and we did a whole weekend of duos on stream 
um, which was great. And then after that, you know, I was sort of left to my own devices and just uh, was doing, you know, uh, like community raids. Basically, I had signups in my Discord and stuff where I could at least have some idea of who I was raiding with and what their gear looked like and stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, honestly, the beginning of my uh, my raiding experience was pretty terrible. Obviously, a steep learning curve, um, uh, especially for me having no experience uh, to that prior. And um, I did not see a single purple until almost 100 KC. Um, because, I mean, primarily it was because, you know, my points relative to everyone else on the team were pretty low. I mean, my first few dozen raids, I was only getting probably like, you know, 12 or 15K points or something max. Um, so, yeah, it was not very good. Um, and then, um, I don't know, one day on stream, it was, it was a long one. And... Um, it was going to be the last raid of the day. I was tired. You know, it was like an eight-hour stream or something. I planked, I think, twice at Ulm, um, <laughs> at least one time. Yeah. And uh, lo and behold, that gave me my uh, my first purple. You know, I guess they say scuff equals stuff, right? Um, and uh, I open it, and it is the Kodai Insignia. <laughs> and uh, I was like, this is literally the worst fucking item for me to get because I couldn't use it. Yep. Um I was like, oh my god, I get a mega rare as my first purple on this underground snowflake guy and it's literally the worst purple I could ask for because I can't use it. <laughs> and I was like, this is bullshit. So um, so yeah, that was pretty demotivating. I think I got the Kodai at like 97 KC or something um, and hadn't hadn't gotten even a scroll before that. Yeah. Um, so that... Uh, that was pretty demotivating, but then I, I ultimately had again to decide, you know, what am I going to do with this thing now? And ultimately I decided again, you know, it's a little gray, but I, uh, I feel happy about it. So I, I said to myself, the way that this is going to go down is that in order for me to actually make use out of this Kodai, obviously it's going to involve having to go to mage training arena, um, and get the wand and stuff. I said, the only way that I'm going to allow myself to do that is if I get the eternal crystal from Cerberus as well. Um, that way I've got two items that I can't use. And so I will make a one-off trip to go to mage training arena, have all the runes, you know, ready in advance and just like, you know, sweat that out real quick yeah. just to get the bare essentials, which were the wand, you know, to make the Kodai, obviously the boots to make the uh, eternals. And I did not get the infinity robes, um, because I have access to ancestral theoretically. So mm -hmm. I didn't want to get anything that would, wouldn't be like my best in slot. Um, and I also got, I unlocked Bones to Peaches and I picked up, um, the Mage's book because that was my best in slot offhand. Yeah. Um, that so must've been a, a bitch by the way, just to grind all that. Oh, I hate Mage training arena so much. It, it was, it was terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> and it was also, I think before a lot of like the MTA quality of life changes came into effect, oh, God. like especially with the, with the teleportation room. Yeah. So it was, it was terrible. Rune Light's um, also done a lot of fixes since then. I imagine yeah, like yeah, it's pretty yeah. chill, but it's still, ugh. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty awful. So, um, gosh, yeah, I'm I'm self conscious now because I've been rambling so long. But I promise I'll wrap up this raids thing. I'm um, loving it. I'm loving this. <laughs> well, hey, I'm I'm glad you are. I hope everyone else is too. And if not, uh, sorry, I don't know what to tell you. Anyway, um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Um, but then that leads me back to the Cerberus grind, right? So I'm like, okay, I have this Kodai. Now that means I have to go grind Cerberus for a million hours, unbeknownst to me, um, so I can get the Eternal Crystal. And I had done a little Cerberus before that, but not a lot because it wasn't really critical or anything. 
but now I needed the eternal crystal to, uh, you know, to go do MTA and make use of this butt plug just sitting in my bank. So, um, that's when the Cerberus grind started and that led to a lot of burnout, you know, cause I was already, I already did raids, you know, for like six weeks or something to get yeah. to a hundred KC. Just for um, one useless item. Relevant. Just for one yeah. useless item. And then I had to go grind for another, literally a year off and on. Uh, at Cerberus, I think I got my Eternal Crystal at like a thousand and twenty-six KC or something. It was my first crystal, which was which was good, but that also meant that I wasn't done because I still wanted the Prims. Um, so uh, I got my crystal finally, which was a huge deal. And I felt like I nearly passed out on stream that day because I was like, "Oh my <laughs> god, this is actually done." Um, and so yeah, went and farmed uh, farmed MTA for a little bit and uh, and got that done. I also had to get uh, one to sixty runecrafting. Because uh, you need the runecrafting to make the boots, um, and I was one runecrafting, you know, for years um, until I got this crystal. Then I allowed myself to go to ZMI because um, I had like literally hundreds of thousands of PRS just like hanging out in the bank at this point from you know all the all the Slayer I had done and raids, um, I imagine. Yeah, and raids and raids too, of course. So um, yeah, so I had all this PRS, and I so I went to ZMI uh, with no stamina potions, no graceful, no lunar teleport literally just basically walking back and forth from the bank to the altar <laughs> i think i remember um, some of those streams just the yeah, just the yeah. pitiful walk of just like go back and forth it's just like yeah, so inefficient yeah, it was yeah it was pretty bad i think i saw yeah who was it uh yeah dk uh said thoughts on an option to play trance to get one and a half x xp rates post 99 <laughs> for bard honestly it's kind of a meme but like <laughs> like before before i really got into streaming and stuff i never uh really listen to a whole lot of like edm or anything or especially mm -hmm. not trance but when i when i got to that zmi grind i was like you know what it's going to be a bit of a meme but like i'm going to play some trance music and like just sesh out this zmi because it's going to be terrible and i just want to get it done <laughs> but like i can honestly say i get it now <laughs> so um yeah like the trance definitely helps uh with uh with some of those uh, vegetative grinds so yeah um yeah, it helps big time. So uh, yeah, sessed out the 60 runecrafting, made the boots and everything, and then went back to Cerberus um, to, to get my prims. And I think I got the prims at 1100 KC. So um, the stars aligned but, uh, finally. They did. And so finally after that, um, I, uh, well, I, I was still raiding here and there as well. So I got the Kodai at like 97 and then started the Cerberus grind. And then in between, you know, I'd go back and do raids when I was feeling it. And um yeah, my second item from raids, uh, I think it was 121 kill count, Twisted Bow. <laughs> Insane. Um, yeah, so it literally just completely erased all of the bullshit that I just went through, you know, the just the, the suffering yeah. um, from the last year or whatever of the grind. And yeah, I literally thought I was I was going to pass out that day too. <laughs> um, the, the clip's still out there somewhere. It's got quite a few views, I think, because I don't know, it's just... To me, a, a pretty uh, landmark moment, but yeah, um, I, I just couldn't believe it. You know, like after farming, also because it just completely invalidated the rune crossbow too. Like I oh, spent so yeah. much time working for that thing. <laughs> I, was like, I at least want to use it for a little bit. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, I uh, then I got the twisted bow, and uh, that literally changed everything. So um, made my made my rain uh, my raids grind way uh, better. Uh, made Cerberus better, you know, so I actually oh, finished yeah. off uh, the Prim with Twisted Bow, um, which was a huge improvement over using, uh, like, Tentacle Whip, I think, um, and used Dragon Arrows that I got from Raids, so um, 
Yeah, 121KC Twisted Bow. So I got two mega rares on uh, the Underground Fella before even getting my first prayer scroll. <laughs> um, so that's uh, that's pretty wild to think about. And um, yeah, then I then I think I landed the Arcane not too long later, and uh, then I got the Dragon Hunter Crossbow as well. So which, insane. I was, like yeah, Kodai Tebow Dragon Hunter yeah. Crossbow, like the <laughs> Iron Man's wet dream, literally. Yeah, yeah really. <laughs> I mean, I, honestly, I was I was a bit. Dis- it's hard to be disappointed with that kind of luck, but I was a bit disappointed to get the Tebow before the the DHCB because it just sort of invalidated. Oh yeah, it's just it's just useless at that point. Like, goddamn it. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't completely useless though, because actually, one of my um, more recent metas that evolved was actually with the Forthos Dungeon because um, oh, yeah. for me that that was a, an amazing update because it gave me like a brand new prayer training uh, meta where I could and crafting frankly too where I could farm the red dragons down there with the dragon hunter crossbow and then uh, you know just bring alks with me and uh, uh, leather and uh, need, or needle and thread excuse me and uh, you can tan the hides down there there's an NPC which that was you know groundbreaking for me i couldn't tan hides before that update yeah um and then i could just quickly craft you know the red dehyde bodies or whatever alchem restore my prayer you know in the next room over and and you know rinse and repeat so um that's actually uh probably the best use case for the dhcb for me now um and also i haven't actually done this yet but i guess i will eventually i kind of want to try it out um at uh kbd um, oh yeah because it's, it's it's technically a boss i can do um, but, uh, the big caveat is that I can't drink anti-fires because, uh, I haven't done Dragon Slayer and they made that an integrity change a number of years back where, um, you have to have uh, at least gotten to a certain point in the Dragon Slayer quest before you can actually drink anti-fire potions. I could make them, but, um, and I could drink them at the beginning of my account. That's why I farmed the billion cave crawlers or whatever, um, because I needed the anti-fires to kill brutal black dragons in the catacombs uh, for uh, like some black dehyde upgrades, mm-hmm. um, but then they took that away from me. You actually um, couldn't drink them, like right now you can't drink them if you haven't completed uh, the quest for it. Correct. That correct. is so weird. Imagine just yeah, actually not being able to drink <laughs> something. Like Jesus Christ. Yeah, it, it is pretty bizarre. And like honestly, my my account's been like you know nerfed so to speak in in a couple of different ways. Um, like over the years just as like integrity updates you know or like anti-bot prevention measures so like another classic one was uh, they modified the Kurask drop table and they removed pineapples um, from the drop table which actually would have been my best food making pineapple pizzas um, but they removed my only source of underground pineapples so wow. then I had to resort to the cheese potatoes <laughs> so yeah just like completely inconsequential updates that like literally nobody else probably thinks about except for me but that's you know part of the reason i like doing this thing so um yeah anyway so to this day um i have not raided in a long time now just because i haven't been super active recently yeah. but um to this day i've got the two big boy ranged weapons from chambers and i still don't have a deck scroll that's so <laughs> crazy and, I, and i'm over 300 kc now too so oh um pretty brutal but again it's hard to complain when you know you got the twisty b and plus i got the kodai now and, and the dhcb so it's really hard to complain but yeah once i get rigor unlocked it yeah it's gonna be uh i guess i'll actually have to like seriously contemplate the inferno at that point because i've been putting that off for uh for a while now oh and like i just imagine like doing anything for the first time on a snowflake account is just so daunting it's just like you don't have any experience with it and like <laughs> yeah yeah i i want to ask yeah. a little bit because 
early on in your account, the grinds were relatively just shorter. You know, you're just getting up to the levels, yeah. doing yeah. these little grinds, and then you just got these big ass grinds. And then, of course, you go dry at Serb and stuff. And right. And <laughs> I remember yeah. um, you were contemplating kind of going for a Dragon Full Helm and that little staircase method that I oh, posted yes. like a while ago. But I'm like, I'm like, I really did just wonder at the time because I know you were just like at that point, it was kind of like, you know, things were going on in IRL. You weren't, uh, yeah, the whole like full time streaming thing might not have been going on too much longer, and uh, right. I just remember thinking like you just have these just uh, like insane hour grinds, and it's more insane just because you're a snowflake. So it's like everything's right. longer, and on top of that, I just remember you said like you can't use the chewed bones either because that's the surface. So you'd right. actually yeah. have to get the one in thirty two k drop, which imagine yeah. you go eight times the rate of that. Like, oh <laughs> god. Oh man, yeah. I don't know if I'd live to see that, day, but um, <laughs> no. Well, yeah. First of all, yeah, that, that, that's a good reminder, and and of course you're the one who uh, who uh, discovered that method for me. So I, I appreciate you uh, sharing that with me. Um, yeah, I mean it's a fun thing that I that I actually do every now and then, like just for the hell of it. But I mean. You know, it, it's so slow. I can't imagine my my Mithril Dragon KC is any more than like, you know, a little bit more than a hundred maybe. Yeah. Because um, yeah, it's just kind of complex and a pretty big setup and just sort of for you know like a novelty item. But it's definitely on the list, you know, of, of potential things to do if I'm ever uh, you know looking for other things to do. I um, I also just wanted to ask um, because your account is like at such a a stage now where everything is super 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 long. I mean, I mean, yeah, Infernal Capes there, which is just a, yeah. you know, a skill thing and just putting the time to get it. It's no RNG involved, really. But I remember you were making, like, other little series. Like, I remember Monkman yeah. Mode in particular, and that yeah. was, like, fucking awesome. I thought that was such a fucking cool idea. <laughs> I you. loved, like, the creativity with it. And that actually, I started thinking of, like, what kind of, like little thing would i want to do not like i would actually oh, do it yeah. but just like thinking well, i was gonna it. say that that makes me wonder like have yeah have you ever seriously contemplated because i know obviously you're you know you've got your your one uh you know big dick iron man that you've been <laughs> on for a while now but yeah have you ever considered doing anything else like it's, or just another like side project at all it's so hard for me because like i've even thought of making a series that's so original mm -hmm. i've had little thoughts i don't want to share them because they get stolen you know, they, I, mean, I think <laughs> yeah. maybe it's a little bit like egotistical of me to think like, oh, this is such a cool <laughs> idea. Somebody would steal it. But like there are ideas in my head. I think of stuff all the time. I lay in bed and think yeah. of ideas for this game all the time. And uh, true gamer. <laughs> it's hard for me because I feel like I couldn't truly invest myself in it because I'm so attached to this account and endless progression on this one that like yeah. taking time away from it or multi-logging, which I absolutely despise. It gets me a headache. I mm -hmm. can't like justify playing both accounts and uh mm -hmm. yeah who knows though because you never really know when a burnout will take place or if you just want something fresh but uh for the time being now haven't considered it yeah. fully okay no yeah i mean that's totally reasonable i mean I, I guess you're about to go down the the line of reasoning just asking about some of my other projects is that yeah right? yeah i want to hear it yeah well it's interesting you know you're hearing your logic there about why you know you don't want to do you know another series or side project because you know it, it's kind of hard to to you know multitask like that and especially multi-logging i'm definitely not a, a multi-logging type of uh, scaper it's just way too much like work for me yeah um but uh, yeah it's interesting because i've definitely had i've had all kinds of other ideas uh, some you know were my own 
Uh, like I tried a, a castle only Iron Man a couple of times. I don't know. I just like doing weird, like off the wall things and see what happens. You yeah. Know? Um, you know, so I, the snowflakes that I've I've uh, done in the past haven't been so black and white, which again, I can totally respect and appreciate, you know, like uh, Verif and the Karamja only Infernal Cape, like that's got to go down, you know, and as like one of the most legendary old school gamer moments of all time. Yeah. Um, just like that's, it's, it's, it's not going to be repeated. <laughs> I can I can pretty much guarantee that with all those same limitations on an ultimate Iron Man, it's not going to be. Repeated. Oh yeah. No. Um, but um, it's interesting though because as much as I've uh, you know sort of wanted to uh, try some other projects, and I have a little bit. Like I did the Monk Man mode thing, which uh, I guess I won't really go into explaining that uh, right now. But I've tried a few things: the Castle thing, the the Monk Man mode, like prayer locked thing in a way. But I, I ultimately arrived at the same sort of logic that you did, that even though the grinds that I'm at with Caveman, you know, at this stage, even though everything takes forever, pretty much, um, Caveman is at that point, though, where I've invested so much now that I'm pretty, I'm definitely at, you know, the, the end game, and I can pretty much just log in and do the fun stuff now, you know, so I can, I can log in and raid anytime I want to, theoretically. Um, you know, I can just log in and, and, you know, do the, uh, do the, uh, you know, the bosses that I want to do and just like actually, you know, enjoy the game, um, doing the fun stuff I've always wanted to do. And, um, I think, yeah, there, there was just, uh, at a certain point, there was just kind of a, a shift in my own values where I just couldn't foresee myself investing the same number of hours or dedication into a brand new series and account just to progress it to that stage where it would actually be fun, you know, doing end game enjoyable stuff that I've wanted to do for ages. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I uh, you know, started a few of these uh, accounts. I actually tried the castle one twice because the first time around it was sort of off the cuff and a little bit rough around the edges. Um, and uh, I just, I wasn't personally a fan of how it was going. So I just kind of let it go. But in that uh, intermediate time, uh, these chunk locked accounts started uh, popping up, and I think the the first one of note was uh, by a person named Puka Guy. Um, I don't think they actually uh, go by that name anymore, um, like on their socials and stuff. But they were the first one. I don't know if they actually created the plugin. I think the Runelight plugin was developed separately, but they utilized this Runelight plugin that basically you know divided up the world map into chunks, which is you know just like a sixty four by sixty four tile square. Um, and, uh, you know, their idea was that, um, they would have to complete, you know, in air quotes, complete, um, you know, that chunk before they would then uh, be able to like, you know, uh, have a RNG role to unlock another adjacent chunk. And, um, I remember that, uh, their early chunk videos were like three hours long or something like absolutely insane meta breaking, but people loved it. And people still love it to this day, you know. Like you just had Verf on your podcast last yeah. week, and he's got his uh, his chunky boy that's uh, that's progressing quite well, which is awesome to see. So um, that meta developed. I don't know. It must have been like 2018 or maybe even early 2019 or something. Um, but you utilizing that chunk plugin helped me kind of like clarify um, the rule set and like my you know my limitations and my boundaries for. Um, the second iteration of like my castle Iron Man and uh, this Monk Man mode guy that could only train in uh, in map chunks containing an altar, basically. Such um, a, such an interesting and just 
I don't know. It's just such a unique idea. I love it. I fucking love yeah, it. Yeah. Well, I can't. I can't take complete credit for uh, for Monkman mode because uh, it was actually something that was theory crafted by my Twitch chat, more or less. Obviously, I was involved. Yeah. Given that it was it was happening in my stream, but um, yeah, in particular, um, again, uh, I, I believe that uh, it was Ready Carp. Uh, was their name primarily who came up with the i the initial like inception of the monkman mode idea because again it was it was like the chunk idea but with a bit of a flavor twist where you would be locked to you were only able to train um in map chunks containing an altar but and this is where i really liked this because this is something that i felt that i was kind of missing with caveman um, I'm not sure how I would really do it differently on Caveman as far as like my above ground travel rules were concerned. But the the shtick with Monkman was that I could only train this ultimate Iron Man account, by the way, um, in uh, map chunks containing an altar. But you could travel between chunks. Um, and again, the Runelight plugin made it so that um, any area that was outside of like your unlocked chunk was grayed out. So there was a very clear, like, visible boundary of where I could be and where I couldn't be. Yeah. And so if I were to, like, venture into one of these, you know, like, no-go danger zones, it would just be, like, you know, a black screen almost. Like, you know, just a darkened screen where, you know, it's clear that it's not, you know, the normal area you're supposed to be in. Mm -hmm. um, so the 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 shtick there was that in order to travel um, outside of uh, these chunk zones uh, with the altars... Uh, you had to have your prayer turned on and ticking down. Couldn't prayer flick because obviously that would sort of defeat the purpose. Yeah. Um, so basically, you had to you had to emphasize getting like prayer bonus gear to enhance that the length of that timer. I fucking and, love uh, it. I was still. <laughs> I just yeah, love this. And, yeah. Go. <laughs> and yeah, and if uh, if you were to run out of uh, prayer outside of uh, of an acceptable chunk as an ultimate Iron Man, the the rule was that I would have to wipe. So anything I was carrying on me, which was as an ultimate, basically everything, you know, including worn gear, yeah. I'd have to literally wipe, drop all my shit, and then, you know, go back to the last chunk and start over, basically. Wow. Um, what was and, the prayer uh, you had to turn on, by the way? Uh, yeah, so again, it be, so Monkman was kind of rough initially because we literally theory crafted it in my chat one afternoon, and then the very next day, I made the account and just said, we're winging it, let's go. Yeah. Um, because like with caveman it was a lot more premeditated like mm -hmm. i sort of sat down and thought about like the quests i needed to do and sort of like the logical progression up to kq at least but um with this chunk thing yeah i was literally just winging it and i definitely learned the hard way that um it's great for the stream but in terms of like making uh youtube progress videos out of that um some of it didn't gel very well with uh, the youtube audience because it wasn't conveyed well enough on my end that this was like highly experimental like you know we literally just made this up yesterday yeah and we're just kind of like figuring it out along the way but like to me that's the fun you know is the is the experimental part of it yeah um you know the metaforming and everything um but so like there was an instance uh, i think early on where um i forget exactly what happened but um it technically should have been a wipe because like i ran out of prayer not in a danger zone but it wasn't clear at that moment when i ran out of prayer or whatever that like what the conditions were if that were to happen so like that was only discovered after the fact when we hashed it out on stream um but then trying to convey that in like a progress video based on stream vods was it was it was kind of a mess so yeah i think conceptually it was great 
the ultimate Iron Man mode part on top of it all was probably too much for my taste personally. Um, but actually, I'm, I'm glad that uh, Monkman got brought up because I know you usually ask for shout outs at the end, but I wanted to uh, give a quick shout out to a guy who actually literally just came across my YouTube feed, I don't know, maybe two days ago. Um, the uh, His uh, YouTube name is Emperor Walnut, and uh, he's actually doing an alter chunk Iron Man, you know, basically really? Monkman mode and, and his own sort of uh, twist. He literally just started. He posted the first video February 23rd, 2022, and he's got uh, 740 subscribers. But um, what was yeah, his name again? I, uh, Emperor Walnut. Emperor Walnut. Just exactly yeah, spelled that way. Yep, yep. Okay. So, uh, yeah, two words. And, uh, yeah, so shout out to that guy early <laughs> because, um, yeah, he uh, he's uh, carrying the torch now. And so yeah. I've watched the first uh, couple progress videos of his, and it's really exciting to see not him go through the same kind of process that I went through initially, just, um, you know, figuring out your limitations, really. Because, um, like, turning on your prayers when you're running around, you know, in the danger zone sounds kind of trivial, but, uh, you know, when you're in the early stages, you know, killing goblins in Lumbridge or whatever to, you know, with the bones to train your prayer, um, you're kind of stuck there for a while, you know, and, and your prayer doesn't last very long because you have no prayer gear. So you got to kind of theory craft how you can make that timer last longer. And it's, it's got a lot of um, just kind of cool complexity to it that um, I don't know. I, I think that uh, the future of, of snowflakes will look something a lot more like this. Um, and especially with uh, like the prevalence of the the chunk Iron Man meta recently, um, I know another one of the uh, the Twitter questions. I guess I'll go ahead and uh, shout this one out too because I think I saw this. Um, let me see. Let me see. Yeah. So uh, Aria DNA. Um, sorry again if I uh, pronounce that. Their their Twitter name is Crystal F2P. Yep, I see. Uh, it. They ask. Um, uh, I think it's an interesting one. Do you think Unique Iron Man peaked, or is there still some potential? And what do you think is the next big thing after Chunk Man? Um, I don't have a, a great answer for that, but I definitely think that the the obvious snowflake ideas have pretty much been done at this point. You know, uh, like the area limitations, um, at least you know the more straightforward black and white ones. I tried, you know, of course, to to push the boundary on that a bit, you know, with the underground thing and and definitely the castle thing, where it's still an area lock but not so straightforward. Um, you know, it, it's got its pros and cons because obviously, if it's if the rules are simpler, it's a lot easier to convey to an audience um, and have them understand and be along for you uh, on the ride. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm I'm not exactly sure. I definitely think uh, first of all, it's it's very heartening to see how the uh, the snowflake community has continued to thrive all these years later um because it felt like snowflakes were peaking in like 2018 almost yeah <laughs> you know, when when uh, settled was starting to take off you know and and do big numbers and make waves in the whole gaming community and and uh, verf had started up too and uh, and tedious you know joined in on the fold with generate task and all that um you know so uh, but now you know the the chunk meta i think is definitely the most prevalent and um as far as the future of snowflakes it's kind of hard to know where they go but i think um if i had to take a guess i would say that they're probably going to end up being more complex just by the very nature you know of the fact that all of the most obvious ideas are taken you know the obvious area limitations you know there's been a whole boatload of uh, folks doing you know even you know 
like clue scroll only, like only trails, Slayer uh, only, things like that. Slayer only, yeah, yeah like the uh, the reverse skiller, you know, the eight oh sevens as they call themselves, <laughs> um, which is which is awesome. Uh, one of my uh, one of my good uh, gamer uh, buddies and like uh, longtime supporters and stream moderators. Um, he goes by uh, the name Life, and he's got a great underrated series on YouTube uh, called Inquisitor. Um, he's got a 30 defense ultimate Iron Man um, that's like a combat only and with the with the end goal of trying to achieve full Inquisitor. Ooh. And it's honestly fantastic, highly underrated. Um, so, yeah, th- uh, so yeah, those accounts have been really popular lately. So I think, you know, the, the chunk meta is interesting because, well, I mean, there, there's kind of like limitless possibilities and takes on that, you know? Um, it's, it's opened the door to so many different kinds of ideas. And, you know, like I said, with this uh, Emperor Walnut guy um, taking on the torch for Monkman mode, I think that's awesome to see. Um, but I think that the future of Snowflakes is probably going to involve, um, you know, like some Runelite plug-in adaptations or something. Because, again, the Chunk folks already sort of use, you know, like the, the Chunk Light plug-in, or I'm not sure what it's called these days, the Region Locker plug-in, something to that yeah. effect. Um, so I, I definitely, especially now that Roomlight, I guess, is like the official third-party client since it was added to the website pretty uh, much like last yep. week or something. So since that's basically a giant endorsement of that client, which I think is fantastic, by the way, um, I definitely see the future of Snowflakes uh, being probably a little bit more complicated um, and, and involving some kind of like, you know, Roomlight plugins or adaptations you know to to just modify uh you know your individual gameplay yeah Um, i think i think i agree with that there's gonna be some i wonder right now like with chunk man modes can't the the plugin can't actually restrict you from entering that area or can it no i don't think it goes that far Um, i wonder if they if like you know who who the hell knows what the next chunk man or whatever it is but i wonder if there's like legitimate restrictions that the plugin will put on your guy like let's just say i don't know no prayer for some reason of course that makes no sense right, but like yeah. <laughs> if like you just physically yeah. couldn't even mouse slip to be able to bury a bone or to be able to turn on yeah. your prayer at all just like things right like that. right so yeah i mean that that's a that's an interesting uh conversation to have too because i think that sort of goes down the the line of logic of of possibly like standardizing some of these uh, snowflakes and i know um i can't remember if, if you brought it up uh in your podcast last week with uh, with Vera, but talking about the i the notion of whether it would be a good or a bad um idea to have like something you know like a official snowflake yeah. mode of some variety what are your thoughts on that it's a good question. See, I'm not in. I'm not involved in the community as much as like, sure. you know, you and Verf and uh, everybody mm-hmm. else, and like just any sort of Snowflake account. So I don't feel like I have uh, a say. Really, I don't feel like I deserve yeah. a say. But I well, think. Hey, that, I mean, it's a valid opinion to have. You know. Yeah. I, I was actually going to talk about this later, but just like abstaining or not having an opinion on something that you don't feel qualified, you know, to talk about or have an opinion on is totally fine. And I feel like we just. I feel like everyone feels like they have to have an opinion on everything these days. And, and that's yeah, the I, reason we're in the mess we're in now. So. I, I think uh, 
like if I if I were if I were to be the one to choose, I think an official game mode for some sort of area restriction is actually a really cool idea, very neat. Like if on creation there's another guy at Tutorial Island that says, "Hey, we do area restrictions, so like do you want to be Zaya only?" and it actually will just spawn you in Zaya and it'll give you a little yeah. bit of supplies and maybe like some I don't even know, automatic quests or something like that. Like something that's like it would, I mean, clearly it would give you an advantage, but it actually physically restricts you to that. So it, it's not like unfair. Yeah, I see what you mean. And then you could have, I don't know, a Karamja only or Mauritania only, and you could just bypass all the quests instantaneously. You have a spawn right. point there. So if you ever die, you're in there. I think something like that is actually a really cool idea. It's just what makes me um, feel like I don't get a say in it and i feel like also this idea might be bad mm -hmm. is just simply because it actually is now kind of forcing this on you where if yeah. if the, like the whole idea of it is to be creative and to make your own rules and so when something is making the rules for you where do you draw the line yeah, so. yeah that's exactly right and uh that's that's my stance so i am pretty adamantly against any kind of uh, like official uh, snowflake mode of any kind. I think. Well, first of all, let me let me back up real quick and say that I think that that's the perfect opportunity to try that kind of gameplay in a league format, which yeah. you've obviously seen, you know, with like with Trailblazer, like, uh, Twisted League, Trailblazer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I am I am pretty ardently against the notion of standardizing snowflakes because it literally goes directly against the spirit of what a snowflake is. You yeah. know. Um, which is just to, you know, make your own shit up and, and you know, play however you want. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like the topic of, of Zaya only Ironman, they literally have their own website, by the way, because um, there's so many of them. <laughs> and the cool thing is, is that they're all a little bit different, you know, yeah. I mean, maybe some of them are, are the same because there's so many of them now, but there's literally like hundreds of people who play Zaya only accounts of some kind. Jesus. But they're all, they're all a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what makes it really cool is that, you know, to, to sort of accept <laughs> each other's differences uh, you know, or the little quirks or, uh, or you know, oddities of, of uh, someone's particular play style, but still be able to form a, a community around it. And I think, um, you know, I actually was thinking uh, along these lines recently, just as sort of like a thought experiment, but it kind of makes me wonder how different the game would be if Iron Man modes were never an officially established thing. See, you know, it, that's like kind of where... I totally agree with you about the creativity and it's just like removing that is completely against the spirit of it. But at the same time, I think, okay, Bodhi's one man army series, like there was no official yeah. Iron Man mode. Like, yeah. I think an official Iron Man mode was the greatest update of this game. In my opinion, like I can't yeah. think of anything that was actually better in my personal opinion. Like, and so sometimes I think, what if, and you know, it doesn't have to be area restriction. I just let that be the example because it's very familiar. Yeah, sure. But something where it's like, okay, everybody knows for a fact that you are not cheesing this account. You got that right. legitimately. And I think that is yep. the real good pro to making an official thing where it's like, okay, you did not cheat. You actually right. did yeah. not go to the GE and buy this stuff. Like, you know, so. No, absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually very much in agreement with you that i do think that iron man mode is probably like one of the best if not the best update that this game could have received especially at the time it was released. oh yeah 
um you know not everyone was uh, was around did you were you a day one old school gamer or did you know i i didn't even play until like september 2015 this is after zora oh, after ge but i do remember a time because i used to play in 2004 to 2007 like i remember a time oh, okay. when there was no ge and i remember a time when yeah, gotcha. you know just like the old school feel was there still yeah okay cool okay yeah i didn't realize that uh that you started uh in like late 2015 yeah and i played a main um, first too for like a year oh okay so. so well when did you uh like about when did you start your iron man so i made a hardcore iron man that was my first ever iron man account oh. right on release like the minute of release i was so fucking pumped and that account <laughs> eventually got permanently banned but it eventually got unbanned oh. four years later because i auto clicked alks I was addicted <laughs> to just like I need progress, but I'm at school and I just want this oh, these Alex to be done. So yeah, huge <laughs> fuck up there. Everyone's heard that story that if anybody's kept up with my YouTube, like previous rambles yeah, yeah. and stuff. But um the uh this account was made about a month after that account got banned. I just was just like so okay. over the game. I was like, I was so fucking sad. I was like, yeah. I fucked <laughs> up and then I made this account, which is a hardcore, and then it died pretty early on and uh, I've just continued mm -hmm. it so yeah okay wow so so what what kept you from getting stuck in the cycle of uh, remaking hardcores like so many other people well i was not a content creator at the point and i think that's the biggest okay. reason uh i think yeah, when you sense. start streaming and you're a hardcore and yep. you grow from that that's a dangerous yeah. kind of path yeah well so. i mean yeah i mean to me i think that's very akin to as i was describing uh, a bit earlier about how i sort of felt pigeonholed into this yep. caveman thing like it was just what people knew me for. Yeah. And uh, so I think a lot of hardcore uh, streamers might feel, you know, similarly um, that, you know, they're known for, you know, doing the hardcore thing. 100%. So they kind of, yeah, they kind of get trapped in like this vicious uh, circle and, uh, you know, just like doing the same grinds. I mean, it's been interesting, you know, to see uh, some folks just like establish new uh, metas, you know, for, for rebuilding an account from scratch, you know, with like the, uh, like the gaunt you know the cg meta yeah. kind of thing that evolved for a bit that's i think that's fascinating to watch definitely not for me but interesting nonetheless yeah yeah um but uh yeah i mean uh well that that's cool that's cool i uh, i don't think i realized that your uh your main iron there was a hardcore to begin yeah but, um, it's uh a, yeah. a lot of hours how, how put did, in how did you die <laughs> how'd you die so i on my first ever hardcore as an Iron Man, I just felt the obligation to learn how to one-tick flick. Okay. Basically because, you know, you're an Iron Man, you just don't have as many supplies. And I wanted yep. to push myself. And I was like, okay, I see other content creators trying to learn this. This was back when, like, one-tick flicking wasn't popular at all. Like, nobody did it. Right. I remember watching yep. Foe just totally struggling with it, killing fire giants in Neve's cave way back. <laughs> and um, yep. I was like, wow, like, that... That is an interesting idea, and so I already had the kind of sense of rhythm to it, and um, after learning mm -hmm. how to one-tick flick, uh, I basically did that through all my Slayers, so on this account, I died one-tick flicking black demons <laughs> in the catacombs to a DC, oh, to a DC, but man. because of okay, like the okay. on-and-off prayer, it was just unlucky that it turned yeah, off. Yeah, you know? gosh. Man, no, uh, that's... <sighs> Honestly, that makes for a really uh, great segue, I think, into um, talking about some more musical things, perhaps, you know, because you talked about one tick prayer flicking basically being like a rhythm game, more yep. or less. And, uh, well, that's quite interesting because I think I sort of tried to make a skill that's like kind of maybe based on that idea about, you know, T 
teaching uh, using using the built-in tick system of the game that we all know and love for better or worse and you know creating some teachable moments out of it so that um you know you might actually through uh you know training something like a bard skill you might be able to actually maybe improve your abilities to to one tick per flick in my vision for it anyway obviously execution is everything but um i could 100 yeah, percent see know. that helping just in everything and skilling like uh with pathing sepulcher and then with yeah. uh any any sort of pvm yeah i mean um it, it really uh you know just talking about foe you know because like he was one of the first guys i was watching on twitch you know when old school first launched he was one of the you know the ogs i think he had just gotten out of the army um and yeah it was just a super chill dude you know i had the same taste in music as he did so enjoyed hanging in his streams but yeah it was really interesting to see guys like foe and Bodhi too of course um in the early days of old school and especially around like uh early dead man tournaments and stuff um or pvp tournaments where especially Bodhi, i remember in particular before like a 1v1 dead man tournament for example i would always see guys like Bodhi and others go to like aim booster you know the website to go and basically like practice your clicks yep. you know and, and practice your accuracy and i just kind of thought what if there were something like that that were more or less built into the game um so that you didn't have to go to some third-party website to practice your clicks but instead maybe you had your own sort of uh rhythm clicking game built right in and um yeah, so we'll uh, we'll get into that in in more detail uh, here soon. <laughs> I know we've been uh, we've been going on for quite a while about um, other random things, and so uh, before this becomes uh, the the longest uh, the longest <laughs> podcast uh, that you've made so far, I think it's probably good that we uh, we pivot to Bard here. It's already um, solidified. This will be the longest. I've already accepted it, and I'm excited. <laughs> Well, hey, a ask anyone uh, who knows me or my streams well. You'll they'll uh, they'll know that uh, that it was to be expected that it would be the longest. <laughs> like, there's literally a, a command in my stream. I think it's still there. Um, exclamation point! Nothing, because historically, for the first like 30 minutes of my stream, it'll be nothing but just like me rambling and like shooting the shit with people and doing absolutely nothing in the game. So yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, hopefully y'all are enjoying it along for the ride. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, like I said, I, I sort of warned you before this that if you get me talking about things that uh, that I'm passionate about and enjoy, I tend to sort of go on for a while. So. Yeah, and for those that um, like truly just wanted to listen to Bard or something, I will have this timestamped when the Bard conversation begins. So if you're ready, yeah, I yeah. mean, there will still be other things we talk about. We'll ramble on about oh, other sure. things. But if you want, I, I want you to kind of lead this. I want you to take control of the pace and everything because okay. I don't – this isn't my idea. I mean, I'm just – yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, whatever whatever you feel is the best way to approach it, go for it. Okay. And I'll and yeah, I'll, no and, pressure or anything. <laughs> and, and just let you know, I'll have it pulled up. Um, I have like the entire skyscraper version. So, okay. uh, if you ever want to say like, hey, let's let's jump to this part, let me know so I can have the visual for yeah. those uh, watching on sure, YouTube. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you know it just makes the most sense, obviously, to kind of just go through it linearly, you know, chronologically, mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, and uh, yeah, so again, I I, uh, I preface this a bit earlier, but I'll of course you know restate a few things now, assuming some people are going to skip <laughs> maybe to to the uh, this part. Um, yeah, talking about so I opened this Bard post here, just asking what makes old school RuneScape RuneScape, 
And we mentioned a few things here at the top, like obviously the low poly, you know, stylized graphics are something of a cornerstone, especially, you know, in comparison to uh, the, uh, the sister RuneScape 3 game. And, um, but as, as, as much of a cornerstone as the graphics are, things like 117's HD plugin that was released in recent months after <laughs> some controversy, as is uh, tradition with Jagex, I guess. Um, you know, it, it's, it's foundational, but still sort of subject to change a bit, um, you know, with the HD plugin. And again, I'm a huge fan. And it, again, it's a community-driven collaborative project and I just can't um, you know be grateful enough to, to have so many examples of that before you know our take at a, at a community collaboration here um, so yeah the graphics definitely foundational to the game but I don't think it's like the thing that defines your RuneScape experience and then we also talked about you know just the point and click nature of everything um, you know I think that's definitely a unique feature of old school RuneScape compared to other MMOs out there that, um, you know, have the WASD movement and, um, you know, the ability bar combat, that type of thing. I think it's a big draw uh, for a lot of people. Um, just the simplistic nature of literally everything in this game, pretty much. Um, but again, you know, with, uh, with RuneLight, as we've talked about several times, um, as foundational as, you know, the point and click nature of everything is in this game, it's still subject to, uh, to, uh, some change. Um, and again, RuneLight, led by Adam, you know, a huge open source, community-driven project. It's just awesome to see and to have Jagex finally acknowledge officially as of last week, I think, you know, implementing, uh, you know, a link to RuneLight on the homepage yep. of the website um, for the game, which is great to see. Um, but yeah, these are all, you know, foundational things that definitely help define uh, your RuneScape experience. But to me, I argue that the thing that really makes your old school RuneScape experience, what it is, is your skills. And, uh, you know, they're basically inevitable. No matter how you uh, choose to play the game, whether you're an underground Iron Man or, um, you know, just, uh, you know, a new player on a regular main account, um, you know, whether you're, uh, you know, a pure PKer or, a, you know, a Zerker or whatever flavor of, uh, of player that you are, your skills are the root of your RuneScape experience. That's what makes RuneScape what it is. And, uh, you know, it, it's no secret that it's been the that one glass ceiling that we've yet to break through in this game. You know, I mentioned the the HD plugin with 117scape. You know, that was a pretty, uh, you know, glass ceiling shattering moment to, uh, to first of all, take that um, that burden off of Jagex's plate somewhat, you know, and sort of open source it to the community. That just allows, you know, the developers to be able to just like do other things with their time, which I think is is a win-win for everybody. Same thing with RuneLight. Um, but uh, your skills, I argue, are just like the core of your RuneScape experience. But, uh, you know, as, as common as they used to be back in the day, you know, um, I started playing uh, sort of like summer of 2006 initially which was uh just after or maybe just before the release of construction and i remember one of the things that uh, that really lured me into the game initially was the falador massacre <laughs> yep. i started playing about a week before that and uh, <laughs> wow just just yeah so just seeing just seeing the drama unfold and the chaos ensue i was like i don't know what this is about but i gotta i gotta stick around and find out more. um 
but uh, yeah, you know, skills, new skills back in the day were so commonplace, you know, and if you didn't play back then, um, it, it's kind of easy to forget how common they were, especially because we've gone nearly a decade in old school without a new skill. But, you know, in, uh, in 2004, uh, saw the release of, um, let's see, RuneCrafting, and uh, I believe, uh, don't quote me on this, I forget exactly because, again, this is before my time. Um, I know that in 2005, for sure, um, the game saw Slayer and Farming, which are two, uh, you know, pretty popular skills. 2006 then saw um, Construction and Hunter. And then uh, early 2008 saw Summoning, which, of course, we don't have in old school. But, you know, it's like, <laughs> if, if you actually look at a timeline graph of... Um, when skills were launched, I actually think Gnome, um, one of the guys on the Bard project with us, um, showed me some kind of graphic where it showed the history of skill launches um, back in the day. Um, and it showed like the length of their development and then obviously like their eventual launch. And new skills from like 2004 to 2008 were constantly in development. Like there was never a period where they weren't working on a new skill. Wow. It was like that was the game. And um, so it, it was just interesting to see that graphic. I think it actually might still be accessible on the wiki. Don't don't quote me on that. But that graph out there um, does exist somewhere on the interwebs. But yeah, um, new skills were just such a foundational part of the game back then. And you know, for me, it was one of the things that first lured me into the game in the first place, sort of in a in an indirect way. But um, yeah, I mean, I just remember so much excitement um, around new skills, in particular, uh, Dungeoneering. Um, I, I was a fan of Dungeoneering back then, not necessarily as a skill, but as something to do in the game that was, uh, you know, n new and, and novel and exciting. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I got 1 to 99 Dungeoneering pretty quickly after the launch. Um, and didn't stick around for too much longer after that when, uh, when EOC inevitably came around. But um, yeah, new skills were just so foundational uh, to the game back then. And again, I mentioned earlier that I should preface this entire bar discussion by saying that I do not think that the game needs a new skill in order to thrive into the future. But with that being said, I do think that a new skill, if done right, would maybe be the best thing to come to the game it's not going to be easy to do obviously and again it's like that last that last hurdle that we've yet to uh to overcome as a community um i definitely think the sentiment is there i think there's a, a large majority of people who want some new skill but trying to generate uh, a consensus around one particular idea is going to be difficult yeah and this is our attempt at doing that and I think that although I don't think the game needs a new skill to thrive, I think that it would be better because of a new skill. And I mentioned raids as a great example. You know, I think Chambers of Zarek, Theater of Blood, and, and Tombs of a Masket coming soon have completely changed the, the end game approach um, to this game and have added so much life and uh, and longevity because of that. Um, were raids necessary? No, I don't think so. Um, you know, I think that uh, they could have continued down the 
line of more traditional Boston counters, you know, like Next, you know, as a recent example, um, even things like uh, Fasani's Nightmare, maybe not the original one, but, you know, they could have done that more traditional style of boss and kept doing those. Yeah. And like the game would probably be fine because um, everyone knows, you know, that we're all here because of the crippling dopamine addiction, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but, um, you know, raids undoubtedly made this game a better game. You know, it could have easily, I think, thrived without it. But I think raids undoubtedly made the game better um, and added a lot of, uh, you know, just new life to the to the game and thus, you know, more longevity. So I argue the same is possible with a new skill if it's done right, of course. And I think the only right way to really do it is to have a community-driven approach. Because, you know, just take a look at the most recent... Uh, skill example with warding um full disclosure i voted no to uh, to warding when it ultimately made it to a poll um actually i've never voted yes to uh, to any new skill that has been uh, pitched in the history of the game i voted no to artisan and sailing as well um for reasons i'll i'll you know get to later um but uh with warding i think one of the biggest challenges that the developers faced was that of course they wanted to take on feedback and of course, you know, they wanted to make changes, you know, based on player considerations and stuff. But I think ultimately they had so much information overload after doing like four completely different iterations that people just felt fatigued afterwards. And because this idea was coming from the development team, you know, it was generated, I believe by mod West initially, you know, it was being, developed and iterated on by the development team and then passed down to the community for feedback even though they had good intentions in trying to you know work with the community and incorporate feedback and make substantial changes ultimately i think that led to the community feeling like it was being forced down their throats yeah to a degree and um we want to try and avoid that uh, in the future, whether it's barred or anything else. And I think the best way to do that is to have a community-driven design. You know, it's not to say you you we still can't run into the same problem. Um, you know, another thing I guess I'll clarify out of the gate here, I've had a few people um, since the launch of our Bard post ask if, uh, you know, the three of us were going to be taking on feedback and like, you know, presenting another iteration of Bard, you know, based on feedback and stuff. Um, and the answer to that is a definitive no, uh, because we don't want to run into that same exact problem that I was just talking about that warding had. Yeah. Um, not that we aren't, you know, interested in, in, you know, hearing feedback. We obviously are. We, we mention it many times throughout the post, like, give us your feedback, tell us what you think. You know, it's like, it's, this isn't a mandate or a prescription. It's a, it's a collaboration. And obviously, you know, we got the ball rolling, but, um, you know, it's in everyone's hands now. Um, so yeah, I think the best way to, to get a new skill across that line, if the community so chooses, um, I think the only way that it's going to be possible is having a community driven design. Yeah. Um, so this is our take at it and, uh, well, gosh, I, I guess, um, we ought to, we ought to get into it here. I'm pumped. So I'm so pumped. Yeah. Yeah, man. Hey, well, I'm I'm pumped that you're pumped. I want to just say as well, um, real quick, uh, for those listening and for those that have skipped to this timestamp in general, I am a big fan of a new skill. I've been uh, 
just over the past couple of years been thinking of like sailing i've always kind of been against artisan because it has like it it I don't know. It makes uh, other skills feel like you can't just train them freely. You have to be with yes. artisan. Sailing's really yeah. cool. I kind of like the exploration kind of thing. I'm not a big fan of skills being ported from RS3 or having ideas like that. And I yeah. honestly, I've said this before, I am team bard. Now, am I saying this is a perfect skill? No. But I think this is the best uh, that I've personally ever seen. And I understand. And I think caveman you and the team like you guys have understood the consequences of going down like that route that jagex took with warding and stuff and i think you guys are just really aware of how the community reacts to certain things and i'm just gonna tell everybody right now i know that there are people that are not excited about this and there are people that are just not as musically inclined and stuff but i want as we go throughout this i want you to just keep an open mind for the most part and just see it for what it is after caveman has explained it and so just don't be totally against it fully just because of what you've seen on the post and your idea of it so let's just let's all be open-minded a little bit and i'm not saying that to say everyone needs to eventually accept this i'm just saying like keep an open <laughs> mind and then make your decision at the end i'd say anyway yeah yeah here yeah you know come equipped with all of the information at your disposal yes. and then do with it what you will and obviously you know there's always going to be the people who well, li- this literally happened with the with the Reddit post. We launched it, and you know, looking at this document, it's probably like a thirty minute read, approximately, if you're reading it verbatim. You know, every word straight yeah. through. Um, and inevitably, you know, after the first minute, uh, you know, that it launched, the first comment on the post was like, "LOL, nah." You know, it's just like you know, complete, completely invalidating. You know, That's hundreds Reddit. and hundreds of hours of work. Yeah, but you know, it's Reddit, so. Yeah. The good news is, is that, you know, the three of us have all had, you know, our different experiences, uh, you know, with posting projects, you know, and for me, mostly videos and stuff online and being used to that kind of uh, criticism. So, you know, my grandmother always used to say, if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. So, um, you know, uh, I think we could all take the heat and we knew that, well, I mean, it's just kind of obvious because this is the last sort of hurdle that the community is uh, yet to overcome. Um, you know, naturally, it's going to be probably the most controversial thing you could really talk about. And, um, but someone's got to do it, you know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm at least, uh, happy to, to offer what, uh, what we've got here. And, you know, just if, if for nothing else, just to contribute to the conversation and get people thinking maybe in a, in a slightly different way about how we approach new skills. Um, cause I think that, well, one one thing that I do want to mention is that it's really easy to sit back and be a critic, you know, and, and to be cynical about the state of affairs, you know, with, with the game or the community, whatever. Um, it's much harder to be a creative. <laughs> uh, if anyone's tried, whether, no matter what it is, any creative endeavor, it's, it's a legitimate struggle. Yeah. Um, and it's especially a struggle to be a collaborative one. You know, we're talking about all of the all of the woes of group projects and stuff. It is not easy. It requires a level of just communication and, and vulnerability that most people, you know, are sort of not used to in their sort of day to day lives. And um, so it's it's difficult. And, uh, you know, again, regardless of the outcome of this thing, I think, um, yeah, the three of us are proud with with uh, the final product. 
with uh, the final product in the sense of like, you know, us launching this, you know, it's not to say that this is, you know, <laughs> again, this is not a prescription or a mandate for what a bard skill must be. It's just one example manifestation of what it could look like. Yeah. But, in, you know, from our perspective, you know, it's done and out there now. Our, our part is, is done for the most part. Um, but I think we all feel very uh, proud of where we ended up because uh, it was um, it was a legitimate struggle to get to this point. Um, you know, it's obviously still far from perfect, but um, you know, it was it was three years of, of off and on. You know, just collaboration and and uh, iteration and you know, ripping complete systems out and trying again. You know, because all of this, you know, that's seen here in the post is honestly only a fraction of of what we went through over the months and years just coming up with different ideas and systems and this is all the stuff that just sort of made the final cut um and again it, this isn't necessarily meant to be like one total package that would be expected you know on the launch of yeah. a bard skill you know this is that we're trying to and again we could have communicated this better um throughout the post but this is like again just one example manifestation of what a bard skill could look like and then beyond that what a bard skill could look like like maybe a few years down the line after launch like one of the things we talk about towards the very end is like a, a possible like bard centric non-combat like skilling raid obviously that's not something that uh, you know would have to be implicit in you know the, the launch of a bard yeah. skill like that could come way down the line um, once everyone's comfortable with the systems and stuff, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and do my best to <laughs> try and be uh, succinct, even though I I am not the greatest at doing that. But you know, trying to uh, address uh, common points of of feedback or, or criticism from uh, from the post, and um, one of the main points of feedback um, was just the overall complexity of our design, and that's something that I'd like to uh, deconstruct a little bit as we go into this because. I com completely empathize with the notion that like looking at this giant skyscraper post, it's like, you know, 35,000 pixels long or something outrageous. It's a lot to take in, in one sitting, obviously. But at the same time, I think I'm actually quite happy that we, we erred on the side of too much complexity because I think it's much easier from that standpoint to be able to boil away the non-essentials and like trim the fat from the design, yeah. so to speak and be left with like core bare essentials that everyone can agree upon before trying to, you know, embellish those. Yeah. Um, I think it would be, it would have been much more difficult of an argument if we presented a much more like bare bones design, which again, we could have done that, you know, two and a half years ago. Um, but, you know, I think if, uh, I think it would have been much harder um, to, um, to accommodate feedback if, if those like core systems, um, if people had an issue with, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. Um, I think, I guess, again, I think just erring on the side of complexity and being able to trim the fat from an idea is a lot easier than having, you know, a skeleton of an idea and then trying to add the fat and muscle to it, yeah. if you know what I'm saying. Um, I think that, um, yeah, even though there's a lot to look at here, I'd like to just kind of like deconstruct it a little bit um, you know, draw some analogies to some like existing systems and stuff, which I think, again, we, we could have done a better job um, communicating certain concepts uh, to be a little bit more digestible. So um, 
Yeah, anyway, yeah, I, I want to echo uh, what you said, you know, just uh, to encourage folks to keep an open mind. That's not necessarily saying that, uh, you know, at the end of this, you need to be in full agreement or else. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, I just, uh, well, first of all, again, thank you for having me on here. My pleasure. Giving me the opportunity to, uh, to talk about this. And, you know, uh, I, I'm not coming at this from a place of authority, you know, like a holier than thou. I know more than you do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just a guy who wants to make cool shit, you know, and, um, you know, and so are the other guys uh, as well, of course. And, uh, you know, I also don't want to come at this, you know, sort of like a used car salesman trying to, you know, trick you into buying a lemon or something. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'm not here to necessarily sell an idea. I'm not here, you know, to preach about why, you know, BART is the best idea in the history of the galaxy. You know, I'm just here to talk about our process and, you know, try and uh, make some cool shit and, and see if, uh, you know, the community wants to maybe do that too. So that's, uh, that's, that's my angle just to be uh, completely transparent. Hell yeah. And uh, now without further ado, after, you know, 17 hours into this podcast, we'll, we'll get into the, uh, we'll get into the actual, uh, the actual meat and potatoes of this thing. So, um, Bard, here we are. Um, first thing out of the gate, you'll notice, um, we have uh, in the very first line here, welcome to the Bard skill. Play, battle, and perform your way across Gillinor using craftable musical instruments as your tools to improve your Bard abilities and game skill, unlocking access to different Bard reward systems. So right there out of the gate, um, we wanted to make it evident that there are multiple options for how to train the skill. Um, so you have three core tenants for training a theoretical bard skill playing battling as in like you know a, a bard battle against you know another uh, npc troubadour or something and uh, performing um i think it's important right out of the gate to just talk about why we've offered uh the diversity of training methods that we have and again i think it's largely in part just to try and help build consensus um we talk about this um uh, a little bit further down after the design pillars we sort of do like a tldr of the training methods and um general tractor actually uh composed this section mostly but uh we're talking about how you know training methods are obviously the core of any you know new skill experience and um people obviously have different preferences so you know some people uh are going to want you know a, a simplistic low intensity you know just you know park and bark you know your classic just afk skilling um but uh some will say that well that's kind of boring and like what's the point of going through the trouble of adding a new skill if all it's going to be is just kind of one dimensional um on the other hand you know there are of course going to be the folks who want to see you know more complexity and more intensity from training especially at like the the top end um but then, of course, you're going to have folks that counter-argue and say that that much complexity and uh, an intensity in a skill doesn't feel like a skill. Um, and uh, so that's why we feel like for any new skill, whether it's barred or awarding or sailing, whatever, um, there have to be a diversity of training methods on offer from the very beginning of a theoretical skill release, I think in order to maximize its potential for success. Just because there are so many different, you know, players and play types and obviously trying to build consensus around this, you know, democratic process that we've got in this game, you've got to try to appeal to as many people as possible in a realistic manner. Yeah. 
Um, and so, um, yeah, if you want to scroll down to the, uh, the training methods bit, um, I might do a bit of scrolling up and down here, but let's do it. You just um, tell me. Yeah. The, yeah. So the training methods bit here is sort of like the, the TLDR of what's going on. Um, and, uh, if you scroll down, um, you see the four little boxes, we've got playing, tuning, battling, and performing, um, which are the methods I just mentioned. Uh, the tuning, um, is really not so much, um, like a training method. It's more of just like, a means to an end like you need instruments to to participate in bard and tuning them is like a it, it's almost like the equivalent of like cleaning herbs like could you you know clean herbs as an herb or training method i mean yeah but are you actually going to do that as a training method no probably not so um that's how the the tuning and like instrument making bit fits in but primarily you've got playing which is your core bard experience and that's like Playing is pretty much like your standard woodcutting almost, where it's like you, you uh, for woodcutting, you know, you you rock up, you click your tree with your axe on hand, and then you just kind of sit back, wait, and and relax. Same thing with playing. You know, playing is the the most basic, um, you know, just sort of core playing method that helps to establish Bard's unique identity, which is in playing music. Um, identity is something that I'll come back to many times talking about this because it's one of the core uh, design pillars that we've tried to model this thing after. Um, just as a counterexample for what I mean by identity, uh, warding, I think, struggled a lot with its identity because um, even though it had some interesting ideas and I, I wasn't necessarily um, against everything warding had to offer, but one of the main... Uh, threads of feedback um, in regards to warding when it was being discussed was like why not just add all of these features to like crafting rune crafting and magic and call it a day right um, so that was to me was an immediate reason why warding should not exist as a skill because it didn't really have its own two legs to stand on yeah you know its identity was was too like in order vague. to have made warding yeah it was too vague and i think just with the state where runescape's at right now i think it, warding would have had to like retrofit content from other skills like pull certain content yep. from like the rune crafting skill or the crafting skill to really make it work and feel like a fleshed out skill and i don't think that's gonna that's gonna fly with the community that's too much change you know yeah. trying to retrofit content like it's just you know it, it's um I just, I just think it's too controversial and leaves too, like it opens too many cans of worms. Yeah. Um, so, you know, right out of the gate, warding struggled with its identity. Um, Bard, however, I would argue has a pretty solid identity. You know, it's literally playing music with, with musical instruments, with medieval musical instruments at that. Um, and, uh, you know, that's not really something that you can like dilute and, you know, put into any other existing skill. Um, also, if you just take a look at all of the skills, you know, the 23 skills we have on offer uh, as it stands right now, pretty much all of them, you know, except for, I guess, um, you know, magic, runecrafting, and, you know, depending on your particular persuasion prayer, all of the other skills or like actual tangible, you know, activities, or you, you could even argue that some of them, you know, are like professions from from back in, uh, you know, the medieval times. Yep. Even as far as prayer, you know, like obviously clergyman was like an actual, you know, societal role back then. So it's not too far of a stretch to have something like a prayer skill and even uh, even magic, you know, and like witchcraft and stuff like it's still sort of the medieval aesthetic. Um, 
but with something like warding, uh, to me, it was just a little bit too far removed in like, you know, the fantasy land. It didn't really feel like um, it was medieval enough yeah. uh, to, to belong in the medieval clicking simulator. Um, and on top of that, warding suffered all kinds of other problems too. Like just the fact that there was like a glossary of terms at the top of the blog, <laughs> you know, of like dozens of terms for you to try and comprehend before you had any idea what was going on with the design. You know, you just yeah, you know, just you know, grab your your vis real quick and your and your channeling lamp and head over to this warding stone. And it's just like, what the fuck is going on? Um, just a lot of complex terminology yeah. um, that I think it got bogged down with. Um, but with Bard, I mean, it's pretty intuitive. Um, you know, and uh, frankly, it's really not that novel of a concept either. Um, in terms of you know other MMOs and RPGs, like a Bard class exists in all kinds of other. Final Fantasy and Lost Ark recently and, you know, D&D, of course. So, you know, the the concept of a bard is really not that far of a stretch. And beyond that, it's also got a, you know, a fundamentally medieval identity about it. Um, you know, I mentioned the whole genesis of this idea literally happened when I was in a medieval music ensemble at, you know, in music school. Um, so to me, that was one of the immediate appeals of something like bard in comparison to the most recent skill pitch of warding was that it's fundamentally medieval in, you know, in its foundation. Not to say that, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to feel so medieval in practice. You know, it is, you know, a medieval fantasy clicking game after all. But, you know, just just the fact that the skill idea is founded in, like, actual medieval history with medieval instruments and stuff, to me, is a big selling point. And, you know, it's not to knock um, existing... Uh, content and updates that have come to the game, you know, because again, I've, I've talked highly of raid dungeons, you know, that have come out and, you know, the Grandmaster quests we've seen, you know, with Monkey Madness and Dragon Slayer and Song of the Elves. But if you look at all of those updates, there's definitely been a, a big high fantasy drift um, in the game in the last number of years. And not to say that that's necessarily a bad thing, it's just sort of an observation, but to me, I see Bard as being somewhat of a return, at least a return closer to the game's medieval roots. Um, and uh, it's it, to me, there's there's just something about it that feels fundamentally old school, um, especially because of its medieval nature. And again, I think it has a, a you know, some people have asked, you know, why make this a skill and uh, and not a, a mini game of sorts. And um, I think that. Well, well, I'll talk about this many times, but I think that Bard, first of all, has its its own unique identity to, to stand on, which is a good argument for it to be a skill. And it integrates into the game in all kinds of different ways that we'll get into. Instrument making is just, you know, the first of those examples. Um, you know, instrument making is going to involve, you know, existing raw resource materials that you'll craft at a music workshop and turn those uh, into, you know, playable instruments. Um, and that will involve your crafting, fletching, and smithing skills. So, um, you know, that's just the first example of, of how Bard integrates into existing game systems. Um, and then beyond that, we'll uh, we'll scroll up here in a minute to uh, to discuss the the pillars of design, which to me is like the the pinnacle of this document. And unfortunately, I think it was uh, well, not that it was unexpected, but I think that. Um, 
from the you know Reddit feedback and stuff that we got from this post, obviously most of it pertains to you know the training methods and the rewards. You know, people want to know uh, how do you train the skill and what do you get out of it. Which is, you know, uh, obviously, you know, that's uh, those are great questions to ask. But um, to me, I think we got to take a step back from that first, because um, if those training methods and those rewards aren't founded in like first principles design, you know, thinking at the absolute most fundamental level of like what makes a skill and how do you make a good one. Um, I think we got to start there. And so um, these uh, these design pillars, again, this is just, you know, our take on it. This isn't, um, you know, something that has to be set in stone. And, you know, you can feel free to disagree with these uh, pillars of design that we've laid out. But um, to me, any new skill has to check a few fundamental boxes. Um, the first of which, I think a new skill has to solve some kind of systemic problem that can't be fixed on a smaller scale. Um, the reason I think that is again, a new skill is far and away going to be the most, uh, you know, time and resource intense update that the game will ever see. Cause a skill is so foundational and just touches so many game systems that it's just going to be like a metric fuck ton of work <laughs> from the developers, even though the team has, you know, 60 plus people on it. These yeah. days, it's still going to be a massive undertaking. Um, from a development standpoint. And because of that, I think it's not good enough for a skill to like just be cool. You know, I think that any new skill uh, fundamentally should be cool, um, you know, and have a little bit of, uh, you know, sex appeal for lack of a better word. Um, I recall, again, I, I hate to uh, sound like I'm shitting on warding so much because <laughs> I don't think that the whole idea was bad. Yeah. But I do recall shortly after the RuneFest announcement of warding, um, I remember Mod Kieran being on a Q&A and saying um, that one of the things that made warding feel old school was that it was boring. Oh, <laughs> I was God. like, how? And again, I love Mod Kieran to death. This is yeah. not a knock on him or anything, but it's, it's just an observation. Um, it's out there, you know, in, in the YouTube archives somewhere. If you don't believe me, it's out there. I can find it for you. But um, he said that what made warding feel old school was that it was boring. And um, that's that's just like the absolute opposite line of logic that we ought to be going down. Yeah. Like because we have a democratic game on our hands here, it has to be fun. Like it like bare minimum, like has to be enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, people aren't going to fucking vote for it. Why would you? Why would you want to, you know, just, you know, vote in something that you're going to be miserable in having to train? It just doesn't make any sense. So. Um, a new skill has to be enjoyable, like just as a, at a base level, but I don't think that's good enough. So I think in order to justify the expensive development costs, um, any new skill has to solve some kind of problem, um, a systemic one at that, you know, again, warding, <laughs> I feel so bad, um, warding tried to solve a problem, you know, uh, they said, you know, uh, well, players can't make their own magic robes and maybe that's a problem that we should try and fix. So I think they were on the right track, but I think the problem is they didn't pick the right problem to solve because I don't know about you, but like never in the history of my, uh, you know, playing this game, have I ever seen anyone complain about not being able to make their own magic ropes? And like, if there was, it could literally be done through crafting and magic. It's not. Yeah. And it yeah. already, it already is. Yeah. It already is. You know, like with the, with the, uh, was it the salad robes? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So again, there's already precedent in the crafting skill. So that's what I mean by like having to retrofit parts of other skills to make warding work. Yep. There was just, there, yeah, it was, it was just doomed, uh, from the beginning, I think. Um, so, um, yeah, warding was trying to solve a problem, but I don't think it was solving, uh, the, the right magnitude of problem. Um, and I think the the players felt the same way. So I think it was it was good intended, but uh, you know, good intentions don't always lead to, to good outcomes. So I think that any new skill has to solve a systemic problem that can't be easily fixed on a smaller scale, and that's simply to justify the development cost. Um, you know, as much as I love this game, I think most of us can be in agreement that like this game is like pretty quirky and janky and kind of broken fundamentally. I mean, yep. You know, if we just look at like the smithing skill, for example, like, you know, we could have a whole podcast on that, I'm sure. Um, so it's been an, an interesting endeavor trying to make, you know, a, a skill that meets the standards of, of 2022 while still trying to, you know, respect and honor the legacy of all of the 23 legacy skills we, we find ourselves with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that um, it's got to solve a problem of any kind. Um mm -hmm. You know, with construction, um, literally the whole point of adding construction to the game, which also construction had a very small development time. By the way. Um, but uh, construction's literal goal was to sink as much money out of the economy as possible <laughs> because it was so overrun with bots back in the day that there was like no player economy at all. It was bad. And so they needed to sink as much gold out of the game as quickly as possible. And, you know, I guess they sort of accomplished that. But... You know, that's the level of, like, systemic problem I'm talking about. Um, and we'll get into what, you know, some of the problems that Bard is, is trying to solve. The other core pillars, establishing a strong core identity to constitute a standalone skill. We talked about that a little bit already. Um, and also to then integrate, and not just integrate, um, you know, in some, I don't know, lackadaisical way, but to try and, you know... With Bard, we've aimed to go one standard deviation beyond the norm of what you might typically expect from a skill. And uh, we've tried to integrate, you know, as, as cleverly and inventively as possible to support, you know, existing skills and content and systems without overshadowing them. Um, I know you mentioned Artisan a little bit ago and said how you weren't such a fan because... Um, and I absolutely agree with your logic here. You know, you said something like um, it would more or less kind of obligate you to train it and it, it would leave you so that you weren't um, able to really train your other non-combat skills freely yep. because, uh, well, basically artisan would have been for non-combats what Slayer is to combat. Yep. And as beloved of a skill as Slayer is for a lot of people, I think that it's fundamentally just not well designed. Um, I think the only reason it gets away with it is because it's so lucrative and there are so many best-in-slot items that come from Slayer that people just sort of conveniently overlook it. Um, but, um, you know, Slayer obligates you to train it because the only way to really train Slayer legitimately is by training combat. So, like, you have to train Slayer and the only way to do it is by training combat. So it makes sense that the way you ought to train combat is through Slayer. <laughs> yep. Um, and again, not that Slayer is like the worst skill idea I've ever seen, but it's definitely uh, pretty flawed, I would say. Yeah, um, it's it's sort I of, I just, just to interrupt here. Um, yeah, yeah, please do. It, it kind of uh, reminds me of like, 
it's like Slayer. It works because it's just been in the game for so long. But if they were to have introduced something like Slayer now, it would be like almost introducing farming contracts as a skill. It's like we don't, yeah. we don't like that's not really a skill, but it at least incentivizes you to train against other monsters, which I feel like was the idea of Slayer. But like that yeah. never needed to be a skill. I'm, I'm glad it is because exactly. it is it is sort of like iconic now with the game. But like yeah, yeah, I yeah. Totally well, I think you. I, no, I think you make a good point. You know, like farming contracts. Like, imagine if farming was just farming contracts. <laughs> like that, that wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, but you know, farming contracts, I think, added a, a new dimension to the farming skill, which I think has been very positive. Um, but you know, so like Slayer, I, I guess it's you know, I guess it's never technically too late, but I I do think it is sort of too late for Slayer because um, it's already uh, broken um, in terms of how powerful it is relative to other skills. But I think like an easy fix for Slayer would have been to do something like for like slayer specific mobs that require a slayer level to kill you ought to be able to kill those in my opinion without a slayer task and you know receive reduced xp um but at the same time you know slayer tasks would then be you know what farming contracts are to farming where they serve a niche and sort of an enhancement but they don't necessarily like obligate you to be directly involved in training Slayer to do everything else. And like with Artisan, yeah, you wouldn't have been able to just, um, you know, I mean, again, theoretically, you can do whatever you want in the game, right? Yeah. Like obligation is is kind of a weird topic to discuss because, you know, players feel certain a certain sense of obligation to do things based on incentives. You know, this gets talked about like with the wilderness and PvP all the time. But um you know, with a new skill, again, because it's so unavoidable and inevitable, a new skill carries with it, like, the highest sense of obligation to participate, I think. Yeah. And so with something like Artisan, where the whole point is, is, like, it's giving you non-combat tasks to do, basically, you know, to fish, you know, 80 lobsters or, you know, cut 60 U-logs or whatever. No longer, like, if Artisan had made it into the game, no longer would you be able to just, like, you know, freely go and roam around and, you know, train your fishing however you want because you're going to see your level one artisan sitting there and you're like, well, shit, I got to do something about that. But so the only way to level your artisan, at least according to the design back then, was going to be to train your other skills through it. Yeah. Um, and therefore, it just takes away a lot of player agency um, in, in terms of, you know, how they're choosing to experience the game. And you know, I guess it's probably not a surprise that I'm a big fan of player agency, you know, and snowflake stuff and choosing your own adventure. That's so, yeah, very I was, well I was said. Adamantly, I was adamantly against uh, Artisan uh, from the very beginning. And, um, you know, again, props to uh, to the fellow who uh, designed it, because, again, I've 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 uh, learned a whole lot of empathy through this process just for the the development team not only Jagex, but really any game uh, development team, because it's so easy to just be a gamer, but it is very difficult to be a game designer um, and, and do it well. And um, so, yeah, uh, you know, so not to, um, you know, completely shit on ideas of the past, but I think that they definitely each had um, some fundamental flaws that, uh, that needed to be addressed. You know, sailing, I haven't talked much about sailing. Uh, sailing, I was actually probably the biggest fan of of the three ideas and um but again i think it was just too vague when it went to the poll um you know i i couldn't really personally envision what it would actually be like me neither you know, in terms yeah. of game gameplay loops like again it sounded cool 
and and that's you know it, it it sparked players' imagination I think which was great I think it could have implemented you know some more um, you know dungeoneering type elements or like exploration elements in it um, but uh, yeah fundamentally I think it was it had a strong identity um, and you know it integrated somewhat I guess with like shipbuilding and stuff maybe involving like construction crafting but I I think that it was just cool like it was just a cool idea that. Would, would require so much development time that I don't think being cool was a good enough reason to add it to the game. Yeah. Um, you know, so again, that's why I, I argue um, strongly for the fact that any new skill ought to try and solve a problem. It'd be different if, you know, the foundation of this game was like solid and well built, but, you know, we're, we're working with like a patchwork quilt of a game that's been worked on by hundreds of people over decades. Yep. And, um, you know, so it's uh, the foundation of this game is, is, you know, not the same as, you know, like other AAA studio MMOs or anything. Yep. Um, so it, it's uh, it's a hard case to work with, but, it, you know, making a new skill to me is just like creative problem solving. And that's what we've uh, we've tried to do here. Um, so, um, gosh, this is going to be a long podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, fucking loving it. Um, I'm just excited to get into the meat of the skill as well. We're just... We're yeah, just hitting yeah, the yeah. little surface we're, right now. We're 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 getting there. Yeah. Believe me, like, um, you know, I think I've, uh, I've had all this stuff rolling around in my brain for ages, and you know, this is the opportunity to kind of uh, you know shed some light on some things. So I'm just trying to uh, cover all of my bases, but I, I know we're we're going to get to the meat and potatoes here. Yeah, I really appreciate all this, by the way, because you are giving analogies and examples of uh, the reasons why other skills you know didn't work, and you're actually like painting a picture that's better than just thinking oh that was bad but why was it bad like for yeah. wording people well, just think oh wording sounds boring but what were the actual fundamental flaws with it and i think this is really important to cover before we get into all this because a lot of people yeah. probably just see a new skill as well, like why add a new skill or they see a yeah. new skill as just like not i don't know i think i think uh all of what you've said so far is really good with just um, kind yeah. of prefacing this whole skill. So I'm enjoying it. Thank you. Yeah, well, again, to me, these these pillars of design, not, not these particular ones necessarily, but just like first principles design, to me is like the, the most important part of this whole conversation. Because again, if we're trying to think about how we're going to establish a consensus around any new idea, I think we've got to do it in steps. <laughs> and I think the first step is coming up with those first principles design uh, element or those design pillars and, and thinking what does any new skill, regardless of what it is, what does any new skill need to accomplish in order to justify its existence? And um, like, that's, that's where I think the conversation needs to start. And we've, we've been so many layers of abstraction removed from that. that I think it's going to be hard uh, to get a new skill to pass if we don't come back to like the absolute bare bones essentials. And that's what we've tried to do at the very top here. Um, yeah. Okay. So I've, I've rattled on about our uh, design pillars uh, enough um, about the, the three core ones. Now I want to talk about some of like the specific things that Bard, this iteration of Bard is, is trying to accomplish. And you can see those again in the pillars of design section. We've got uh, mechanical design um, pillars that we're aiming to solve. So those mostly obviously relate to like game mechanics and stuff. And then we've got like the thematic side, you know, so it's almost like this classical romantic divide where you've got the skill as it appears on its surface, 
which I think is what you were kind of referring to that a lot of people just kind of take, you know, whatever they see at face value, whether it's barred warding and, and don't think too much about it. And, you know, there are other people who, um, you know, want to pick things apart and look underneath the hood and see exactly what's going on. And obviously I think our post did about as, as good of a job as uh, was, was possible with our limitations to, uh, you know, just put together a nice, um, you know, easy on the eyes kind of presentation just to give people, you know, just a, a, at a glance, you know, what's going on here. But there's, as, as you can tell by my, uh, my, my insatiable rambling here, that um, there's a lot more going on under the hood that we've, you know, discussed for dozens of hours. Um, not from a standpoint of, you know, authority or anything, but just, you know, as armchair game design enthusiasts who love this game, um, just trying to figure it out. And so, um, yeah, um, I think some of the biggest things, I think one of the biggest takeaways um, that I'd like people to have from just hearing this whole Bard uh, skill ramble here is one of the things that I think Bard uniquely accomplishes compared to any other skill design that we've seen thus far is that we try to design systems that are educational to players. Um, I was speaking about this a bit before in terms of like prayer flicking. You know, how, how cool would it be to actually have systems in the game that were literally designed with the specific intention in mind to help players get better at the game? Like, obviously, they'll improve their bard skill by training more bard. But the idea is, is that through training bard, maybe you might get better at raids, too. You know, by practicing similar kinds of of activities, you know, whether it's um, you know, like a um, you know, a click accuracy kind of uh, simulator type thing that I I uh, briefly alluded to, um, or you know, we we um, introduce this concept of bard battles, which could be a completely different take on trying to uh, figure out how best to revitalize PvP in our game. It's obviously struggled from the very get go. And it's made some recent improvements, but I personally don't think that we can solve PvP with more PvP updates. And so the whole notion of bard battles is trying to help introduce players into some of the ideas and themes and mechanics around that kind of play in PvP to then hopefully set players up for better success if they so choose to engage in those other activities down the line. So one of Bard's main takeaways. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And how did we arrive at, at this notion? 
I personally just sat and thought about like what what did I actually get out of music? Like my my years in music school, what did I actually get out of it? And the music obviously is is one thing, but what I actually got out of it was way more than the music. It was it was these skill transfers, whether it was just like better communication or you know, uh, getting over things, you know, like stage fright, just having, you know, to be vulnerable up on a stage in front of a crowd or um, just learning how to learn. If anyone uh, in doing any creative endeavor, um, for me, obviously, I'm most familiar with music, but, you know, to sit in a practice room by yourself for so many hours in a day, a week, a month, like it forces you to learn how you as an individual learn. Otherwise, you're not going to be making much progress. Um, so, to me, one of the things that I really took away from music school wasn't even really the music or the history or composition or whatever. It was all the other like sort of non-musical stuff that really made the most impact on me in my life, I think. And so, you know, this is our attempt at trying to do something like that in RuneScape. And um, honestly, I think it's sort of a weakness um, in the game that the developers are keenly aware of at this point which is just like when new players come into RuneScape and they get dropped off a tutorial island, it's instant paralysis by analysis. Like it's, you know, it's an open world sandbox MMO and there's, you know, an infinite number of, of options for things you could be doing. It's completely overwhelming to a new player. And so, you know, they've introduced these like adventure paths and stuff and they've made minor tweaks to the tutorial island and everything. But uh, I don't think that goes nearly far enough. Um, and I'm not saying that Bard needs to like tutorialize the entire game. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that um, it's evident that RuneScape as a whole, I think, struggles to really have systems in place that like teach players more about the game. Um, I think a great example of a game that does this well are like the Dark Souls games. Um, I'm not much of a Souls gamer myself, but I've, I've dabbled a little bit and watched uh, plenty. And... Um, one of the things that I think Dark Souls games uh, and most recently Elden Ring do really well is they teach players about the game. You know, they they show without telling, really. And um, I think they really follow... I think this is really like a Bethesda thing that, um, that sort of formulated some of their game design um, early on um, was this notion of, in a game loop, it should really be something like learn, play, challenge, surprise. And so in an example of Dark Souls, you get dropped in the world and you have, you know, some trash tier mobs that come up to you that have a few basic mechanics and stuff. And so obviously, you know, in those first moments, you're learning, right? Um, about what the game has to offer, what, the, what mechanics to expect. And then once you become comfortable with that initial encounter, you know, you play with it a little bit. You know, you sort of develop your skills a little bit. You know, you figure out, you know, what tools you have at your disposal to, to deal with encounters and that kind of thing. And then ultimately, you finally, you know, arrive at, you know, the big dick boss, right? Um, and there's the challenge element. And, um, you know, in Dark Souls, they, uh, they do a great job of giving the boss very similar, but still slightly different mechanics to all of, like, the trash mobs and stuff that have come before. So you're sort of prepared a bit going into that boss encounter. You sort of have some idea of what to expect. But then there comes the surprise element, you know, the big, you know, big axe swing or whatever that you didn't see coming because it wasn't, uh, you know, a mechanic that, uh, you know, the trash mobs had. And, you know, it, it, you know, sits you flat on your ass and you're all the way back to the uh, to the learning phase again at that boss encounter. Um, 
but the game I think is like fundamentally um, like a didactic game. Like the game teaches you more about the game as you play it. And obviously like, you know, through doing anything long enough, whether it's playing RuneScape or whatever, like just through doing it enough, you'll inherently get better at whatever you're doing. But to create systems that intentionally are meant to sort of like teach you some things, I think is a unique opportunity that, that, uh, bard offers that no other skill has really seemed to offer thus far and i'll get more into exactly how that manifests in a bit um a few other things um we want to hopefully diversify gathering skill gameplay loops a little bit um obviously you know in the last number of years uh if you look at the comparison to like pvm updates versus uh skilling updates i mean you know we've had a few like skilling mini game type things you know whether it's mahogany homes uh, hallowed sepulcher but uh on the whole it's been predominantly pvm oriented yeah and uh it's just kind of left all of our non-combat skills just in the dust you know uh they're really just seen as like a means to an end and uh it's kind of a shame you know because again our our skills are so fundamental to our uh gameplay in this game that um I think it would be too much of an ask to ask Jagex to sit down and like, you know, redo all of the skills, but properly this time. Um, you know, so I think that Bard, what we've done is we've tried to offer um, some unique inventive systems that aim to sort of bolster and, uh, and enhance gathering skills in particular. Um, so Bard is really seen as like a non-combat support skill in our view. And um, so we, we try and uh, enhance the existing gathering skills, you know, mining, fishing, woodcutting, hunter, farming, through uh, like an opt-in style reward system. So it wouldn't be like an always-on thing. And we did that intentionally because, again, we know there's a decent segment of players out there who aren't interested in seeing any new skill ever, no matter what it is or how good it might be. And that's fine. People are allowed to have that opinion. Um, so, but we wanted to make design design reward systems in such a way that they would obviously have a benefit you know and and you would most players would want to participate but for those who wanted you know to completely neglect it and not you know not want to see an instrument touch an instrument hear an instrument they'd be able to uh to do that um you know i mentioned wanting to synergize production skills with new functionality so crafting fletching and smithing would be skills that are involved in the instrument making process you know to obviously create instruments um, that you'll use as your tools in your bard training. And uh, through these instruments, uh, we hope to enable something of like an extensive uh, raw resource sink um, because the instruments would have uh, like a durability system, basically. So think of, um, you know, jewelry. Yeah. I would imagine a, um, a durability system to look something like, um, like bracelets of slaughter, you know, or expeditious bracelets where... Um, the charges are on the player, not the item. Um, and eventually they would degrade to dust with a little asterisk because, you know, there would be options uh, down the line to be able to, you know, like enhance your instrument to make it non-degradable, um, you know, and, and again, sort of similar to like, uh, like an Amulet of Glory, like Dragonstone Jewelry. And then even at the very top end, like completely non-degradable um, type instruments. So um, we would hope that we could, you know, design a system in such a way that um, these instruments uh, would, wouldn't would be a burden to use. Like, it, it, 
if you go do your you know regular bard training it's not like you'd have to you know come with a full supply of instruments in your yeah. inventory um but yeah it would have to obviously be balanced and designed carefully so that the idea is that we would hopefully sink a fair amount of raw resources from the game um and because of that you know increasing uh the demand for these items by um you know just giving them more uses through instrument making with a relatively steady supply or even a decreasing supply if these instruments are coming out of the game with a durability system um we'd hope that hopefully in the long run again i'm not an economist so you know don't don't quote me or you know sue me for this but the idea is is that with uh with these instruments um, eventually exiting the game through using them that um it would hopefully help to increase the profitability of your uh, of your gathering skills in the long run um again subject to balancing and uh, and careful consideration but that's uh, that's one of our aims and uh, yeah just to create inventive systems that that move beyond the usual reward paradigms of direct gp or xp um you know another one of the common threads of feedback from our post was that um our reward structure, which I haven't talked about yet, but our a lot of our reward structures, um, people thought were too complex or um, they weren't linear enough. So, like for example, you know, somebody said, like for for mining, you know, you grab a pickaxe, you click a rock, you get an ore. With smithing, you know, you take an ore, you go to a furnace, you get a bar. Yep. Um, you know, it's very linear, very straightforward, um, and that's great. You know, because those are. Uh, gathering and production skills and uh, I think that they should have a relatively linear predictable output um, with Bard however um, I can definitely empathize with the argument that maybe there should be some kind of like baseline reward system like you know play an instrument um, and you know maybe earn a little bit of GP or something um, which is totally a possibility but we wanted to try and come up with some more creative ideas and solutions instead of just giving more of the same um, and, uh, you know, it might not be everyone's cup of tea, but, um, yeah, again, we tried to aim for like one standard deviation, uh, away from the norm, just in, in this entire skill design. You know, we tried to design a skill for, uh, for the future of RuneScape, not for, uh, you know, trying to replicate the past. Yeah. Um, cause I think that's sort of like trying to drive a car while, you know, only looking in the rear view mirror. Uh, like, I guess you could do it, but <laughs> I don't know how successful it'll be. Um, you know, so obviously looking into the future, there's so many possibilities for, you know, what could come of this game. And to me, that's really exciting. But I also understand people might be hesitant and um, especially something as, as uh, far reaching as a new skill. You know, if it, if it doesn't go well, it, uh, it might not be good. But yeah. I think that if we work together and communicate, you know, openly and honestly as, as a community, and, and try and figure out how we're going to go about generating a consensus here. Um, you know, I think that's uh, the only way to do it. And again, this is just sort of our, uh, our receipt uh, and our, uh, our one iteration of, uh, of what this could possibly look like. Um, so yeah, Bard's trying to do uh, a number of things. Uh, maybe it's trying to do too much. I don't know. But again, the whole idea is, is to show what Bard could possibly do and how versatile of a concept it really could be. Um, you know, because construction was pretty monolithic. You know, it was trying to, uh, you know, sink money out of the game. 
Um, and that was basically its sole purpose. You know, with something like Bard, um, it could have, you know, more of like a core focus around solving one particular problem. I just happen to think it's, a, it's an idea that is uh, versatile enough to be able to do uh, several things at once without being like overly burdensome or complex. Um, so those are the mechanical things that we're trying to, uh, to address, chiefly designing educational systems that hone players' skills, and we'll get into that uh, later. And then on the thematic side, I'll kind of briefly run through these. Um, I already mentioned, you know, bards founded in, you know, actual real medieval history. Um, and uh, so I guess that is one takeaway I got out of my, uh, out of my uh, music degree was being able to make this bard skill somewhat realistic. Um, but yeah, to me, that's, that's just a, a selling point for the skill that, you know, it's actually medieval in nature. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we mentioned one tick prayer flicking earlier a couple times, but this is such to me an obvious opportunity to try and, you know, like demystify the game's tick system. Cause obviously for us veteran players, you know, it, it's not really much of a mystery anymore. Um, and you know, there's all kinds of crazy, you know, uh, tick manipulation, skilling methods and stuff, and one tick prayer flicking. Um, but like those those concepts aren't really approachable or even obvious that they exist to, to uh, new players and maybe even players who have uh, played for a while. One of my good friends, uh, IRL, um, I actually just got him back into playing RuneScape. And um, he, uh, he played a bunch back in the day, but he hasn't played you know, in probably a decade. But I've been talking to him about this bard thing and... And it's got him, uh, you know, reinterested in the game. And so he just uh, started playing old school again a couple weeks ago. And um, he's just like, there's so much shit to do. And I just like, <laughs> I feel like I'm so bad at the game. Like he felt like he was so good back in the day. But obviously now as, you know, a, a full grown adult, you kind of realize, you know, how how trash you are sometimes. Yeah. Um, but just, just uh, you know, so to me, Bard is like the perfect opportunity to create what is already inherently a 100 BPM clicking simulator, you know, the entire game, you might as well turn it in, you know, you might as well gamify it and make, you know, like rhythm-based gameplay out of it. Um, and uh, we've got a couple different ideas for what that could look like, primarily with performances later on. But, um, you know, some people uh, really like this idea and other people don't. And... You know, I think uh, a main point of feedback on this is that some people think that like RuneScape's engine is maybe like the worst thing about the game. <laughs> um, you know, just because the the tick cycle is so incredibly slow, um, and you know, uh, it's it's just not optimal in in the current era. But I mean, the the engine is is uh, kind of what makes the game. You know, it, it's just a foundational thing that the entire game is built upon. Um, I you know all of Go ahead. I was just going to say, um, yeah, like it is definitely uh, kind of polarizing in a way because it's like some people just genuinely are not musically inclined. Like I, I had a friend that was just like literally tone deaf, couldn't keep a beat. And just like I'm not trying to like rag on him or anything, but it's like some people literally yeah. are just different. Like uh, and I just want to say real quickly, you bringing up the I would argue like the tick system is really beautiful and it actually mm -hmm anything with rhythm in it is just inherently addictive in a way and i see people yeah. all the time that get into solo raids i mean the oh, yeah. ohm fight is literally a f it's it's a rhythm game like you're going back and forth yeah. between the mage hand you're you're clicking on the tiles like you see people that get into it at first it's a total struggle but as they improve yeah. that it's just rhythm i mean it's just like you're not even thinking you're just 
clicking the yeah. tiles that you know you have to click and that's what makes Absolutely. game content so addictive like especially end game pvm that relies on that tech system Absolutely. I'm I'm 100% on board with you there. And I think it's also important to emphasize here that this whole bar design that we've got, in particular, the training methods are very uh, rhythmically based. You know, there are a lot of comments about like, well, I don't play with game sounds on. So why would I want a bard skill? I'll be honest, I play with game sounds off 95% of the time. Um, but I think bard would be just like any other element of the game where it would be completely feasible and and completely fine to play without game sounds because it's so rhythmically based. You know, it, it's not like you're going to, you know, you don't need a musical ear to participate in bar. Um, you know, I think the game audio, uh, you know, certainly helps just as it helps, you know, if you're like one tick prayer flicking. I find it quite difficult to do that without game sounds on. Um, but, uh, you know, so Bard is meant to be an experience for pretty much everyone. <laughs> and you would absolutely not, at least in our vision, you would not need to have game sounds enabled in order to participate or be successful in training bar because it's so rhythmically based. So we hope to have like strong rhythmic as well as like visual elements um, in order to, uh, you know, just help ease that burden for the players who choose not to use game sounds. You know, I, I can't, uh, you know, I can't, completely ignore that and say you know that bard would be as good of an idea um if nobody played with sound on like i think that you know it would it would uh definitely enhance be... it at least yeah, yeah yeah i it's it's meant to be an enhancement and um frankly i think that the old school audio team recently uh, in the last couple of years have been absolutely killing it um you know just like not only quantitatively how many tracks they release with like new major updates but just qualitatively i mean you know, just as a musician, I, I have so much respect for the old school team using their uh, their outdated tools and, you know, their MIDI sound banks and everything to just create some really just stunning masterpieces. Um, and uh, yeah, so yeah, there, there's no obligation through any of this to have to play with game sounds on. It would only serve, you know, to enhance the experience. I mean, it's the same kind of thing. Like, you know, you don't need to get up out of your gamer seat to train agility. Um, you know, you don't need to like taste the food that you're cooking. You know, you just, it's, it's just a game. Yeah. <laughs> and of course I understand the argument that like it, maybe it wouldn't be as fun or optimal without sound, but it would definitely be achievable and realistic to do it without game sounds on in our vision. Yep. Obviously ultimately up to execution on Jagex's side, but that's not my job. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, and then with some of our uh, other reward systems, um, you know, bards back in the day um, were not just musicians, but they were really storytellers. And uh, honestly, something like like oral historians, um, obviously before things like uh, the printing press and the internet, um, you know, local tales uh, were, were pretty much kept to the bards. Um, you know, they, they, uh, passed down, you know, the, um, you know, certain family stories and, and lineages. And then, you know, they would travel by foot, you know, to the next village or town or whatever, and, and share, you know, the, the, the triumphs and tribulations of, of, uh, the other people. And that was sort of how word got around. So, um, in, uh, in our bar design here, we have elements that uh, would hopefully, you know, uh, carry players across the whole 
kind of game world in almost like an exploration type way. But, um, you know, it wouldn't be uh, mandatory necessarily, but we'd create, you know, uh, incentives to want to sort of uh, travel around uh, the game world and not be, you know, just sort of stuck at one location. Like that was one of the big sore points about dungeoneering, of course, was like, no wonder it, you know, it felt more like a mini game because you could just rock up to, you know, Demonheim there off the wilderness and just camp there, you know, level one to, to 200 mil if you wanted to. Um, it was it was so isolated and lacked any kind of real meaningful integration um, that I think that was the big argument for why it it really should have been better suited as a mini game, not to devalue the content because again I love the content and yep. and thought that um, it was it was done quite well. But um, it just lacked the integration that I think was required to really constitute a skill. And um, yeah, I think Bard, um, some people even said that uh, that Bard maybe integrates too well or in like too many systems, <laughs> which I mean, I, I guess uh, you could make an argument for that. But it's um, it's really think... it's really cool. Sorry to interrupt again. Is uh, yeah. this this idea of I mean, I'm just thinking of like going to the desert or something and learning how to create a new instrument that's more desert theme and so you get to the level and you're like "Ooh, i want to learn this new thing but you got to talk to this professional bard out in the desert and he'll he'll teach you like again this is coming from my own just mind i'm just thinking of so many possibilities with the skill and i love the idea of actually physically having to travel around the world to learn new instruments and maybe new yeah i don't know tunes and stuff so yeah yeah i mean yeah it's just again another opportunity and to me a rather obvious one to it's an opportunity to just enhance regional identity you know like we have so many cool regions and cultures in this game dorgish khan fantastic example it's like no one knows about that city except for me apparently <laughs> for the most part <laughs> until the latest goblin quest got launched um but like it's such a missed opportunity because like there could be so like there's so much potential for an area like that to just be explored you know not in like a you know in a complete rewrite type of way, but just like little subtle inclusions that uh, something, uh, you know, like Bard could uh, could help with, you know, to just give some undervalued, you know, some underappreciated areas of the game. Absolutely. Um, you know, just a little bit more, you know, attention and, and integration. And, um, you know, I think this, uh, this is uh, a point to be made as well that honestly, I see Bard as having the potential to be something even more than just a skill it's honestly a a new medium for exploring game mechanics and like the lore of the game too um you know i I think uh there's probably some people who know this but maybe not everyone but uh you know mod ash is a classical violinist um and uh you know he's got some some pretty good chops word on the uh, street is i wouldn't expect anything less from the man but uh, I just could not imagine, like, the field day that Mod Ash and, and Mod Ed, you know, the, uh, the, the warden of old school lore, what, what those two guys could do with something like a bard skill and just, oh, like, yeah. different implementations that it could have in terms of, you know, instead of maybe just, like, you know, spam clicking through, uh, you know, dialogue boxes, maybe involving bards somehow, you know, to have oh, a yeah. new quest feel a little bit more alive and a little bit more integrated into the world, um, you know, so... Uh, yeah, to me, Bard just presents so much opportunity to do cool shit in the game. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just offering up ideas, you know, in this thing. Um, 
again, I said it many times, but you know, this is not a prescription for, uh, for what a new skill has to look like or bar in particular, but this is just one example manifestation. And we've given a bunch of examples and ideas for, uh, for what that could look like. So, and then of course, the final, um, thing to mention, I guess, in terms of, uh, design goals, um, of course, music is a social thing, uh, just inherently. And uh, we don't have any elements of the design that mandate uh, you to like be social or have group gameplay or anything. It's very much still like a solo um, experience. Um, I think that's just kind of where we're at with the state of the game these days. But you know, there there would be um, you know certain small inclusions and and certain small incentives that would hopefully you know encourage uh, you know people to to you know game together. I don't know, form a little. Uh, Band. Form a little band and, <laughs> and you know go uh, go uh, go busking at the GE. Oh or something. my god, that'd be a fucking fantastic. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> I just like sometimes I'll literally just go to the GE with some fashionscape and I'll go to the role play world and you know there's people just yeah, there fucking around there. There's gotta just be a bunch of bands trying to like play their uh, latest tune. You know, I think that's fucking awesome. Yeah. And it's not for everybody. Yeah, it's just out there. Yeah, yeah. And it's not for everybody, of course. Um, you know, I don't think any new skill idea is going to be for everybody. But, uh, you know, trying to present an idea um, that's palatable enough for players to uh, to be able to get behind it or at least see the logic behind it, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, all of this that I'm rambling on about here, like, it could have been included in the post, but it was obviously already long enough. Yeah. <laughs> We, we, we had to uh, draw the line somewhere. So, I think there's something nice yeah. as well about seeing bullet points and then hearing the discussion now. Like, I am, I'm loving yeah. this because I'm seeing the true side of, like, what you envision the skill to be. And instead of me taking my own approach at it, seeing bullet points and just being like, okay, like, mm -hmm. this is kind of what I imagine. This is really nice. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess I've rambled on enough about uh, design pillars and, and all of that nonsense. And so... Um, Again, sort of forgive me for spending so much time in, on all of that stuff at the beginning, the pillars of design especially. But, you know, to me, that's just, that's, that is the meat and potatoes of this thing. Because, um, again, there's an infinite number of iterations of training methods or rewards for Bard or any other idea that, you know, you could concept and argue about, you know, until the end of time. But, um, you know, the, 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 first principles design and trying to really boil it away to the bare essentials of like what makes a good skill in runescape you know something that looks forward into the future you know trying to imagine what the game could be or could look like while also still trying to honor what came before you know and all of the other uh, legacy skills as i sort of call them um you know that that were not uh, held to the same level of scrutiny as any new skill would be. I mean, it's not even close. Um, I honestly can't imagine really any of our existing skills passing a poll in the current day. Um, <laughs> maybe there's a rare exception, but um, you know, I don't know. Even like range, you know, it's like I feel like people these days would would just sort of say, "Well, what do we what do we need bows?" you know, four and, and <laughs> bows and arrows when we already have melee, you yeah. know, it's just kind of redundant. And, you know, what's the linear reward output of range? I don't know. Like, <laughs> um, so I, I just think that um, spending, spending time talking about these foundational ideas. And again, this is just, you know, my take, our take on it with Bard. It's not, uh, you know, the only answer or the only right answer, but 
I think it's uh, worth spending the time on these like foundational principles because I think it helps inform all of our other decisions that we arrived at in terms of like the specific manifestations of of content in terms of training methods and rewards. So anyway, uh, moving on from uh, from all of the the the, uh, the boring stuff and uh, now for the star of the show, what you guys are all here for, uh, the training and the rewards. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll start with instrument playing. This is your core basic training method. Again, I was uh, describing this kind of akin, you know, to woodcutting or something where um, with woodcutting, you grab your ax, you click a tree, and you sit back and relax and have a good time. Um, with playing, it's pretty much the same exact thing. You'll uh, grab an instrument and uh, you'll rock up to um, a bard camp, which is just sort of like a, a hot spot for training. Again, sort of trying to incentivize players to like be around one another and uh and then you'll uh you'll click the play option on your instrument and then you just kind of sit back and have a good time and um that's uh that's the core training method for bard and again that just helps establish its identity you know it's a strong identity and just playing music and it offers you know that super simple um, you know, just like entry point to the skill right off of the bat. So um, in your vision, when you click play, what happens? Like, is there like, is there a sound that automatically goes or is it something you've preemptively wrote in the, with just like little notes or something? No, I would imagine it would just be, it would just be like any other, uh, you know, skilling action where, you know, there's some kind of, uh, you know, animation alongside it. And obviously with Bard, you know, there's the audio element to it as well. I mean, other skills, you know, have audio mm -hmm. as well. Um, so yeah, I would imagine it to be just very similar to that. So yeah, there's, there's no, you know, there's, there's no, no creative, you know, mu yeah, yeah, musical composition or anything involved. It's just like, again, it's, it's, this is like brain dead, simple runescape right here. You know, it's just like you rock up with your tool you uh you click on the hotspot and you sit back and relax and you know it'll just play some kind of animation um and you know probably uh, some little chime or tune or whatever and you know the gameplay cycle would last um you know probably a predictable amount of time you know again arbitrary number but let's just say 30 seconds yep um so you rock up and you're able to to afk you know your initial bard training for 30 seconds but i mentioned your instruments have durability on um and so what that'll look like is that every once in a while, so every gameplay loop, let's say, um, your instrument will go out of tune and you'll need to retune your instrument in order to keep playing. And uh, every time that you tune your instrument, which doesn't require any other you know, fancy tools, it's just like a right click option, um, you'll retune your instrument and uh, you'll begin playing again. But every time you tune your instrument, it consumes a charge. Um, and then eventually, again, this is just in this iteration, it's uh, the, the nature of degradable instruments can definitely still be up for debate. But, uh, you know, for the sake of this iteration, we've gone with degradable instruments, you know, with this durability system um, for the sake of trying to accomplish, uh, uh, you know, uh, an effective raw resource item sync. Yeah. How effective it would be, again, is completely subject to balancing and numbers, and we've not offered any of those for good reason because, you know, it would all change in the end anyway. Um, yeah, so this is just your super simple core gameplay loop. And again, there would be hot spots throughout the game, um, one in sort of like each map region or kingdom. So um, if you look down a little bit um, to uh, further down in the instrument playing section, you'll see the first mock-up 
uh, courtesy of General Tractor there, uh, his mock-up of a bard camp. Uh, and this one in particular uh, is located right outside the Falador East Bank. So yeah, again, super simple. You just find a bard camp that you've got the level for. In this iteration, we imagine them to be linear. Um, so basically, you know, you'd start at Falador at level one, and then um, you'd move at, you know, at the next level uh, bracket, which I guess is level five. Um, you'd then move to the hotspot um, in uh, Mistelin, which is near the Farrakh West Bank, um, to uh, continue on with, uh, with your bard training and obviously earn a little bit more XP there. Again, the linear nature of this uh, is not the important point because it's subject to change. Um, you know, it's got pluses and minuses because, um, you know, if you have a hotspot that's uh, at level one, obviously you'd probably outgrow it rather quickly. Um, but there are also other reasons that you might want to come back uh, to uh, just playing in general. Um, and we can talk about that a bit later. But uh, yeah, so you find a bard camp, equip an instrument, you've got the level to use. Uh, you know, you click on the campfire as sort of like the hotspot and you begin uh, your bard training. Um, it's also, uh, I guess, worthy to note that um, you could theoretically, uh, in our view, train anywhere um, by playing your instrument anywhere, but it would be a very small, like token amount of XP. So, you know, if you wanted to, uh, you know, put together your rock band and play at the Grand Exchange, you could earn like very, very minor you know, like single digit, <laughs> low single digit XP um, for, for doing something like that, because I think it would be a bit silly to, uh, you know, constrict players to only playing in these, you know, designated locations. That seems a little arbitrary. I think it's really um, cool that there are these hotspots because I think what's really cool as well is, you know, of course you can go back. I don't know how that's all going to work. Just like going back to a, like an earlier um, hotspot. But I think... Yeah, when there is a dedicated place where, like, okay, these are the best musicians. Like, the these guys are going to be here. Like, I want to go to this mm -hmm. hotspot and, like, chill. And, like, uh, yeah. everyone just knows that, okay, this is the place where, I don't know, you can hear it at least or yeah. play yeah, it yeah, with yeah. other people. So, Yeah, exactly. And, again, you know, it goes back to that same notion of just not mandating but just trying to encourage players to be around one another. Yeah. Or just – creating convenient social opportunities for you to sit around, you know, and noodle on your instrument with your, uh, your fellow comrades. So, um, yeah, I don't have a, a whole lot uh, more to, uh, to say on uh, this bit here. I guess another thing to note as well um, is that um, we also, and this is based on uh, a lot of uh, community feedback, that another possible benefit of just doing this basic um, core playing method is uh, it could also, you know, give an, uh, you know, additional benefits other than Bard XP in terms of, you know, like increased run energy restoration, that kind of thing. Yep. You know, it seems like a, a pretty perfect opportunity um, to accomplish something like that. And again, that's, that's trying to, you know, help alleviate um, a problem that I didn't even mention yet, which is just, you know, the early player experience in the game is pretty bad because, I mean, with one agility especially in free-to-play, it's just like Walkman mode. It's like you're, you're walking Literally, everywhere yep. constantly. And uh, it's just not good. You know, honestly, I think agility and the run energy system in the game uh, should probably just, like, be deleted. <laughs> not actually, but, um, you know, it's kind of obvious that that's one of, like, the sore points in the game because every league that they introduce, like, the first thing that they do now is make sure that you've got infinite run energy. Because, <laughs> yep. like, who wants to Because it's just not fun, yeah. Yeah, it's just not fun. And again, 
you know, it's not to say that that needs to be deleted and rewritten or anything, but just that alleviation you know, that's just of an, it, early levels. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, it's just a legacy game design move that I don't agree with, but it is what it is. And so, rather than doing a complete rewrite, I think this is a way of sort of honoring the tradition while at the same time trying to alleviate, especially for the early game players. Um, being able to do something as simple as you know play on a basic instrument and you know have a bit better run energy restoration. Yeah. Um, so yeah, again, just uh, just uh, an example uh, idea of uh, of what this could be. Um, now scrolling down below that uh, that mock-up there, you'll see a couple level tables side by side here, and uh, this is uh, this is basically describing each of the map regions that we've sort of uh, divided uh, the game up into. Um, and these are all just sort of, you know, these aren't like arbitrary um, designations. These are just like the areas of the game, um, you know, and I think uh, like Trailblazer League even went a, a, you know, quite a long way in terms of developing new tech, um, as well as just like helping to define some of, you know, like the, the boundaries of the different areas in the game. But um We've also kind of future-proofed uh, our idea a little bit as well, um, including uh, some yet-to-exist areas like Varlamore, uh, Eastern Lands, um, and uh, and that kind of thing, and uh, Asheron, the the frozen uh, penguin land to the north. Um, so yeah, we uh, we did that, you know, for uh, for the sake of future-proofing and and also dividing things into twenty-four uh, neat regions and instruments. Uh, just happened to work out conveniently for a lot of reasons, but. Um, yeah, the, the gist here is that uh, so these level tables are describing the hot spot that you would find in each of these map regions. And then I also mentioned, you know, trying to establish a stronger kind of regional identity. So um, each region would also have um, its own unique regional instrument that would give additional benefits uh, both to Bard and, uh, and otherwise um, if you're using uh, an instrument in its home region. So um, it wouldn't be mandatory because um, uh, you could you could choose to you know play the same recorder um, everywhere you go um, and it would not uh, negatively uh, affect your XP but you wouldn't be maximizing your reward output is, is essentially the trade-off mm. there so um, and we'll get to that next um, of course you know just uh, just a, a one-dimensional park and bark, uh, you know, of just clicking, playing uh, to play your instrument and sitting back and waiting can be a little bit too monotonous. So we've, uh, you know, got an idea to introduce something equivalent to like, you know, bird's nest from woodcutting, basically, um, which are just like these little special golden notes called quilismas, um, which are is an actual like medieval musical notation term. But yeah, they're like the the bird nest equivalent in uh, in Bard. And, I love you know, it. These little special notes would uh, would appear on occasion and last for a brief duration, you know. And so you'd have to sort of be paying attention and and you know at your <laughs> keyboard more or less to be able to um, to uh, click these guys fast enough. And um, they'd give a little bit of like token Bard XP for doing so. Um, and each uh, hot spot, each one of these Bard camps would also have some uh, like NPCs um, around them. And uh, they would have a random instrument preference. Um, so basically, you know, they uh, they want to hear this tune, but using this instrument. Um, so if you're able to, if you've got the bard level to use that instrument or whatever, um, if you choose to to do that, then that would result in uh, these uh, special golden notes appearing more often for your player, and therefore, you know, a slight uh, slightly enhanced uh, XP per hour, you know, for your increased attention and effort. 
Um, so that's sort of what you would do to maximize your, your XP output. But again, I think that's a little one-dimensional. And um, again, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but I wanted to um, create something of a foil when, uh, when training Bard because most of our skills uh, that exist these days are pretty much geared towards just like maximizing XP um, with not much of a trade-off. But I think that uh, trade-offs are interesting because it just, um, well, it forces players to, to, I don't know, more, <laughs> more carefully consider how they want to go about doing their training. And so um, I mentioned that if you use an instrument in its kind of home region, um, that would come with additional benefit as well. Uh, not in the form of XP, though. So um, if you use a region's uh, home instrument, um, it'll give you uh, basically more uh, of a reward output in the form of what we call bardic influence. And uh, we got a lot to talk about in, in that department. But basically, um, this influence system is sort of like the main reward output of this iteration of a bard skill. Um, and it's almost akin to like slayer points in a way where um, you, know, you, you just train the skill as you normally would and uh, depending on how you train it, you know, so for Slayer, depending on which Slayer Master you use, you're going to accrue, a, you know, different rates of points. So obviously there are some Slayer Masters that are better for XP, but maybe not necessarily as good on the reward front and vice versa. Same thing here. So there would be uh, this system called Bardic Influence, which I, I sort of jokingly call like your clout currency. Um, and that would sort of be like the core Bard reward mechanism. So depending on... Um, what training method you're using, whether it's the basic playing or like the more advanced performing, and depending on whether you're using uh, a region's instrument or not, will basically determine your reward output in the form of this influence, which can then be spent on other on accessing like other tangible reward systems. I love it. Um, I love so, this, by the way, because um, it is it. There is more. I mean, just with this simple thing, like, we haven't even covered the other methods of training, but just that. Yeah. It's not just XP you're gaining. You're gaining this influence for reward shop throughout all of your training. I think it's awesome. Right, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I go into this in the rewards section talking about this influence system more. Funny enough, um, well, I don't want to digress too much, but uh, this influence system was actually one of the last things to kind of make it into the design. Um, and uh, it was something that, I, I mean, I guess it, it sort of generated uh, from me, but, uh, you know, with the aid of General Tractor and Gnome. But... I felt that uh, our other reward systems were too sort of uh, too far removed from like they, they were too uh, dissimilar from one another like they didn't really feel connected but I felt like this uh, having this overarching system of influence because again think about uh, you know what what you actually get out of playing music you know uh, other than the music itself I mean you know there is no real like tangible reward output from actually you know playing music Yep. But you could imagine that, um, you know, it might uh, give you a little bit of clout, you know, if you uh, watch somebody's, uh, you know, stellar performance or whatever, um, you know, it might uh, it might influence them in a tangible way. Um, or, you know, you might, uh, you know, play uh, your instrument, not even for another person, but maybe you're just playing for yourself. And, and, you know, just that practice of playing music for yourself has an influence over you. And uh, so that's like kind of the whole genesis of this idea of influence is that um, it kind of ties all of the barred reward systems together in my view. 
And uh, it also creates a foil to just like optimizing XP during your training. Um, because there's nothing wrong with optimizing your XP, but I think it's a little boring if like that's that's the only thing that you're able to do. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, I think that it, it just kind of makes natural sense to have, uh, you know, a foil or just another option um, for something that you can focus on uh, on optimizing. Um, and you can you can choose how you do it. You know, there's there's no um, you know there's no instruction book on on how you need to um, you know go about your individual bar training. You get to sort of choose your own adventure. And again, it's like that's something that I, I really like about uh, this design that we've come up with here is because I think it it gives the player agency. You know, we talked about uh, artisan doing the opposite of that. Where basically it would it would uh, mandate you in a way to uh, to train all of your other skills through artisan, which completely removes player agency. Yep. And um, I definitely think that too much player agency can be a bad thing. You know, I think uh, we sort of discovered that, or some of us did, in the recent league with uh, Shattered Relics, because you know while previous leagues had a lot less decision making you know you had like your big relic tiers and with trailblazer you had like your big region unlocks but there were only maybe you know a handful you know like you know 8 to 12 like big decisions you had to make but that felt impactful and meaningful and uh, you know gave the player a real sense of agency over their um you know over their uh, experience in the league but with this latest one it was just like an overwhelming amount of agency, you know, where they, they tried so hard to avoid creating a meta that they forgot that half the fun was like making a meta <laughs> yeah. for the league. Um, <laughs> That's true. And uh, and I, I think that uh, this league did do, you know, a lot of cool things, but I think that this league was a great example of uh, what it means to give players too much agency, which is just, you know, this this feeling of paralysis by analysis where there's like so many options for what you could be doing that you just decide that you're not going to do it at all. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we want to avoid that while at the same time, you know, we want to give the player like a real amount of agency over how they choose to experience uh, this skill. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's instrument playing. Obviously uh, the next section um, describes where you're getting these instruments from. And uh, I think this is one of the, the greatest ways that Bard manages to sort of integrate itself into the game. You know, instead of just, you know, uh, pu putting some instruments on a, you know, on a, on a wyvern drop table or, um, or, you know, buying them from a shop, it, I think it just makes logical sense that you use existing raw resources, some of which are, you know, pretty underutilized. I'm thinking about, you know, a lot of like hunter materials, whether they're like hides or, you know, like beast meat or whatever. Um, you know that are just completely useless in the current day and age but imagine if you actually had to like you know use some hunter hides or meat or you know obviously logs bars um even tree roots to like assemble instruments yep. it, it to me it just makes it's like the logical progression of ideas so um talked about our basic playing now we've got instrument making which is really not a training method it's like a prerequisite to the real training method um, primarily involves uh, your crafting, fletching, and smithing skills, and there'd be a, a designated number of music workshops throughout the world. Um, not a huge number of them, because again, the whole notion here is to try and you know encourage players to be around one another, yep. um, and just create these sort of hubs where you could 
generally expect, you know, a good amount of activity to be. Um, so yeah, instead of creating another, you know, boring bank standing skill or something, or, um, you know, just making the, the music, uh, or sorry, making the instrument making process overly complicated, we figured it made the most sense to create uh, these hubs where you would specifically go to create instruments. And again, it's just to sort of streamline the process. So, um, you know, an instrument is typically made of more than just like one raw resource material. So instead of having to like individually process your ingredients, you just rock up to a workshop and, uh, and make them all in one go. And, um, and these locations, them... by the way, are, are uh, not level restricted. You could go to any of them because it literally correct. is just a workshop, correct? Okay. Correct. Yeah. Um, I mean, of course, there, there are a couple of them uh, that would be quest locked, but again, they're pretty like, you know, pretty uh, low barrier to entry, you know, like Port Phasmatis, for example, like it doesn't, yeah. you know, it, it doesn't take too much to access those areas. So yeah, there'd be some that would be, you know, completely um, accessible, no requirements whatsoever. And, you know, if you, if you take a look at the locations we've chosen, you know, uh, they were rather intentional in the, in the fact that, you know, we were trying to give a little bit of love to some underutilized areas of the game. Absolutely. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, places like, uh, you know, the whole Eastern half of Falador, um, you know, Catherby is, is, uh, you know, kind of a ghost town these days. Port Phasmatis is a literal ghost town. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I had to. Um, and then, of course, you know, selfishly uh, had to plop some down in, in Keldegrim and Dorgish Khan as well, because for one, not much going on in those cities. Nope. And number two, it just sort of felt thematic, you know, that both of those, uh, you know, cultures yeah. are, yeah, I mean, they're, you know, they're just kind of tinkerers. So it, it uh, to me, just makes sense that, um, you know, that they would, uh, you know, have an aptitude for things like instrument making. Um, yeah, so... Um, you know, this, this isn't, uh, you know, uh, an all or nothing kind of list, but this is just an example of how it might be laid out. Um, and, you know, we, we haven't really gone through, um, you know, the scrutiny of, you know, counting, uh, you know, game tiles away from a bank, for example. Yeah. Just to, but all of that's subject to change and balancing like far beyond, uh, our needs for, for the moment. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's continue on here. Music workshops. Um, again, they're sort of strategically located in the sense that we're trying to help you know uplift some some underutilized areas of the game, and uh, we'd hope that they'd be somewhat you know social hubs too. If there's a you know a, a, just a small amount of these workshops throughout the game world, then you obviously got to make instruments somehow. So you know it's sort of to be expected that these would be you know hubs for traffic and socialization to happen and. They've got core functionality, you know, similar to like smithing anvils or cooking ranges. So, um, yeah, it's like you go to this place to do this thing, and like that's that's how it works. Um, General Tractor coming in with the uh, with the lovely uh, interface mockups and stuff. That guy is the literal goat of of uh, making uh, making interfaces and mockups for this game. I love them so much. But, um, I, I just they they it already looks like the skill is in the game. Like that's what's the craziest part about every one of these yeah. graphics it's fantastic yeah, yeah. well uh thank you uh, i can't take uh, too much credit for the uh, for the visual uh you know for for the the presentation of this thing because that was in large part gentle tractors work composing this entire thing i sort of like did the post is you know in gimp in my vision and he like did a complete makeover 
Um, and it. then Gnome as well was uh, was invaluable in the process too, making like literally 3D modeling whole scenes. Um, uh, General Tractor made the 2D sprites for the instruments, but uh, but Gnome 3D modeled all of the uh, the instruments as well that are kind of scattered throughout the post. So um, yeah, big uh, big credit to both of those guys for uh, for making this thing as uh, as pretty to look at as it is. Because yeah, I mean it, it you know imagine if this post didn't exist and it was just me rambling in long form like this talking about it, it wouldn't be nearly as exciting or as, just like uh, a word document as, like here you go read all this yeah, yeah yeah presentation really is everything yep. and uh you know the skyscraper format it's not for everybody of course but again you know we we knew it worked <laughs> general tractor had proven it many times and gnome did too frankly so we went with it anyway um yeah it's important to note uh instruments come in three tiers i don't think i've mentioned that yet um I think again, it's just kind of logical that uh, you know, as uh, your bard abilities improve, um, you know, so do the uh, the instruments you can play on, and um, the uh, the tier of resources you would use to build these instruments uh, would scale as well. So if you look at the level table there, you can see just as an example. So your level one apprentice recorder that you would make uh, requires a uh, a fletching level of one and uh, two normal logs to make. Um, but you can see that uh, at the journeyman level, you now need uh, 50 fletching and a bard to tune it. Um, but now the uh, the journeyman recorder requires two maple logs instead of two normal logs. And then at the master tier, beginning at level 75, the uh, master level recorder would require 75 fletching and two magic logs. So you can see that the resources scale there and uh, the production levels required also mirror the bard level required. So making an instrument is kind of like making a potion where you um, you create the unfinished potion first. You know, So in this instance, you would be creating an untuned instrument that requires production levels um, of fletching, crafting, and or smithing. And then you know, with Herblore, you're then adding the secondary ingredient to complete the potion. And with this, you're just tuning the instrument to make a, you know, a tuned functional instrument to use in your bard training. So, um, yeah, uh, pretty, uh, pretty straightforward. But again, this is kind of one standard deviation away from the norm in the sense that, uh, in a way, instrument making is almost kind of like a, like a super production skill um, because it's requiring levels and other skills to make instruments, if that makes sense. Yep. So, you know, it doesn't just require a bard level to make an instrument. Um, because, well, bards don't really make instruments, um, but uh, they require production skill levels. And again, to me, that just sort of makes logical sense. But I can also appreciate that that is um, like, you know, one standard deviation away from what I would consider normal, um, where there's not a whole lot of like interrelation or interdependence of skills on one another. And it's not a bad thing, but um, I think in terms of, trying to introduce a new skill and have it integrate well that something like this you know having uh you know untuned instruments require production skill levels i think that's pretty vital in terms of trying to make this thing uh you know integrate as seamlessly as possible you know you could just again put tuned instruments uh you know just on a on a you know slayer mob drop table or uh you know slap it in a shop or something but that's you know, pretty uh, unimaginative and kind of boring too, frankly. So, um, you know, I wouldn't imagine any of uh, any of this instrument uh, making stuff to become like the meta for training, uh, you know, your production skills. 
um, it would really only be sort of like a like a token amount of production uh, skill XP that would be distributed across the relevant skills. And then again, just a token amount of um, bard XP for tuning each instrument. Um, uh, because again, you know, tuning is not meant to be like a legitimate training method in the same way that cleaning herbs isn't the isn't yeah. really a legitimate method for training herblore. Like, yes, you can do it, but you know, don't. I don't think any <laughs> sane person would would want to. You know, um, so yeah, that's uh, that's most of uh, of uh, what I've got about instrument making and workshops. There are a couple other hot spots to mention uh, that'll get talked about later on. Okay. So, of course, primarily you'll be using the instrument workbench to uh, make instruments from raw resources. Um, and if you look at the table, too, I guess, you know, it, it can point out that the majority of the resources are existing resources. You know, logs, yeah. bars, hides, bones, roots, but also the ones highlighted in blue there are uh, potential new resources that could be added. Like we've got gourds um, as like a new farming allotment um, that uh, we talk about briefly uh, in the reward section and uh obsidian ore and uh, ebony logs at the uh, at like the master tier at the top so uh, ebony would be like a new tier of uh, hardwood tree obsidian would be almost akin to like amethyst but a medium level requirement um and yeah the gourds would be a new farming uh, allotment patch that come in three tiers and um well there are brass instruments in here um the sack butt didn't make the table here but uh, the sackbutt that I mentioned I, uh, that I played as the medieval trombone is a brass instrument, but uh, we, we don't, aside from, I guess, like a brass necklace, we don't have brass in the game. Um, but uh, brass is an alloy, just like bronze is. So bronze, you know, is an alloy of copper and tin. Uh, and zinc, or sorry, uh, <laughs> brass, excuse me, is an alloy of copper and zinc. So we, uh, we also uh, offered uh, zinc ore and brass bars as part of this too. Because um, we, we tried to, you know, stay somewhat authentic to, um, you know, what ingredients you might actually need to build something like a loot. I love you know, it. So, like, a loot has a, has a gourd body with, like, a wood neck and strings that could be made out of, you know, either gut strings or, you know, sinew from tree roots from farming or something. So, you know, again, we've tried to stay pretty thematic. You know, the, the drums, you know, require um, hides and bars, you know, to create the frame um and uh yeah so we, we again we've tried to keep it like pretty logical <laughs> i'm just taking a whole leaps, I, hopefully i just hate like coming in and like sharing how fucking pumped i am for this because i don't want other people to be like oh you guys are just like circle jerky in the idea but i'm i'm, right, I'm literally yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm literally obsessed with this like i just fucking love it i love yeah. that you went the extra mile to figure out how these instruments are made and then like giving new resources that make total sense to come into the game yeah fantastic Thank you. Yeah, I mean, again, feel free to ask any questions uh, you've got. I know I'm I'm doing a lot of talking over here. You know, feel free to also <laughs> no, no, play no, devil's no. advocate, whatever, whatever feels appropriate. I I will ask um, um, when I have genuine questions because there's a lot of things that yeah. like when I first read through this, there's just a lot of questions, but it's a lot down below this stuff. This is kind of like yeah, the basics. yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. We're we're still kind of in the basics. I'm I'm trying to uh, not hurry, but try to. Um, you know, speak a bit more succinctly, given that I know we've been we've already been going for a while. So I think we're going to overtake General Tractor for the, the longest uh, Sebe cast in history. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah. Let's finish up this uh, this workshop section here. So, yeah, you got uh, you got your instruments. They come in three tiers. They require production skill levels. Uh, they're made with existing and potentially new resources that are logical. 
Um, and it's a two-part process. You make an untuned instrument that requires production skill levels, and then you tune the instrument, uh, which requires a bard level. And those levels are equivalent. Um, inside the workshop, you've obviously got the instrument workbench where you're making uh, your instruments. And then uh, a couple other hot spots as well that uh, get talked about much more later. Uh, transcription desk for uh, combining these ancient hymn fragments, which is a reward output that we offer. Uh, and they're basically like almost musical clue scrolls in a way. Um, there's a finite set of them though. So it's not like an infinite thing that you can just farm. So, but uh, yeah, I, I especially uh, knowing you as a big clue scroll enthusiast, I think that uh, the ancient hymn thing would, would probably be up your alley and we'll get oh, to yeah. that later. Okay. Um, and then there's also uh, your bard hymnal. Um, which is literally like a book of hymns. So you get these little um, uh, ancient hymn fragments. That they're almost like uh, like uh, schizo totem pieces. They come in three parts. You assemble them. It's a puzzle. Um, you you solve the puzzle. You do the thing, and then you can take that completed puzzle and store it in this hymnal. And um, at the top sort of echelons of bard, um, it uh, they allow you to uh, basically like engrave the lyrics into a master level, like that top level um, instrument. Um, and it gives you like a unique bard benefit for your training. Nice. Um, and we, we talk about that towards the end in the reward section. So just a few little, uh, you know, hints at, at what's to come. And then uh, tuning, I think I've talked about that already. But yeah, you'll make untuned instruments, tune with a simple left click. Um, and yeah, that uh, just the fact that tuning is, is also a mechanic found in training, which we talked about in the playing section too. Uh yeah okay I think that's uh, that's enough about that let's uh, let's get into the uh, the juicy stuff bard battling hell yeah um this stuff uh yeah I, I like a lot and um gosh it uh well I guess the genesis of these bard battles really stemmed from Gnome who we um who we added to the project uh, you know I think about a year and a half in or so and um was uh, was incredibly valuable because just having a fresh set of eyes on the project just you know the the different perspective was really eye-opening and so uh, those ancient hymns that i was just mentioning that's a reward output later on um those like little musical puzzle like clue scroll type things almost was actually one of the training methods originally but uh, the more we thought about it the more we realized like should that really be a training method because if we wanted the players to like genuinely solve the puzzles and make them hard to game you know and, and hard to just like brute force as a training method that's just like too much mental exertion you yeah. know to like constantly be solving puzzles and things like and on the other hand if it were to be gamed you know in the in the same kind of way you know the clue scrolls you know have a plug-in that you know you do the step once and it's cool, but after you've done it, you know, a couple times, it's like, just tell me what, what to do and get yeah. it over with. Um, that didn't feel like a really great system to have as like a core training method. So we saved it for a reward component that uh, is finite in number. So you can't just like infinitely farm, uh, you know, these these uh, hymns. There, there's a, uh, a set of 24 of them that you basically sort of discover or find uh, as a reward output through training or other uh, systems. Um, but uh, bard battling uh, came into view and this um, again was just uh, trying to aim at a, a different audience um, and also again talking about trying to 
design systems that hone players' abilities that they can transfer to other elements of the game. So, you know, obviously uh, the title sort of says it all, but bard battling, I mean, is, is uh, you know, pretty similar in nature to, you know, a sort of encounter that you would find, you know, in PvP combat and even, you know, like endgame PVM stuff too. Um, so uh, bard battling is like the first expansion training method. So you've got your simple core playing which you know is like pretty brain dead to be honest and pretty simple but that has to really exist i think for the sake of just establishing that strong core identity yep um because if we started getting in you know like imagine if hallowed sepulcher was like level one totality of the agility skill yeah Yeah, it's like that would be fucking terrible so um again you know i think any new skill needs to have diversity and training methods right out of the gate and you can see um in like the the header image for bard battling here that um well, each section has this, but um, the little uh, like experience, rewards, and effort matrix mm-hmm. uh, created by General Tractor, of course. This uh, this nice little um, you know TLDR of what to expect. So battles, you know, are sort of like a medium level of experience. It's not the high end for uh, XP gain, but it's got a reasonably high uh, reward output and for uh, you know approximately a medium amount of effort. So. This is in no way, shape, or form trying to like solve all of the problems with PvP. Um, it's not trying to be a replacement. It is simply trying to uh, help bridge the gap, the skill gap, in terms of PvP combat. Um, it doesn't. That doesn't have to be like its only purpose. But um, you know, PvP I think is a is a really important part of this game's identity, and it's uh, it's struggled. Um, in recent years because I think the biggest problem um, with uh, PvP in this game is just the the ever-widening skill gap. You know, like, the only people left PvPing in this game are the the folks who have been doing it for, like, a decade or more on a regular basis, you know. Um, And uh, so because there's such a high skill gap, um, it makes a really high barrier to entry to PvP in this game. Even with something like Last Man Standing, um, I think Last Man Standing, well, minus the bot problem, but I think, you know, conceptually, Last Man Standing did go a good way in terms of trying to help bridge that skill gap. But still, I don't know if you've played any LMS lately. I haven't, but I, I did a bit when it was uh, when it was new. And, um, man, it is, it is a rude awakening for sure. Oh, yeah. As, as many hours as I've put into this fucking game, like, I am still total dog shit at pvp in this game yeah no um, it was uh it, it was it was eye-opening yeah. experience and like <laughs> i just remember getting my first kill i'm like well, okay that like i did not deserve that like i was literally against like the worst person ever i'm like this is like you go against anybody actually competent and you're like okay i yeah. actually suck yeah it's uh yeah it's uh it's a real struggle and you know so lms goes uh you know a pretty good way in terms of trying to reduce the barrier to entry by making it basically free to participate um obviously you know you have the uh uh what am i trying to say you've got the um ranked games you know where you where you pay an entrance fee of course but you know like the gears free um you know the entrance is uh is free at least partially um but in terms of skill it does nothing to reduce the skill gap because you're still you know doing nh tribriding you know like you know four plus way switches and combo eats and you know and then you have spec weapons on top of that and like it might feel like it it's done a lot you know from a veteran 
uh, PvP player's standpoint, but it doesn't go nearly far enough. Yeah. Um, I think the PvP arena that's coming to replace the dual arena is going to be really interesting to see how it how it changes the um, the PvP meta and whether or not it it uh, brings any sort of like new uh, lifeblood into that community um, by you know creating I guess not really an elo system but some kind of you know ranking system that's trying to to match make players so that there's not such a disparity in skill. Um, so we'll see how well that's executed, but. Um, you know that was obviously only announced just recently but uh you know this idea for bard battles has been knocking around for like two years behind the scenes i guess so you know uh to me and i you know i guess i guess to uh i don't i don't i try to only speak for myself and not the other guys in the team because um i guess one one other thing to sort of bring up is the fact that the three of us did not all agree on every element of this design um i don't think we really emphasize that at all um, but I think it could have gone a long way to um, to just sort of help eliminate some of the friction that people have felt with it. Because, you know, as soon as somebody sees a part of the design that they don't like, you know, their walls go up and they're like, mm, now yep. that's it, you know. But, um, I mean, we, we were doing that with each other. Um, you know, honestly, like the, the Bardic influence system that I mentioned, uh, honestly, it was kind of a hard sell to the other guys on the team. Um, but uh, I think that's a great thing, you know, is that uh, we're, we're working with one another to try and achieve the best possible outcome. And um, yeah, anyway, so this, um, this uh, bard battle thing, um, the, the genesis of it really came from Gnome um, because we, well, early on, we had to, you know, draw the boundaries for, for what bard was going to be. And... Uh, I think Bard has a lot of advantages in terms of the way we branded it. Um, you know, it, we actually struggled quite a bit uh, early on figuring out what the hell to call the skill. Um, and I think when I first pitched it to Gentle Tractor on Reddit, uh, I was calling it the musicianship skill, which, uh, you know, doesn't really roll off the tongue <laughs> quite as yeah. nicely as Bard does. <laughs> um, so it's got a lot of advantages, you know, and again, a bard is not just a musician, but a storyteller, you know, a poet, a, a traveler, so many things. And it's also a very common, you know, video game RPG trope as well. But the downside is, is that because it's a common, you know, RPG trope, um, players have expectations, you know, preconceived notions of what a bard should be. And in a lot of, uh, a lot of other MMOs or RPGs, um, you know, bards are like a... a combat support class and um we decided very early on that bard was in no way shape or form going to meaningfully impact combat in this game um because i just think that that's not what <laughs> nobody's asking for it you know what yeah. i mean um and uh we've been down that road before with eoc and even to an extent with summoning when that was released like i hated the launch of summoning because it completely changed the combat formula um like back in those days, I actually had a maxed range tank because I was, um, weirdly enough, into PvP a lot back then. Um, that was basically all I did. And I had a maxed range tank, I think at like 104 combat. And uh, when they introduced summoning, it made me max level, even though I only had like 50 attack and strength. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, summoning uh, just, you know, forever changed the nature of combat in this game. And I think combat is actually at a pretty decent point right now. 
Um, you know, I think in the devs have worked pretty hard to try and, you know, strike a balance and, and make some hard, you know, integrity changes that were, you know, kind of a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people. But yeah, um, yeah, I think, you know, content like the Inferno uh, raids have really gone a long way to show, you know, how far our combat system can be pushed. And so I don't think that it really needs any help in that department right now. And plus, you know, skills in this game have just been neglected uh, far more than, um, you know, the PVM has been. So I think if you just look at what the game needs right now, it's not more combat updates and especially not like game changing updates. Um, but with that being said, I think that there is room for some subtle, you know, uh, PVM adjacent type uh, experiences in Bard um, for diversity and for, you know, for teaching purposes, as I've mentioned several times. And um, again, doing it in, in sort of an isolated manner where it's not, you know, it, it's just, you know, Bard battles are what they are. You know, they're not, they're not making any kind of, you know, meaningful, tangible impact on the way you experience combat in the rest of the game. Um, and so I think that that's fine to do. Um, you know, will some people uh, disagree? I'm sure plenty of people disagree. But, um, you know, again, the whole notion of this Bard thing is just like trying to come up with some like creative solutions to longstanding problems. And the skill gap in PvP has been like this insurmountable struggle that has only served, I think, you know, to, to drive people out uh, of that community and, and keep them from participating. Because the barrier to entry is just too high in terms of skill, in terms of risk, you know, in large part in the wilderness. Um, and frankly, it, it's sort of, uh, you know, it's sort of a shame to say, but I think that whether uh, it's deserved or not, um, I think that the PvP community in this game has like an irrevocable negative connotation to it at this point. You yeah. know, just toxicity and that kind of thing. And it's not to say, you know, that, that other areas, uh, other communities in the game aren't as toxic or maybe more, but, you know, I think that just this perception of the PvP community being, you know, uh, toxic and just this negative connotation around it is really hard to overcome all these years uh, down the line. And so I said this earlier, but I don't really think, maybe I'm wrong, maybe the PvP arena will prove me wrong, but um, I don't think that the problems with PvP, namely trying to get more people to participate in PvP to keep the PvP community alive, I don't think that's really possible with more PvP updates. I think you've got to do a completely off-the-wall, totally or seemingly unrelated um, kind of activity or something that would hopefully teach players the skills and, in other words, help close the skill gap in order to, if players so choose, you know, after having, you know, done a fair amount of bard battles, hopefully the aim would be that they've learned enough through that process in a completely non-PVP related activity to then be able to feel a bit more, you know, competent um, in a PVP scenario. And maybe it might encourage, you know, people to experiment a little bit more. But right now, you know, other than Last Man Standing, which is is hardly a PvP tutorial, but there's really nothing that tutorializes that element of the game at all. Yeah. And um, I think that uh, there's certainly room for improvement in that department, and this is just our, um, you know, experimental take on it. 
So basically, um, the uh, well, the gist here is that um, you would be battling uh, a bard NPC. So this is uh, this is not a, a player versus player um, experience. We talk about that a bit later as like a strict reward component. I, there was some confusion on these battles. Like this is not meant to be a PvP thing to train your bard skill. Like this would be against you know NPC AI that uh, that Jagex would hopefully uh, develop well. Um, and uh, these battles would primarily take place inside of the uh, the pubs and inns of the game. I think that that is just, again, uh, pretty thematic and fitting. Um, and uh, I know there was a really popular suggestion uh, ages ago for um, like possible run energy restoration uh, taking place in pubs and stuff across the game. And uh, we have a small inclusion uh, of the January Gillenor Gazette later down in the post, but um, they uh, they mentioned this in the Gazette a few months back that just I guess coincidentally in uh, in their spare time, a few of the developers had created um, basically like a like a hundred BPM rhythm game that would take place inside of uh, pubs and. Um, They've also created some new under-the-hood engine features that would allow players to play instruments in real time. You know, so in other words, not tied uh, to the you know 100 BPM tick cycle rate, which is a huge development. By the yeah, way, yeah, holy shit. Um, just kind of a casual, you know, uh, you know, footnote in the Gazette, but uh, just the fact that uh, I mean, just think about it. You know, it, in the early days of old school, it used to be such a meme. You know, engine work, engine work. Every, you know, if someone asks for a meaningful update, it needs engine work. Yep. You don't really hear that too much anymore, if you've noticed. Um, so shout out to the uh, to the engine devs. I guess uh, they're they're doing a pretty okay job. Yeah, but, for real. Um, you know, some of our design here, like these battles and especially the performances uh, that's uh, coming up next. Um, honestly, throughout this process, we weren't really sure how technically feasible some of this was going to be. Um, or how enjoyable it would be if you could only uh, do things at the at the uh, 100 BPM cycle. But um, if they're able to, uh, you know, move beyond that and and give uh, give us more options for how we can go about using things like instruments, I think that would be awesome. So yeah, they just completely coincidentally had um, something very similar to uh to what uh, we had in mind taking place in uh, in inns and stuff so it's, it was just kind of a cool coincidence to see that um you know it, some of our ideas aren't so <laughs> totally foreign um at least to some of the developers so, so one question i have with the battles yeah. it just first glance basically or i guess second glance mm -hmm. now but uh I see that it's kind of like a rock paper scissors match and i what i yep. what i worry about is that things will be too rng related where it's not really rng but it's just luck based it's exclusively luck based yeah. and i i wonder if um and again you guys have probably thought about it a little bit more than i have just at second glance but is there a way that you can just dominate your opponents with just pure skill like actual rhythm and actual thing that you could continually go off and not just be like every battle's luck or every battle is just like out of my hands right. kind of so. No, that's that's a great point, and um, you know, obviously, uh, unfortunately, well, I guess depending on your your outlook, but you know, uh, RNG does play a significant role in PvP in our game, 
And so um, I would imagine that there would probably still be some element of RNG in these battles. But um, I guess it's also um, important to note, too, that um, these battles would ideally scale in difficulty um, so that uh, you're, you're not just thrown into the deep end immediately. You know, because, again, the whole idea of this, um, this kind of system is, is, you know, to create teachable moments. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there is, there is a, uh, a sort of instrument triangle, you know, akin to the, the combat triangle um, with um, instead of, you know, melee, range, and mage, uh, you've got percussion, strings, and winds, and uh, they would have strengths and weaknesses against one another, uh, similar to the way that um, that you know, obviously, weapons and stuff uh, have in in combat. Um, so yes, the the idea would be. I mean, I I don't think it would be appropriate to completely eliminate RNG um, from something like this mm-hmm. um, because. I don't know. I, I think that might be just too far removed from uh, from what RuneScape is. Yeah, it's no, I mean, an RNG land game. I, but I absolutely hand, think it does fit to have RNG elements in, in these battles. Yeah. So yeah. So so the aim here would be to create a system that encourages and rewards players for making the right moves. Um, you know, so whether that means you know countering an opponent's instrument, or whether that means you know anticipating you know like a telegraphed animation for a, a certain style of attack or something you know the the whole aim would be you know if the player is is paying enough attention and making the right calls they should pretty reliably be able to uh you know to succeed at a battle okay. um and i also think that if in the event you were to uh, to fail a battle I don't think the the three of us actually discussed this too much because again, so much of this would be subject to change anyway. Yeah. I don't know how important it is to talk about, but um, in terms of uh, how you would earn XP throughout this, you know, whether it would sort of be uh, like trickle XP with like sort of like a larger XP drop at the end, or whether it would be you know more black and white where you would just get an XP drop on a win and either you know re- reduced XP or nothing for a, a loss. I don't know. You know that that kind of thing the- is, is subject to. balancing yeah and they're and i'm not trying to like get into like the very micro details of this one thing i i do think would be fantastic is making it sort of like a slayer task um or just not slayer task, but just a task that Mm. hey like this guy wants to battle you at this inn go there like that's like your next thing so it's not just like okay i'm just gonna keep battling this dude over and over and over and get xp no yeah that's uh yeah that that's a great point i don't know if we actually mentioned that explicitly in this battle section because that you know (laughs) as i've mentioned before um even though there's still a lot of information in this post here we didn't include quite a bit of of uh, of detail um we we kind of struggled to to arrive at the right level of detail but um, no, that's a good point you make because, yeah, again, you know, the whole this whole bard skill, um, you know, one of the one of the themes that we revolve around is you know trying to get the player to kind of move around yeah. rather than you know just camping one finite location. So yeah, I would I would envision it to be something like you know you engage in a battle and uh, especially if it's a successful one, maybe if if it's an unsuccessful one, you you have uh, the ability to uh, you know do it again. But um, I'd say on a successful battle or, you know, X number of successful battles, you know, that particular NPC at that location would go on something like a cooldown um, that would then, you know, like, you know, he's he's all, you know, he's all played out, you know, he's, yeah. he's uh, spent his drops for the time. You got to go and come back another time. 
Yeah, um, it's like uh, it's kind of like it's kind of like the devil went down to Georgia. I don't know if you ever played Guitar Hero Three, where they're like doing oh, the little yeah. battle and stuff. Yeah, oh, break their me. strings yeah, and stuff. Hero, guitar, yeah, Guitar Hero Three was a heavy inspiration for the next section, and we'll we'll get there. Awesome. Um, yeah, but um, uh, no, as far as like a, a sort of like uh, task type system goes that you were talking about, um, we we do have some inclusions of that kind of thing uh, later on, uh, but. It's interesting because we chose to go with the implementation of having that thing gated behind uh, the Bards Guild, um, mm. the College of Bards, as it's uh, as it's referred to uh, in the game currently. There's actually a number of NPCs, like uh, the ones just outside, uh, like to the east of the uh, Karen Castle. Um, there are three uh, little bards outside at a little bard camp right there, and they say that they're students of the College of Bards in Varlamor. And um, so there's already a number of references to uh, to that college and game, and so we figured, why not, you know, commandeer that and just make it the Bard's Guild? And so that's uh, detailed in the in the reward section down uh, later on. But um, uh, yeah, so we, we have the idea, you know, to basically have task systems um, for performing, uh, but also I don't see why it couldn't be included for for battling as well. Um, yeah, to basically give players, uh, you know, some sense of direction. Um, where, yeah, they could, you know, sort of point in a general direction, like, hey, this NPC is at this location, you know, go uh, go check them out and, and have a battle. Because, yeah, otherwise it would be, you know, probably a little bit too ambiguous, you know, with yeah. players, you know, we, we wouldn't want players just like, you know, running all over the continent looking for the next uh, place to train. That, that would not be ideal. So, um, yeah, so anyway, yeah, basically this is kind of a, a rock, paper, scissors type encounter. Um, and, you know, it's it's meant to of course we decided to pretty closely mimic um pvp here you know and same thing with uh, the interface and the mock-up you can see this is like your instrument uh, options interface that would replace your weapon attack options when an instrument's equipped and uh with a few different options here to uh, to modify your gameplay um and like the the top uh, four buttons i would imagine would really only um have utility in these battles um, but some of the uh, the other, like the play button, you could, you know, play your instrument um, through this interface, like for the basic playing, if you wanted to. It's also an instrument option as well. And uh, the embellishment, which is effectively like an instrument special attack, um, that could, you know, range from a whole number of things, um, could also have some uses outside of these battles as well. But um, yeah, so uh, again, very akin to PvP combat, rock, paper, scissors type of thing where you're, uh, you're focusing on like instrument strengths and weaknesses. Um, so, you know, for an initial battle, I would imagine that um, when you're first starting out with battles, um, they would be rather simplistic, you know, where instead of focusing so much on like switching instruments, it would probably be mostly in my view, um, focused around, you know, like predicting your opponent moves or, or telegraphs or, or whatever kind of animations that they have. Um, so that you're uh, like appropriately countering or you know mitigating your opponent because that's of course you know a, a pretty uh, core part of, of PvP. But then you know you can scale up the difficulty or you can scale up the variables involved. Where um, you know uh, again maybe those those early level um, bards that you're battling only have one instrument option, but uh, maybe more advanced bards um, you know have multiple instruments that you'll have to uh, be prepared you know to uh, to counter against. Um, and then the different instrument, uh, or sorry, the different, uh, yeah, instrument options here. Again, these are just sort of like sample things that are subject to change, but 
um, just uh, giving you different options to sort of toy with in your in your battle experience. So like the sustain option, for example, could maybe let you uh, build your embellishments up faster, which would mean you know you can you can basically use your instrument's special attack a bit more often. Um, but at the at the uh, you know trade off of maybe not doing as much damage in the meantime, or you could switch you know to like a rapid attack style. So some of these attack styles are are almost trying to mimic uh, like different um, weapon speeds in a way yeah. um, where, where there are trade-offs, you know, like obviously you've got, you know, your blowpipe um, and then, uh, you know, you've got your um, Elder Maul. Uh, dark bow. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. yeah Elder Maul. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. Um, Big hit. Yeah. So yeah, it's situational. And yeah. so we didn't want to uh, completely um, have you like we didn't want to have you know completely unique options for every instrument so it sort of made sense to have like a common pool Absolutely. of options that would be shared amongst an instrument and then the embellishments would really be you know the the special key feature um of an instrument that um uh again are sort of like an instrument special attack and um i sort of thought that um those could be um unlocked as you go so maybe again in terms of trying to you know appropriately scale up the difficulty um maybe you know instrument embellishments from the you know from your first bard battles maybe they're not available um and uh, but through successful battles um you know so say like in this example here the uh, the npc you're battling looks like he's playing the loot um so say uh, you haven't uh, unlocked the loot's embellishment yet but you um you uh successfully defeat this uh loot playing bard in a battle and maybe you've got uh, a chance to uh to unlock the instrument's embellishment or maybe it's a guarantee i'm not sure but um you know so that would that would create a bit of um an incentive uh to to try and battle bards using different instruments and uh, it would also i think help to um uh help to uh keep the player from being overloaded with information right out of the gate you know because we want to try and avoid the same problems that pvp has you know where it just kind of throws you in the deep end and and you know, got to kind of figure it out so um yeah these these systems would try to be designed in a way that would be didactic and sort of you know drip feeds the player early on you know the uh, the information and the content um so it's not overwhelming and i did mention that um uh, these battles ought to scale in difficulty as well. And um, that would be based on like bard level. And it could even be based on other things, you know, like regional quest completions or achievement diaries or um, your tier of influence in that particular region. Um, you know, because again, you're earning uh, this bardic influence that I mentioned uh, in the playing section. You're earning this bardic influence as you're doing your regular bard training. Um, but, uh, well, I guess this is important to mention, too, that um, under this uh, paradigm of influence as the primary reward system, um, it would be appropriate, I think, to gate certain uh, training activities behind uh, an influence threshold. So um, for battles, not only would you need 20 bard to begin, you know, and again, that just kind of makes sense, you know, that you you unlock access to more advanced methods as you level but um you know depending on how much clout you have in a certain region might uh might determine whether a bard is willing to entertain you in a battle or not 
Yeah. If that makes sense. So, Absolutely. You know, instead of just being able to rock up, you know, as, as Joe Blow off the street with your level one recorder, you know, no one's <laughs> going to want to entertain you in a real battle like that. So you got to have a little bit of clout in the area, you know yeah. what I mean, in order to, um, to, uh, to participate. Um, and the same thing uh, would go with uh, the performances that we'll get into here shortly. Um, final bit, I guess, uh, to kind of uh, mention in the battles. Well, the other option, I guess, I, I haven't really uh, talked about um, in the interface here is the resting option. So, of course, in PvP combat, um, in particular, um, you know, one of the one of the uh, key features of PvP uh, and being successful is uh, you know timing your eats properly, you know, and and uh, your combos and that kind of thing. Um, so, of course, you know, that ought to be, uh, you know, that ought to play some kind of role in these battles as well. And so uh, in these bard battles, instead of health, you would have spirit um, as uh, your sort of, uh, you know, effectively your health in these battles. And it would scale based on your level evenly with your opponent. Um, and uh, again, maybe this is, is going a bit too far and, you know, a little bit too overreaching, but I figured maybe it could be an interesting inclusion if uh, in order to, you know, rest and restore your spirit in these battles, what if you did it with like literal spirits, like literal alcohol that you would brew through cooking that, you know, the brewing um, part of the cooking skill is absolutely dead content, needs a full yeah. rework. So Holy maybe that's shit. Out, maybe that's outside the scope of, you know, uh, introducing a bard skill, but we're just putting it out there on the table, you know, like that could be an interesting inclusion if we wanted to do, you know, a brewing rewrite that yeah. um you could maybe have player you know brewed ales that would literally serve the purpose of you know being your being your uh you know spirit restoration in bard battles um and you could have you know different uh you know debuffs and stuff from the alcohol so i would imagine you know at the cost of you know drinking uh you know an alcoholic uh, beverage to restore a bit of spirit first of all you're doing that you know, at the expense of not, you know, attacking your opponent. So you're already losing out on DPS. But beyond that, um, you know, you would probably uh, have some kind of, you know, like accuracy debuff, I would imagine. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe these uh, these brews aren't like an instant heal. You know, they could like restore over time. Yeah. Um, and maybe at different rates. So, yeah, there's all kinds of cool inclusions and variables you could uh, you could include here to um, to more closely mimic like actual pvp combat because i think obviously without healing and without you know eating you're kind of missing out on a pretty core uh, component of pvp so um yeah so we wanted to uh to have some sort of inclusion there as well and we also mentioned yeah the uh, influence and regional quest completions could optionally scale the difficulty of these battles as well um rewards um, rewards, this is actually something that would have uh, somewhat of a linear reward output where depending on, you know, the tier of bard um, that you're uh, defeating, you know, depending on whatever region you're in, would give uh, primarily like raw resource materials that would feed back into bard so you could, you know, create more instruments theoretically. And um, so yeah, you can see these lovely little uh, like uh, reward drop table cards uh, courtesy of Gnome. And um, yeah, again, just sample tables to give you just a little flavor idea of where our head is at here. But uh, yeah, you, it could include, you know, new and existing raw resources, you know, probably not a huge amount of them because if this is a training method, you know, players are going to be, you know, farming this content somewhat. And if one of the aims of Bard is to try and sink resources out of the game, it would be a little 
counterintuitive to uh, to just be like dumping them back into the game. So, you know, numbers subject to balance, of course, but um, there would also be a few uh, unique um, uh, rewards to find as well. Um, one of the uh, big ones would be uh, instrument straps. So I guess I haven't just like come out and said this plainly, but I think it's probably obvious to most, but uh, instruments would be equipped, you know, in your hands, um, probably two hand equipped. Um, but, uh, you know, you might want to have an uh, option to, uh, I don't know, be carrying like a skilling tool, for example, rather than your instrument. And so an instrument strap would be uh, an add-on to uh, various instruments that would allow you to basically equip it in the cape slot. Um, and it would uh, turn it into, I guess, like a different item. I don't know from a technical perspective what that would uh, look like, but I mean, I guess they would be two different item IDs and they would behave differently. So one would be equipped in your hand slot and the other in the cape slot. But it would just free up your hand slot to, uh, you know, again, we're thinking in terms of a non-combat support role. Yeah. You know, if you're out doing your wood cutting, um, you know, you wouldn't need to have an instrument equipped, but also we also don't want to create a skill that's just like minus one inventory slot because now you have to carry an instrument on you everywhere. Yeah. um, This would be, you know, trying to um, alleviate that um, minor hurdle there. and uh, just give players, I don't know, a bit of a fashion scape opportunity as well. And uh, yeah, you could also find some of like the ancient hymn fragments that I alluded to a bit, and also uh, some POH blueprints, which uh, this was an idea courtesy of Gnome um, that actually comes from his exploration idea, but I um, figured it could be a, uh, an interesting inclusion here, though maybe it, uh, like I think of all things um, in this design, this could probably be one of the first things, you know, to be cut if we were trimming the fat, but um, we had some ideas for a few different uh, like POH rooms um, that you could add uh, to your house, like a brewery, a tannery, and a sawmill. I think um, that would come, you know, uh, at an increased cost for the enhanced convenience. Um, but uh, you know, the POH is already strong enough as it is. Um, that's just you know one sample suggestion for uh, for what a unique reward might look like here. I'm not gonna lie. Um, but, I don't. I don't know if you're too familiar about the clan rework, but there's clan halls now, and they're looking at adding new stuff. So imagine like there's enough people in your clan oh, that have shit. that have accomplished or gotten these clan blueprints or something, and then you could actually add things to oh. your clan halls instead of it being in That's a POH really private. Yeah. Okay. I mean, honestly, I kind of like that. Yeah, because frankly, I'm I'm of the opinion that the POH is like way too overpowered as it stands currently. Um, and it's just private. It's like you can't. Yeah. interact with anybody in it so yeah well i mean that that's another that's another big topic too i think that was one of the fundamental flaws of the construction skill in general was that you know construction could have almost been a mini game because it literally just takes place inside a private instance um until mahogany homes of course mm-hmm. um or i guess you could argue like stash units was was uh you know a little bit of token construction xp but um yeah, so we, we wanted to have, uh, we needed to at least have some training methods that just take place out in, you know, the open world for everyone to see. Um, and uh, I guess we'll move on to the uh, the last training method here. I know uh, we're going long and it's already uh, well after uh, midnight for me here. So I'll uh, try to be succinct without, uh, without rushing, but... Um, yeah, performing. This is this is kind of like the uh, the pinnacle bard training method. You know, this is uh, you know to bard as hallowed sepulcher is to agility. So um, it's the high XP, high effort, 
uh, training method um, that is hopefully fun. It's kind of hard to uh, you know to to philosophize on uh, on how fun this could be because it's it's just subject to uh, play testing. Really. Yeah, for real. Um, and that's another point I'll make briefly. Um, I think any new skill that's uh, that's ever seriously considered has to be beta tested. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. You can't to, just release yeah. this and be like, go. Yeah, yeah to just like, yeah, yeah, uh, just unacceptable. Yeah. So yeah, it would it would absolutely have to be beta tested. And uh, so with performing, you know, we've offered um, our vision for what it could look like, but it's subject to change because as fun as we think it might be, you know, with what we've kind of mocked up it's impossible to truly know until we actually had our hands on it and we're yeah. not you know developers or programmers so um this is just our uh you know theory of, of what it could look like and maybe it would be fun um but yeah this is this is the the rhythm intense uh high effort training method that uh, would exist at the top end of the skill would offer the highest xp rates and hopefully again go a pretty long way to uh, demystify the game's uh, tick system and uh, as far as what you'd be playing, uh, I think it makes perfect sense that you would play uh, some existing song soundtracks, you know, that are in game oh, already. Oh, that's you know, whether so it's sick. Classic, like Sea Shanty 2 and otherwise, <laughs> and obviously a perfect opportunity to, to introduce, uh, you know, some new unique soundtracks as well. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, why not? You know, it, it would give players a whole new, uh, whole new experience of the music in this game. And I think there's honestly quite a, a lot of good music, not just the recent stuff. It's oh, yeah. Classic too. Um, again, uh, you would need 40 bard to, uh, to begin your performances. So, you know, pretty low barrier to entry skill wise. Um, but then you would also need uh, tier three regional influence um, in any given region that would contain a performance location. So again, there's like 24 regions throughout the map that we've, we've designated. And not necessarily every one of those would have like a battle location or a performance location. I mean, there would be many of them. But, uh, you know, not every, like, I think it would be a little over the top to have like 24 hotspots for playing as well as 24, you know, battle yeah, locations, 24, like that's just, that's a lot of <laughs> development. So we're, uh, we're trying to take it easy on the devs here, even though we've already thrown so much at them. Um, yeah. So again, I mentioned this earlier, huge Guitar Hero 3 fan. And, uh, a lot of this was inspired by Guitar Hero, but also like Aim Booster that I mentioned and Osu. Um, you know, where basically the gist of this is that it's it's a it's a game about accurately and precisely clicking moving musical notes. Um, exactly how that happens, again, would completely be subject to playtesting and just what feels best and the most fun. But um, so in this first uh, mock-up here, you can see that uh, General Tractor did, of course, um, and he's got like little arrows uh, underneath the, the music notes to indicate, you know, movement, basically. Um, and this would be in more sort of like guitar hero fashion as the notes are like moving towards you and you're meant to, you know, click them in sequence. Um, we also had a different iteration of, uh, of these performances that had almost like a, like a scrolling ticker at the top that, uh, that showed you um, the notes that were coming down the line so you could kind of prepare. Um, so whether this is a game of, um, you know, just clicking the notes in sequence, um, whether it's a game of, Playing or you know trying to click the right notes versus you know the incorrect notes. Maybe they're appearing simultaneously, and so you'd have to you know select the right ones. Um, regardless of the exact manifestation of this, the whole gist is you know it's it's a clicking simulator pretty much, 
um, and a very rhythmic one. I also imagine that there would probably be some kind of uh, like tempo indicator on the screen as well. Um, that was not in the mock-up, but uh, that was something that uh, should have made the mock-up, I think. But um, yeah, again, you know, this is not meant to require you to have game audio at all. Would it help? I, I think obviously it probably would. But um, yeah, we, we would want this to, uh, to be designed in such a way that it's very clear what's going on uh, and what you need to be doing without having to have your game audio on. So other games, rhythm games, I don't know if you're familiar with, um, oh gosh, what's it called? Crypt of the Necrodancer, I think. No, nah, I never heard of it. Um, I'm, I'm not, not super familiar, but it's like a rhythm-based dungeon crawl game. And you can only, so there's like a, there's like a metronome almost on the screen. Um, where there's like, uh, it's kind of hard to explain. I won't get into it. But yeah, there, there's basically a visual indicator on the screen showing you like where the beat is, <laughs> like where the tempo is mm. so that you're not just like randomly clicking notes whenever you feel like it. Yeah. So um, yeah, the whole point of this is that you'd sort of be like clicking the notes to the, the tempo of the tune. Um, and so, yeah, we'd need to make sure that there are like clear visual indicators, you know, to explain what's going on without you having to have your game sounds on to figure it out yeah um, no i there's a lot of potential with this um i'm even thinking you know it, it's really hard because it's runescape and it's literally just like your mouse and you just gotta click and stuff um mm -hmm. but there is a lot of potential even for um environments that actually move so instead of just being in a courtyard oh, yeah. like you could right. legitimately have things uh coming or maybe falling that maybe like a uh, little musical notes literally are falling from the sky like boulders and volcano just like these things yeah, and you have yeah. to you have to hit them on the right ticks and stuff so instead of it just showing a display it's like okay let me stand under this shadow when the yeah. music thing hits yeah so there's a lot of potential no yes it. yeah no yeah that's great and you know see so that's that's just another example manifestation of this that frankly might be a bit more fun in terms of um, you know, in terms of RuneScape gameplay, it's really kind of hard to know. But yeah, but the gist is, is, you know, think, you know, Guitar Hero meets Aim Booster, basically, but in-game. Um, so, oh, oh and all sorry, I have one yeah. more thing to add as well. I, I doubt you've ever done Fasani's Nightmare. But no, I've not. There, I've seen plenty. There is uh, this attack that Nightmare does where it just summons a bunch of black holes. And I can mm -hmm. just imagine, uh, imagine like a courtyard like this summoning a shit ton of black yeah. holes, but it's very oh, yeah. clear what the rhythm is, especially if it's a 100 BPM kind of a sort of performance. Mm. And uh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. would you would have to hit certain notes. Like there would only be like three free oh, tiles in the entire thing. And so you have to plan it, but there would also be like star power <laughs> notes. So it's like you yeah, have yeah, three sure, choices, but there's a good, better and best option. And it's like sure. you're running around and it kind of like flip flops. I, there's so much potential. I just, I'm, you're talking and I'm just thinking of all these ideas going through my head. So. Well, hey, hey, I'm, I'm all on board. You know, again, this is not a prescription. This is just, you know, our example vision for mm -hmm. what it could possibly look like. But, you know, again, it, it try not to get caught up, uh, you know, in like the minutia and the details. Yeah. It, it's really more the, the concept. Um, and of course, you know, you see a, a interface alongside it as well. Um that uh, it's got a few other variables as well, like uh, your speed, volume, and uh, like your your uh, tuned or untuned status. Um, so yeah, again, the, the gist here is is that it's not just like you know game window interactions uh, where you're you know just clicking notes and stuff, but um, there's uh, 
you know, simultaneous responsibilities between doing what's expected, you know, in the game window, but also, you know, maybe you need to look at the chat box just as you would, you know, in raids, for example, um, you know, to, to see what's coming next and, you know, to have some interface responsibilities as well. You know, so like when you're in an Ulm fight, you know, you're, uh, you're obviously, you know, clicking the hands and moving around and dodging crystals under your feet. And, um, you know, you're, you're, uh, looking at, at, uh, at, you know, uh, telegraph animations and you're looking at colored orbs coming at you. Like there's a lot going on. You're switching gear, you're switching prayers. Um, so the whole point of this is to, again, create a system, um, that would, uh, create some skill transfers where, um, you know, we're, we're trying to hone, you know, these simultaneous responsibilities of, you know, this high intensity, uh, game window interaction coupled with, um, you know, some, you know, probably relatively minor, um, interface interactions and, uh, you know, just like chat box indications or even like overhead dialogue that might indicate what you need to be doing. Um, yeah. So the whole point of this is, yeah, to try and create systems that would create some skill transfers to, uh, to other areas of the game. So, um, I know firsthand, you know, when I set foot inside of, uh, chambers, uh, for the first time, I, I, uh, got my ass slapped for sure. And as did um, we all, you know, oh yeah, as did we all for <laughs> sure. Um, and you know, uh, you know, I learned through, uh, through, uh, a lot of trial and error and just, uh, you know, pretty much straight suffering <laughs> in the learning process and rating, but, um, you know, and I, that's obviously valid and has worked for plenty of people, but I think that there's also other ways that you could uh, go about creating systems that, again, just kind of help to bridge that gap yeah. so that it's not such a shock to the system for players when they arrive, you know, at that end game. It's just kind of bridging the gap a bit. Um, you know, would would doing these barred performances, you know, make you, a, you know, a, a pro PVM or overnight? You know, probably not. But um, yeah, the whole point is, 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 again, just to try and create systems that, tr that actively try and teach players skills that they need to play RuneScape and like play it well. Yep. Um, you know, exactly what that looks like, of course, is subject to change and playtesting, but this is just our example um, manifestation here. We would imagine that uh, these performances uh, wouldn't be just one singular song, but they'd, it'd be like a song set. Um, so, uh, like three songs out of a pool of like five possible songs, um, you know, and so each song would, you know, be relatively short with an optional brief intermission. And so again, it's just creating a bit of a longer gameplay loop, um, uh, at the, you know, expense of, well, you're, um, I mean, it, it's just, you know, high intensity for longer. So, um, you know, there will obviously be players that uh, are capable of doing this high intensity uh, training method for longer than others. But um, yeah, we would we would hope to devise it in such a way that, um, you know, players would feel pretty, you know, comfortable doing, you know, uh, one song set. And then again, that particular area would go on cooldown of, of some variety. Um, that would then, you know, usher the player on to, you know, the next region that they so choose. Um, and I mentioned, like, uh, in the Bards College, <clears throat> in the, yeah, the Bards Guild, um, that there would be an NPC that would pretty much be, like, a task giver for um, performances. So instead of you just sort of, like, you know, randomly running around trying to, um, you know, figure out where you want to go next, you could have a little bit of uh, direction, you know, yeah. in, like, a 
you know, a, a task or like a you know farming contract type system to just give players a little bit of direction. So, um, yeah, we're thinking, you know, for uh, for the top end here, um, you know, uh, at or near uh, 99 Bard, you know, that this skill would be a relatively fast skill. Um, I think that it would be a really hard sell to uh, to try and uh, sell players, you know, a skill like agility um, that's just so damn slow um, in comparison to others. So we're thinking, you know, that this would be a relatively quick skill, uh, especially at the top end, um, you know, upwards of maybe 300k an hour. Again, that's just basically an arbitrary figure, but to give a, a ballpark of where we're kind of at with um, with our decision making, where um, you know, in trying to make this idea as palatable as possible, I think it makes sense, you know, one, to just reward players for their in enhanced effort. Because I think that, um, I mean, outside of like, you know, a tick manipulation skilling, um, I don't think that, that RuneScape does a, a very good job of... Um, of <laughs> I'm starting to, starting to lose my brain here a little bit. Um, I don't think that uh, that the game does um, a, a good enough job of incentivizing that enhanced effort um, with you know like greater reward in the term you know in terms of XP or something. Yeah. So um, I think that there should be a reasonable disparity you know between the top you know at level ninety nine bard you know the rate of XP you're getting doing the core basic playing versus your top end you know high effort performances ought to be a pretty big disparity you know. Um, and, uh, again, we emphasize here that, uh, at no point would you be required to have your audio switched on to participate in any of, uh, these, uh, core gameplay systems, uh, or even the reward outputs. So, um, yeah, we, we want this stuff to be accessible. Um, obviously the game audio would enhance your experience, but, um, it wouldn't be a detriment ideally, um, to not have game audio. Yeah. We have a little inclusion here um of the uh the little 100 bpm rhythm game that i was uh, talking about that the uh, developers mentioned and um yeah it's just kind of cool to to see that by complete happenstance um the developers seem to uh to be not too far off of where some of our ideas are so i love just it cool to see yeah oh rewards rewards here we are uh strap in um gosh what to reward? Honestly, um, this was far and away the hardest part of our design, and we uh, we went back and forth many, many times on this. Um, of course, we we started off with the more simplistic uh, reward systems. You know, just the the things that seemed obvious. You know, so um, you'd grab an instrument, you know, maybe play a tune, and now it uh, it gives you some kind of a skilling buff that uh, you know could. Um, either be like a visible skill buff, you know, like a skilling tool almost that would enhance your, your XP slightly, or um, uh, even, you know, we went down the road of uh, maybe, you know, playing a little ditty and now it, it gives you a chance, you know, at like uh, additional resources for no extra XP. But both of those um, avenues, I think, um, have strong arguments against them, especially in terms of uh, altering XP rates. Um, I think it's pretty clear historically that the community in large including me uh, are not really about that um but also in terms of just like straight up buffing uh gathering skill output we didn't feel was uh, the right direction to go in either yeah. because again we did not want to create this like 
overwhelming obligation yeah. for players to feel like they have to train Bard and like do the Bard thing first before they can go play the rest of the game. Yeah, that's a good um, so good decision by you it's, guys. It's, <laughs> thank you. So yeah, it, it's tricky, and you know I know there was a lot of feedback about um, the the Bard rewards that we have on offer that you know they were just complex or they felt like they were like shoehorned in or didn't fit. Or, um, you know, just the fact that, you know, the reward output is not, like, linear. Um, and, you know, those are all fair criticisms. But, again, I think um, they need to be examined in light of the fact of the alternatives that I just mentioned. You know? So these linear reward outputs uh, for something like this are not so, you know, straightforward. They've got, uh, you know, their own ramifications and consequences, uh, of which we thought were mostly negative. Um, you know, a common suggestion for a potential reward output from Bard was also some kind of like group uh, skilling buff or something. Um, but again, we uh, we listed it as a potential inclusion, but with a big caveat that um, you know we we wouldn't want Bard to become a skill that just mandates altscape. You know. Like, we wouldn't want the meta to evolve to be, you know, you got to get your bard alt to, you know, stand next to you while you're fishing so you can yeah. optimize your gameplay. Like, that sounds terrible. So, yeah, it does. Um, yeah, we, we've, uh, again, maybe there's there's some possible solution that, you know, the three of us didn't arrive at that could be reached to do something like a group buff. Because, again, thinking about bard tropes, it kind of, you know, just makes logical sense for something like that to exist. But in terms of actual implementation... I think it would be way harder to get right, um, and so we went with some uh, some other things. We went with some uh, some different, uh, more sort of creative ideas, and um, big uh, big topics to discuss at the beginning here. Um, it's brought up a lot. Anytime a new skill is pitched, you know, uh, a lot of players will argue, "Why not just improve the old skills?" And um, I think that uh, those players are right. And I think that uh, I think the part that maybe they're missing out on, in my opinion, is that I don't think those ideas are mutually exclusive. Um, I think any new skill should, you know, empower and improve the existing skills. Um, but at the same time, I don't think that should necessarily come um, at the cost of not touching any of the other existing skills ever again. You know, of course, um, the the old school team. Uh, only has you know a finite bandwidth and they can only do so much at a time but I think that um, we've seen over the last nine years uh, what it looks like to try and piecemeal um, you know some uh, some skilling updates together and still here we are nine years later and all of our non-combat skills still feel pretty underwhelming in comparison yeah so I think we've we've tried that method already and um what it's resulted in, frankly, I think, is just a lot of um, kind of, you know, skilling mini games. you know, some better than others, but they sort of feel, um, I don't know, a little shoehorned in in some cases. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, like Sepulchre is a great example of something that went right because it, it fulfilled a niche in the agility skill that, uh, you know, was missing, just that high effort, high XP output instead of, you know, the brain dead rooftops. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't think improving old skills and adding a new skill or potentially multiple should be mutually exclusive. Um, just for, for fun, uh, a little while ago, I decided to, um, look at some old news posts and look at how big the team was when 
we first started this BARD project in 2019. So in the beginning of 2019, the uh, old school development team, I think was 22 members. Wow. Um, currently, it's at, I think, 64 or 65 members. Jesus. So the team has literally tripled in size since we started this project. So to me, that's a pretty good argument for saying the team's got the bandwidth to make an update of this magnitude happen. Um, but, you know, it's got to be done right, of course. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that just the, the current way that we've been trying to do skill updates with, you know, basically mini games for every skill, um, like, it, it's not a terrible idea, but it's not really doing much to, you know, Temporos is not making fishing better. It's basically just like circumventing the need to fish with some other sort of related activity. Um, which, uh, you know, some people enjoy, you know, Temporos is, is uh, you know, pretty popular, not necessarily for me personally, but um, yeah, I don't know. So um, improving old skills should not be mutually exclusive from uh, adding a new skill. It's important to note. And then we've already kind of discussed the, the skilling or versus combat debate, you know, um, yeah, combat is kind of the elephant in the room in this uh, in this um, game, and you know it's uh, already in a delicate balance as it is, and everyone's still got PTSD from you know EOC a decade ago. So um, yeah, we're not interested in uh, fundamentally altering combat whatsoever, um, only with a few minor inclusions and you know like self-contained systems like bard battles that are you know adjacent to combat, but not directly uh, impacting it. So yeah. um, that's informing um, some of the logic behind our reward systems here. Um, we give a, uh, a little TLDR, basically, of the different rewards on offer. Um, we, can, uh, we can skip past that a little bit and just uh, jump straight in for the sake of time here. But uh, yeah, Bard we see as a non-combat support skill, which would join skills you know, like agility and thieving in that category. And uh, yeah, the rewards are, are very skilling centric and um, you know, they may not be the immediate obvious uh, reward structure that you, uh, you know, may expect, but uh, you know, again, we hope, you know, that people can keep a bit of an open mind in terms of uh, you know, what these rewards could look like from this bard skill. The first of which making music. Um, I actually don't want to spend a, a ton of time on this because this would be a strictly for fun thing. Like yeah. This has nothing to do no with XP training bar, yeah. training XP, nothing. This is literally just like, if it was possible, it'd be cool to have a digital audio workstation like literally built into the game. Um, I would be a huge fan of it. Made, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I, mean, I, I, I think of Mr. Composition over here. <laughs> I mean, like, oh yeah, well, of course that. But also, I mean, just Guitar Hero World 2, or did you ever play that, the fourth one? It had a music no, maker. I you didn't. could you could make your own songs and play them. It's fucking awesome. No kidding. Wow, <laughs> so I did not this, know that. This is what but it yeah, kind of I mean, looks like as well. Just, I mean, not exactly, okay. but yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like you know, to me, I imagine you know a player design contest to like make a new soundtrack for the game. Like how how dope would that be? To That'd actually be insane. With, with in game tools, or even have you know like a like a a player uh, like. Uh, library almost you know of, of music that other players have created that you could look at and maybe play yourself or learn and that'd be so sick um, yeah just a completely for fun thing don't know exactly how feasible it is but mm -hmm. you know we're throwing it out there because i think 
it's just the obvious thing. Like, what do you get out of a music skill? The ability to make music. You know, it's like it, it's that cut and dry. Um, also, a little inclusion about um, a, an additional audio slider. We had a lot of comments about, um, you know, I don't want to hear, you know, these people griefing me, you know, while I'm trying to bank stand at the GE, you know, with their with their, uh, you know, barred uh, spam. So yeah. I think it's just again logical to add an additional slider where you'd be able to um, you know mute player made sounds or instrument made sounds and even you know by adding someone to your ignore list you could just you know literally mute them absolutely <laughs> um so yeah i think that's you know we're just covering our bases there yep. um and and you know covering uh, common points of uh, feedback um yeah yeah let's see uh where are we here okay we can go to I instruments think we can, uh, we, yeah yeah instruments um this one, I think, uh, is open still to suggestion, and uh, there's a lot of versatility here. But again, um, these little instrument effects, you know, because the instruments are your tools of bard, of course. And um, obviously, I think it, it makes sense for each of these instruments to have, you know, its own unique, uh, you know, MP3 to it, basically. But, you know, I think that each of these uh, should also serve as, uh, you know, almost like a, like a regional tool of sorts. Um, and they don't all have to have the same function. So... Um, we give a few examples. So we already have the liar in the game, um, which is charged with raw fish, and it teleports you to various locations, uh, you know, in uh, the Fremenic province. Um, so we figured, you know, there are other instruments that could possibly serve a similar function. We've got the goblin hurdy gurdy. I'd be all over this shit. Um, you know, <laughs> where you could charge it with teleport spheres, and it would teleport you to um, specific locations in Dorgish Khan. So it'd oh, be a that'd be like so a, fucking a handy. Quality of life enhancement. Yeah. So. If you don't know, the teleport spheres literally teleport you to any random location in the city on any level, and um, it's absolutely garbage. Yep. So having, you know, just like a small quality of life feature that's, you know, attached to this region's instrument just kind of makes sense, but they don't all have to be the same. So we offer, you know, a few other ideas too, where, you know, possibly the uh, the fossil island guiro, <laughs> which is a percussion instrument. You know, maybe you play it and it transports uh, fossils uh, into, you know, the containers from your inventory. Fucking love it. Something like that. Just a little bit more reasonable. Um, and then uh, as, as a minor inclusion, just to satiate those folks who uh, really have a desire to see some kind of effect on combat with Bard, we've, uh, we've uh, conceded this small amount, which is basically, you know, the most common... Uh, Thing, I think in, in terms of a bard's effect on combat that players had was, um, you know, uh, monster aggression, whether it's making monsters aggressive or making them unaggressive, you know, depending on the situation. So um, we've got the uh, the uh, the Caridian Pungy, which is literally just a fancy word for the snake charm that already exists in game. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think that would make the most logical sense of the instruments on offer, you know, to maybe play it and make uh, certain monsters uh, lose their aggression toward you. Obviously, this would have to be, um, you know, gated in certain scenarios. Like, you wouldn't want to, you know, play your snake charm and, you know, now you can just AFK bandos. Like, that's... It would have to be disabled, you know, in, in, uh, in boss encounters and other things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it would but, have to know. be, like, just normal monsters, I feel like, just, like, yeah. in the catacombs yeah. and stuff like that. Kind of cool. Exactly, you know, or think, you know, think about, you know, some lobby trying to get over White Wolf Mountain for the first yep. time, you know, like maybe, you know, something like that. And then you have the opposite of that, which is the war drum, you know, so think about, you know, you're farming, uh, you know, rock crabs on your on your one defense pure or whatever, and you, 
can't be asked, you know, to run around and aggro them all again, or your cannon ran out of cannonballs or something. Maybe you just play your war drum and, and it saves you a step. So, um, yeah, just some real minor inclusions to combat there, subject to balancing and play testing. You know, we wouldn't want anything like this to be meta changing really, or, or like game breaking, especially, but, um, yeah, that, that's about as much as we're willing to concede on the combat front. And again, those were mostly, you know, community suggestions that we, uh, we, wanted to include for the sake of just covering our bases yeah um but yeah certainly open to more ideas uh, about um you know different uh, effects that you know might seem useful or you know or even specific you know to a to a region um so yeah we of course only uh, listed a few as as examples but um yeah they're just there to kind of you know stoke your imagination and uh and get you thinking about uh, other things that they and here we've got the little inclusion about group buffs as well, where, you know, basically the, the gist of this section is like, it could be cool, but probably hard to execute, you know, and we wouldn't want this uh, to be overpowered, um, especially not, uh, you know, benefiting, you know, alt account users because, you know, that's just like summoning with extra steps yeah. in my view. The, 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 um, whole, the whole group so, buffs thing, whenever I think about it, I'm just like, it's cool yeah. in theory but if you think too deep about it it just becomes a nuisance just like uh gotta do my yeah gotta do my buffs you know like god damn it right yeah yeah so we would not want to overly obligate players to like you know have to train bard and then have to you know have their bard alt at the ready you know to <laughs> yeah. so they can actually you know play the game that's yeah. ridiculous so if anyone's got any clever ideas as to like how to make that work without it being broken feel free to let us know but um we uh, we we uh, marinated on that one for quite some time and couldn't think of any uh, real reasonable execution of that. So yeah, um, but we put it out there again, just as like a, we hear you, <laughs> your feedback and and uh, and uh, what your expectations are of you know possible bard rewards. But in our view, it would be hard to uh, to get right. Um, bardic influence. This is uh, this is the big one. This. In this iteration of Bard, again, I want to uh, make that clear that this is not necessarily a system that would have to be, um, you know, uh, tied to the Bard skill itself. But for the sake of the rewards we've offered here, um, this is the overarching system that kind of ties all of the other reward systems together. So, you know, again, think of uh, Bardic influence sort of like Slayer points, where um, well, here, I'll, I'll read the little uh, beginning bit here. So as a traveling storyteller and instrumentalist, you're constantly affecting the world and its many kingdoms and citizens, including yourself, through the power of your bardic influence. So, yeah, this is the overarching uh, reward mechanism. And, it, yeah, it's like your clout currency, basically, that you earn while just normally training bard. So you can see on the left-hand side there uh, the gaining influence box, so you'll earn a, a small amount of influence for each like completed gameplay loop, whatever that means. You know, so if a playing gameplay loop is thirty seconds, for example, you know you'll earn you know some amount of influence, um, you know, at each gameplay at the end of each gameplay loop, and uh, the influence that you earn um, can also be enhanced in various ways. So yeah, playing um, you know would earn you a small amount of uh, of influence, which again you can enhance slightly by using a region's uh, home instrument um, and then performing would uh, which is the top end training method would only earn you a moderate amount because again we wouldn't want to have high effort high xp and high 
you know, reward output all from the same training method because that would incentivize players to only want to do that. So that's why playing, or excuse me, performing, that's why uh, that high effort, high XP uh, performing training method comes at the cost of maybe not earning as much on the reward front or on the influence front compared to battles. So battles would be the, the biggest way to, uh, to flex your bard skills and, uh, and earn your clout. So, um, but yeah, with enhancing in, uh, your influence, you can do that through leveling bard. So I would imagine it you know, being like a bracketed system. So say at, you know, at level one bard with each completed uh, gameplay loop um, while you're playing, say you'd earn you know, one influence. But then say, you know, beginning at level 20 bard, you know, for that same uh, activity, for that same gameplay loop, now maybe you earn, you know, two influence or three influence. So, you know, it could scale based on bard level, and it could also scale based on quest points, achievement diaries, and I mentioned, you know, using a region's instrument. So there are different ways that you can modify your effective reward output, and we'll, uh, we'll get into what that uh, looks like now. So again, credit to General Tractor for all of the the great uh, mock-ups here. Look fantastic. Uh, but yeah, this uh, this Bardic Influence interface, there is quite a bit going on here. But basically, you've got all of the region icons that General Tractor custom made, by the way, um, at the top here. And um, yeah, so the whole idea of influence again is pretty similar to Slayer uh, points in the sense that like you're earning them through just training normally, and then you get to sort of choose how you spend uh, your influence that you earn. So it's like a generator spender kind of system. And not all of the rewards are tied to this system, but many of them are. So what that means is that um, certain reward systems, like the Anima Echoes we'll get to next, um, those are gated behind having influence. So in other words, you can't just like go out and you know farm Echoes indefinitely. Um, you would have to, you know, participate in Bard, you know, to continue earning influence so that each time you encounter one of these little, you know, random event echoes while you're training your gathering skill, um, you would, uh, it would consume some amount of influence from the region you're in. So um, hopefully that would, you know, go a long way to, to accomplish a couple things. First of all, it keeps people, you know, actually actively engaging in the Bard skill. So they're not just using Bard as like a means to an end. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's participation based, which is a bit different, you know, because uh, a lot of skills uh, in the game are kind of just like automatic unlocks for most of them. You know, you get the level and now you can do the thing. Um, there would be elements of that, of course, in Bard, but um, some of these systems would be gated behind participation, you know, in Bard to keep earning influence, to keep getting the rewards. Um but yeah, it's an expandable concept, you know. So again, influence is pretty, you know, it's a pretty vague, broad term for a reason because it could mean so many different things. Um, and, uh, you know, we've offered a few uh, ideas for what that could look like, but, you know, it's, uh, you know, an, an expandable concept for really any conceivable rewards that people would, uh, you know, find agreeable and uh, balanced, obviously. Um, yeah, and it also gives an opportunity, you know, for just... Uh, you know, more distinct rewards and, uh, and you know, again, just to kind of create some more identity for each region in the game. So, um, yeah, um, I think it's important to also uh, talk about what influence is not 
because um, it's kind of easy at first glance. I had a few uh, folks comment this that um, the influence system to them sort of uh, sort of smelled like Corinne Favor, and got to uh, got to come out and just flat out refute that point because this is not Corinne Favor at all, um, especially original Favor where you had like these mutually exclusive systems where you could only earn influence in one house, but if you earned it in an adjacent house, you would lose uh, favor. It was it was really awful. And um, also just doing completely arbitrary tasks. It was fucking miserable. Yeah. It was, it, it literally, it's the worst system they've ever added to the game. <laughs> like bar none, it's not even close. Yeah, so it's no, this is, this, is, this is not that, you know, there's no meaningless tedium of, you know, forcing you to go around and do random shit in order to get influence. Like yeah. you literally just train Bard and you get influence. Um, it's also not really like a rep system. So again, it's like in choosing which rewards, you know, again, think of Slayer points. You know, if you choose, you know, to unlock one reward, it doesn't keep, it doesn't prevent you from unlocking the other rewards on offer. Yep. You know, there are some uh, games that do that. Like uh, WoW, for example, I think has some systems like this where it's like classes, you know, you like earn... choosing like a certain thing, then you just like yeah. physically can't go up on the other ones. Exactly, exactly. Like there, there's none of that in this. Okay. Like you know, um, so yeah, I think it, it's it's uh, a point that I want to emphasize because it this system is not meant to be burdensome. It's meant to again give the player just a little bit more agency um, over how they. Uh, want to interact with the skill and what rewards they want to they want to get out of it so you know it's kind of uh, up to the player in a sense um but you know a potential downside uh you know to this whole system is that it's not really super similar to any current reward skill structures i mean i i've made some comparisons you know to slayer points for the sake of trying to like convey the idea i guess that's kind of like the the best uh, correlation that i've got but it is it is still a, a little bit different in the sense that, um, like so many of the Slayer reward points on offer, uh, kind of suck, frankly. <laughs> um, uh, obviously, you have like you know helmet, you know recolor unlocks, and you've got cask extensions and stuff, but not all of those are really ideal or optimal. Um, so you know we'd hope that all of the rewards through influence would be desirable. Um, and so again, you know because you've got only like a finite amount of influence, you know, it would sort of um, give the, the player a bit of friction in, in deciding which rewards uh, that they want to choose at that time. But they're not mutually exclusive. So if you choose, you know, this particular reward first, it's not going to gate you from getting any other rewards after. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, we've got, a, got an example here where uh, basically the idea um, in this Shopscape example want to clarify this is not an endorsement of shopscape again this is more of like an alleviation of shopscape um i don't i don't really foresee in the in the immediate future um having you know shopscape be eliminated completely um because i think it, it's just well you know uh trying to make changes in runescape is trying to you know like you know trying to take a piece of candy a from a baby yeah well you know it, it just like things take a while yeah. you know so um so uh an idea that we have with influence here so say you're performing in keldegrim or you know you're doing battles at the keldegrim pub there where nobody trains brewing um but you're you're doing your battles and you're earning some influence in keldegrim and maybe you've uh, you've earned enough to uh to unlock a new feature uh from orden who's the ore seller you know in blast furnace 
And uh, now that you've got enough clout in the area from uh, having, you know, participated in Bard in that region, um, now maybe you've got access to a new, like, special shop stock, um, you know, where in this instance, uh, you know, we give the example of a gold mining hammer, um, where it would be equipped in uh, your offhand um, alongside, you know, uh, your skilling tool, your pickaxe in this example. So, um, yeah, so coupled uh, with, you know, some uh, instrument perks as well. I think I skipped over this one a minute ago, but um, if we scroll back up just real quick to yep. the uh, to the instrument section again, um, we've got the Dwarven Viol, um, which is, you know, the precursor to the violin, basically. But uh, an example effect here of um, playing, uh, you know, this Viol, which is the region instrument of Keldegrim, um, to access more of uh, uh, Dondekin's gold mine um, with, you know, dense gold rocks and an ore deposit point is what uh, General Tractor listed there. Love it. Um, yeah, but, you know, basically the, the idea is that you could sort of, uh, you know, try and synthesize some of these rewards a bit so that you can use your clout in this region to unlock this tool that you can use anywhere, but then maybe couple it with an instrument effect, and now all of a sudden maybe you have a realistic way of actually obtaining gold at a reasonable rate without just like, you know, straight up, you know, world hopping at blast furnace, you know, <laughs> until you can't anymore. Yeah. So, um, yeah, again, this is just one example of how this could look, but, um, yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's so many different manifestations of, of what this influence system could look like, but yeah, this is just one example of, you know, train in an area you earn some clout because you know you've established yourself you know as as a you know a musician in this region you know the npcs uh you know maybe treat you a little differently and maybe you want to uh you know help a brother out a bit so you know they could uh, have a enhanced shop stock um you know with an item like this that could enhance your gathering um that's kind of the gist um yeah, so that's influence in a nutshell. Now let's talk about some of the uh, the reward systems that influence is gated by. Um, and uh, anima echoes is uh, the first of those systems. So anima echoes. This was this was a section where when I listened to your uh, ramble on this, um, it was interesting hearing your initial uh, just take and uh, your you know at your first uh, glance there, um, and I feel like I recall you um, making, I don't know if it was just an offhand statement or just um, a comparison to summoning, but uh, there were a couple of people who um, were a little bit confused by this section uh, in uh, the Reddit thread. Um, but basically these anima echoes, in a nutshell, these are like random events of old days, but with a bit more flavor, uh, a bit more um, you know, interaction, and a bit more, or maybe a decent bit more reward. Um, you know, gathering skills in particular are just so one-dimensional now. And years back, we voted as a community to remove the dangerous random events from the game. And I think that really only served to highlight just, uh, you know, how boring gathering skills really are um, because of that. And so we figured this could be an interesting opportunity and a creative way to um, enhance the gathering skills uh, with a little bit of you know fun gameplay and reward from it, but without overshadowing, you know the gathering skills or you know trying to be a replacement for your player. Yeah. So um, the idea here is that um, well, I'll read the the flavor text at the beginning. So the life force that imbues all the living things on Gilinor 
known as the anima mundi, is a byproduct of a balanced ecosystem maintained in part by Guthix himself. His efforts were hampered by the God Wars, and your bard abilities are needed now more than ever to help restore balance to the natural world. So these little anima echo creatures, they're anomalies in this anima mundi, in this world life force. And, um, you know, they're almost like, you know, another, uh, it's almost like another dimension kind of thing. Um, and uh, they appear, you know, to players as ethereal creatures. And we can see this, uh, this lovely 3D um, modeled scene from Gnome where it looks like, uh, you know, the players dressed up in hunter garb playing a recorder uh, to this little, uh, you know, ethereal looking chinchampa. <laughs> and um, so, uh, yeah, there are these ethereal, you know, extra dimensional creatures, basically, that are like anomalies in this world life force because it's out of balance, you know, because you, you're, you know, you're, you're harvesting the land without, you know, replacing it at all. Um, and uh, so because these, you know, creatures are, are special, um, they're not able to be, um, you know, like captured through normal means. They can only be interacted with and, and soothed through music. I love and, it. And, uh, that, I, and that helps to restore balance to the ecosystem. I was very so. confused at this part because it is just so different. Yeah. But yeah. it actually is really fucking cool, actually, now that I'm looking at it a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, again, the TLDR here is that these are, like, random events of the old days, but, uh, you know, but the modern version. And, um, yeah, so these, uh, these are not adversarial encounters. These are cooperative encounters. And the reason they're called Echoes, and you can sort of uh, see this in the, in the 3D model scene here, but... Um, the gist of it, and we'll see this uh, a little bit further down as well if you want to scroll down a bit. Um, yeah, so um, here's the gist. Um, in order to find these things, because first of all, this is an opt-in reward system. So like, if you don't want to fuck with this and, and see this at all <laughs> or play an instrument or deal with magical creatures or whatever, then you don't have to. But the way that you uh, sort of enable yourself to, uh, to find these is by playing you know, at around a bard camp um, from, you know, the core playing training. And after doing that, you know, for X amount of time, we'll say just like one gameplay loop for the sake here, uh, you'll earn a gathering song buff. And that song buff is going to uh, correlate to whatever region you're in, and hopefully thematically. So if you start in Falador, you know, you're playing outside the, the Falador East Bank, and after one gameplay loop, you get this song buff that's, uh, that's a mining song buff, which means that anywhere out in the game world, um, you would be able to encounter um, some of these uh, echoes while you're mining. Um, this wouldn't work for things, you know, like Motherload Mine or Blast Mine or any of, like, the minigame activities, because, you know, they serve a, a niche of their own. So this would be targeted at, like, your core, you know, gameplay or gathering skills, you know, so whether you're mining iron or gold or fishing sharks or monkfish, that kind of thing. Um, so you'd have to, you know, depending on what gathering skill you want to be training, would sort of determine, um, you know, where you need to go to get the right buff. But once you get your song buff, you know, it's almost like drinking a potion. You know, it's on a timer. You'd probably find the timer in, like, your instrument uh, options interface or, you know, a Runelight plugin. And um, with that buff active, you then have a chance to, uh, to have an echo appear while you're doing your gathering. We use the phrase summon an echo, which I think might have led to some confusion and like correlations with summoning. So summoning was definitely not the right word to use here because this has nothing to do with summoning. Like 
these aren't creatures you just like summon on demand and that's what i that was my mistake i was thinking like no no you would just have you just can just summon these whenever you want with music yeah so again that's 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 on us i think uh where you know we could have done uh, better to explain uh this section but you know something as trivial as just using that word there led to all kinds of confusion that we didn't anticipate because we obviously know what we mean yeah. but when people read you know what we've written you know obviously not having the background we do it's easy to uh to misinterpret things so that one's definitely on us but yeah this has nothing to do with summoning this is just like random events plus basically um, so yeah, you'll just have a chance to uh, to spawn uh, one of these echoes, um, and again, it's a cooperative encounter. So when you uh, when you um, do spawn one of these things, um, you'll uh, click the listen to option to begin the encounter. And uh, if you scroll down a little bit, you'll see uh, the mock up uh, under the uh, surprise encounter. I'm looking at it. Um, yeah, so the reason these are called echoes is because when these things spawn and you begin the encounter, they'll begin to emit like a little note sequence. And uh, your job is to uh, echo that sequence back in close proximity to the little creature. And that's how you sort of restore its spirit and, you know, heal the uh, the rift in, in uh, <laughs> the environment and restore balance. But these uh, creatures are sort of evasive and, uh, you know, so they've got little mechanics that prevent you from getting close, you know, to, to end the encounter. So you can either use uh, your bard uh, abilities, maybe, you know, a particular embellishment or something. Um, you know, maybe there are particular instruments that have embellishments that are better suited, you know, for woodcutting echoes. You know, maybe a woodcutting echo, um, you know, like roots you to the ground or something and prevents you from moving. And maybe you have, uh, you know, a special instrument effect that, you know, uh, that releases you from that that bind. Or maybe you could even use, you know, your gathering skill tool to do that. So, you know, there'd be options for how you'd, uh, you engage with these things. But, um, yeah, the gist would be that uh, they've got a little, you know, note sequence that's almost, you know, like the, the key to, to solving, you know, this little encounter. And uh, you'd have to echo it back to them probably multiple times in order to, uh, to end the encounter. And uh, if you scroll down a bit further, you'll see that um, each of the gathering skills would have their own unique set of these things. We've offered quite a few, uh, and you can see that they've also got little mechanics, you know, uh, you know, from the same kind of pool of uh, of mechanics. And um, depending on your bard level and you know the tier of resource you're gathering, will really determine uh, the tier of echo that you find. So you know if you're level 80 bard and you're cutting magic trees you know you're much more likely to uh find a higher tier uh echo and thus you know a more slightly more difficult encounter than you know if you were still 80 bard but cutting you know oak trees yeah um and vice versa you know if you're if you're level 15 bard um but you're cutting magic trees you're still probably going to get a low uh a low level encounter but maybe a chance to receive a high one again subject to balancing but um yeah these are just these are just uh random events with a little bit more flavor spice and and everything nice you know i love it um and as far as rewards go um the rewards well i guess it's also important to mention that these like uh the topmost uh tier of echoes have uh the potential to deal you like some serious physical damage so you know, hashtag make skilling dangerous again a little bit. 
um, you know, nothing crazy over the top, but you know, I kind of miss the the days of old, you know, where you'd be AFKing, you know, magic trees back in the day, and you know, a tree ant would spawn and you know, clap your cheeks while you're in the bathroom or something, <laughs> and, and then your all your stuff, you know, drops to the ground, and and you know, it appeared to the the guy AFKing next to you, you know, after a minute back in the day, and and now you're so shit out brutal. of luck. So, <laughs> so yeah, fucking brutal. yeah. So you know, maybe maybe not that intense. Obviously, death mechanics are different these days, but you know, just just to add a little bit of variety and spice to gathering skills, especially, and, you know, we've intentionally targeted, you know, the core um, gameplay loops here, you know, so not, you know, Tithe Farm, you know, not, uh, yeah, uh, you know, Temporos or, or Motherload Mine, you know, those, those things serve their purpose. So we're really targeting just like the core old school gameplay here and just trying to make it a little bit more, more exciting and lucrative. So looking yeah. at the rewards... Again, the little uh, cards courtesy of Gnome. Um, the drop tables here would be very akin to Impling loot tables and um, would primarily focus on uh, rewards, uh, like raw resources again, of course, but also, you know, runes and uh, clue scrolls, possibly. And uh, just in general, you know, things that would hopefully help to just reduce that burden of shopscape, you know? So this wouldn't be a, a replacement by any means, but again, you know, Bard is a non-combat support skill, so we're trying to come up with, you know, creative, inventive ways to enhance the gathering skills, you know, without just, like, replacing them or overshadowing them with, you know, just domineering systems that, uh, you know, that that just invalidate these existing skills. So that's why, you know, we have uh, anima echoes that, you know, still require you to participate in your gathering skill as you normally would. And then, you know, these are almost, you know, I would, I would even go as far as to say that these could be labeled as like a, a distraction and diversion. Yeah. Where. That's um, really yeah, cool because really the only distraction and diversion we have right now that's actually popular is clue scrolls. Like that's it really. Yeah. True. So. Yeah. Cause I guess, I mean, I think the, the actual designation of D and D um, came into the game with uh, shooting stars. Um relatively recently like of course clue scrolls are, are a distraction and diversion uh, in and of themselves but i don't think they actually carried the the label of D, at least like in the game but now there's actually like a little you know yellow you know quest looking icon to uh, to designate distractions and diversions so um yeah i would say that these echoes are definitely in like the D D type category um because yeah i mean they're it's literally what they're meant to to do you know they're meant to sort of distract and divert you from your core gathering gameplay just to go do a fun little encounter real quick and hopefully make a good buck from it. um you know so we we hope that these would be you know designed in such a way that you wouldn't just want to do them for the loot that they offer but hopefully you know the gameplay itself would be a reward uh, of its own yeah um Again, tough to know without playtesting, so you know it, it's subject to iteration and stuff still. But that's the gist. And then, as far as loot goes, obviously, you know, if you're—I um, feel like I've said the word "obviously" about three thousand times tonight. <laughs> I haven't noticed. But, Maybe you've noticed. I haven't. <laughs> well, I, I've noticed. I'm going to try and stop. But anyway, um, yeah. When uh, so when you're training, you know, you're woodcutting again, for example, and you find one of these little creatures, you know, and you do the little encounter, you echo the the note sequence back. And then, you know, Guthix blesses you with, uh, you know, your reward. You wouldn't want to just have your inventory, you know, just completely full of random shit from these anima echoes. So, um, 
we actually completely ripped this from Trailblazer League, uh, the Crystal of Memories that would like teleport you to your last location, uh, except we're, we called it uh, the Crystal of Melodies. <laughs> um, that would basically uh, more or less work like a looting bag, um, but specifically just for the Echo Loot, and uh, it'd be it'd, uh, equip in your ammo slot. And so every time you would uh, complete one of these uh, Echo Encounters, the loot would be, or, you know, toggleable, I guess. Um, but, you know, all else equal would go to this uh, this Crystal of Melodies uh, sack that you would keep in your ammo slot, and it'd only be, you know, accessible, uh, you know, from the bank. And that That's item. cool. So, I like it. Um, same kind of restrictions. And you would get that item from an optional, you know, sort of like barred tutorial entry quest. Like, it wouldn't be a hard lock, you know, like Juridic Ritual is for Herblore, but... Just like a basic quest, it would start in uh, in uh, the Rising Inn Tavern in Falador. I, I concepted this. At a, um, it's in a Google Doc somewhere. We didn't include it because we didn't have room, really. Um, but yeah, just a little uh, entry quest to Bard called Bardic Dawn. Um, that would begin uh, at the Rising Sun Inn. Get it? You know, Dawn, Rising. <laughs> anyway. um, yeah, so it would basically uh, be optional but you know you'd be incentivized to do it because this uh this little pouch that holds all your echo loot would be you know pretty valuable I think. yeah so um yeah that's echoes in a nutshell rewards um you know focused around helping to alleviate that burden of shopscape again it's not going to be a complete um you know panacea to uh to that problem but hopefully it would go a decent uh way towards um you know, just making your core gathering training worth it, because <laughs> I feel like uh, these days it's uh, it's hardly worth it at all. Yep. Um. Uh. The next bit here, we're we're getting through to the end, folks. We're getting through to the end. I'm gonna kind of fast track through uh, some of these sections at the end because I think we've kind of hit a lot of the core bits now. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, I know we've been going for like a billion hours now, and it's it's uh, incredibly late on my end here, and as it is for you. So, <laughs> hey, I just want to say, like, I- I'm good. Like, I-, I want you to, I want you to finish strong. Okay. Like, w- we're good on time on yeah, my yeah. end. So, okay. Well, hey, thanks. I mean, yeah, we're we're definitely smashing the time record right now. But you know, I think uh, in my defense, after having spent you know easily over a thousand hours. <laughs> Uh, you know, cogitating yeah. uh, and and struggling on this project for so long. You know, I think that uh, just a couple hours to kind of you know clarify some things. And I know you've obviously got a, a great audience, and uh, including a number of uh, you know J mods and developers too. So you know, I'm trying to keep that in mind as well. That you know, in the event that you know uh, any J mods are, are listening and want to just hear you know some more context here that. Um, you know, hopefully it, it, this might give uh, give the devs a little bit more insight yeah. um, into just our, our you know, train of uh, thought and, and, you know, how to potentially execute on this. Again, obviously, completely speculative and that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, you know, I just want to try and do this whole thing justice, and there's a lot to look at. But, um, yeah, again, I, I hope that, you know, so far I, I've, I've tried to draw, um, you know, some com- comparisons for each you know, section here to hopefully try and, um, you know, make each uh, part of this design a little bit more digestible. So comparing the Anima Echoes, you know, to, uh, you know, random events of old days and, you know, comparing performing to, um, you know, like Hallowed Sepulcher is to agility type of thing. So, um, yeah, there's a lot going on here, but, you know, there are a lot of moving parts, but as I mentioned before, you know, not all of this would have to necessarily be included straight away, you know, on an initial 
theoretical bard yeah. launch. You know, some of these things could be introduced down the line. Like this next section, melody riffs, this would be another uh, distraction and diversion, basically. Um, that, uh, you know, would be sort of similar to like shooting stars. Um, but yeah, the gist here, it's almost kind of like Stranger Things where you've got like the upside down realm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the, the gist here is that uh, there are like dynamically generated resource areas, but they're hidden. They're not, you know, we didn't want to just like tack on, um, you know, extra areas to the game that just feel kind of forced and artificial. So um, yeah, just these, these little subtle portals that would uh, lead you to an alternate, you know, echo uh, dimension or realm. Um, where, uh, yeah, it would be a, a finite, like, time-gated um, resource area that would have, you know, mid- and high-level resources. Um, it would require, uh, you know, 40 bard and uh, likely, you know, some tier of influence to be able to, like, find these things. But, um, yeah, so the gist is uh, these things would, um, well, I'd imagine they'd be on some type of rotation, you know, similar to shooting stars, so they wouldn't be, you know, freely accessible everywhere all the time. Um, but they'd be sort of, you know, dynamically generated and there'd probably be, you know, predictable locations over time. But, um, yeah, the gist is, is that these are, are time-gated encounters, just like shooting stars. So they don't last forever, so you can't farm them indefinitely. Um, and, uh, you know, in order to um, access these, you're going to need some influence because um, the more time you spend inside these uh, melody rifts, uh, the more influence that consumes. So there's a trade-off there. You know, you're earning your, uh, you're earning your, you're gathering uh, rewards, um, you know, in a pretty finite, you know, you know, close space there, um, you know, that's dense with lucrative resources and also, you know, some roaming echoes that you could encounter and, you know, get loot from. But that comes at the expense of, you know, of depleting your influence. So again, you know, it's creating a system that isn't just like infinitely farmable and hopefully that means not infinitely bottable either um that's another sort of reason for you know the, the existence of the influence system is to hopefully try and deter some level of botting yeah it's obviously not going to there i go saying obviously again um <laughs> it's uh it's not uh going to eliminate you know, botting uh, from occurring, of course. Yeah. But, botting can't you know, be removed from any. I mean, there's literally botting in medium clues now. I mean, I saw a video of it. Like, there's literal really? bot farms doing medium clues. Doing. Oh, was that that? Was that that Sir Pugger video yes. that just dropped recently? Yeah, it's crazy. I like, they are everywhere. There, there are people legitimately botting in. Like, there's terminators out in the wilderness that are full robots killing everybody. Oh, it's my like God. you can't. Yeah, we we can't design content around like removing bot. Yeah. Like they will find you, a way yeah, to infiltrate. You yeah, you can't. You can't. And you know, so and yeah, so we we were intentional in not designing content specifically to try and avoid exploitation. Yeah, like you said, it's it, inevitable. Yep. Um, but you know, we also wanted to at least have it as a consideration and another you know possible argument for something like an influence system because. You know, if there is a barrier to entry and, you know, active participation required, you know, for continued access to some of these rewards like Echoes and these uh, Melody Rifts, hopefully that would, you know, at least go some way in at least, you know, preventing the bots from accessing them so freely. Yeah. So that hopefully in the time that they're not accessing the rewards, you know, they're being banned. <laughs> so, um, you know, maybe that's just me being hopeful. But anyway, you've got these dynamically generated resource areas. I'd imagine they'd exist in in multiple 
uh, locations across the game world simultaneously. So not like there would just be one, you know, one entrance per game world or something. But um, yeah, and also the the resources inside these would be instance per player. Um, again, to incentivize, you know, social activity, not uh, ruthless competition. Um, and uh, you would kind of find these things uh, using like an instrument's embellishment as almost like a locator orb. So um, we got a cute little mock-up here where, you know, you'd play an instrument's embellishment, you know, if you unlocked it through battles. And uh, then, yeah, it'd give you sort of like a little note of uh, musical, tra uh, or a little trail of musical notes um, that you could sort of follow that would uh, would lead you to the entrance. And uh, yeah, they're, they're only open for a finite amount of time. Um, so, you know, it, it may, uh, you know, behoove you to, you know, work with other players, um, just like with shooting stars or even, you know, like penguin hunting back in the day where, you know, it would behoove you to arrive at this thing sooner, um, you know, so that you can take full advantage of, of how long this, uh, you know, this, uh, melody rift is around. But um, yeah, so, you know, I envision this to not necessarily be like a group activity, but it could, you know, have some benefits from cooperating with other players, you know, to, to find these things more quickly so you can take full advantage. Because again, they only last uh, a temporary amount of time. Yep. Um, yeah, so inside here, you know, you've got your, uh, your usual mid and high level standard resources, like we've got some rune rocks here. Um, some other special trees and also just like other resources we got like the uh, the uh, the gourd tree from raids um, which this was sort of a, a, a quick mock-up relatively speaking compared to everything else yeah. but um, there would also you could also expect to find you know some new resources that I mentioned uh, way back in the instrument making bit you know whether it's uh, bamboo or gourds or new ebony logs or um, you know even you know the new zinc ore uh, could possibly be found in here and are these um, only founded melody riffs no okay. no uh we didn't we didn't uh we chose not to go into detail about like where else you could find these things because again it's sort of beyond the scope of bard but no we would we would expect that these uh new uh newly introduced resources would also be um accessible in like the the wider game world as well okay um but uh you know they would probably be on the rare side um, you know, in, in terms of, you know, just their prevalence in the open game world. So the idea of these melody riffs is that there'd be like a concentration, you know, of, of valuable resources yeah. in one spot um, where you could sort of, uh, you know, pick and choose what's most valuable to you. And also all of this uh, loot from in here would be stored in that same, uh, that same bag as uh, the echo. Loot. So um, yeah, so you could, you could sit here and, you know, again, this is meant to be like a distraction and diversion where, uh, you know, I don't think that most players would ideally, you know, only be hunting these melody riffs, but it's something that, you know, uh, maybe you, you happen to find one that's nearby, you yep. know, where you're doing your skilling training. And so you just run over real quick for, I don't know, five minutes or however long these things last and, you know, go and, uh, you know, farm your resources and hang out with, uh, you know, with, uh, with your gamers, uh, and, uh, have a good time. And, uh, so obviously from these, you should also expect to have some kind of like rare reward as well. I think that's one thing that's actually uh, really lacking in the non-combat skills. One hundred percent. No, like literally, that is no chase. Item. Yeah, yeah. No. I mean, and and the chase items that you could theoretically have, you know, like dragon equipment, you know, dragon tools, for example, you know, they come from PVM. Yep. 
Um, I mean, I guess Winter Todd is a yeah. It is sad. It, it's a it's a complete missed opportunity. Um, I mean, so that that is literally about. just to uh, say, like in Slayer. I mean, the reason Slayer is so fucking fun is like you kill these new things and you have a rare chance of getting something. With skilling, it's like no, you yeah. know exactly what you're getting. In fact, the yeah, only exactly. thing they've ever really added is like, oh, maybe you'll get a sapphire from mining. But it like literally take it yeah. took the resource and the XP <laughs> to give you a sapphire. It's like Jesus. Exactly. Yeah. It's 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 tragic. Yeah. To to put it lightly. So yeah, we feel that um, that you know skilling definitely deserves some chase items, and these are just our examples. Because again, you know, trying to be careful and, and tiptoe and you know respect what's currently there while filling you know a, a different niche that's yet to be fulfilled. So we've uh, we've offered granite and obsidian tools. So. Um, granite would be like a rune equivalent in terms of XP, and obsidian would be a dragon equivalent. But the the interesting bit here is that um, these would give the same amount of XP, um, but they'd give you a greater chance at encountering echoes Ooh, while you're doing your core gathering training. So again, trading off from you know maximizing your XP. Also, it's worth noting these uh, tools would not be upgradable, you know, into like their infernal and crystal mm-hmm. equivalents. So there's the other part of the trade off. So again. You're, you'd be choosing to optimize for your echoes and your reward output versus your XP, you know, with your other um, skilling tools. Um, and so you'd unlock a recipe, basically. And so the granite one would be made with a chunk of granite and a diamond. And obsidian uh, tools would be made with the new obsidian uh, ore and an onyx. So, um, yeah, just uh, some examples of, you know, possible chase items. Yep. But I think that uh, regardless of whether it's, you know, these... Um, you know, side grade tools or something else. I think that that's something that's definitely worthy of more consideration. Just how can you make non-combat skills, specifically the gathering skills, just be more uh, enjoyable and and give them more of a purpose. And I think adding some chase items would be a bit would go a long way in doing that. Absolutely. Um, and then here we've got the POH additions uh, as well that could also be a rare reward from uh, from battles. But you'd have a higher chance of finding them uh, through uh, these melody riffs here, and again, uh, some quick mock-ups from Gnome as uh, what these uh, POH rooms could look like: the Tannery, Brewery, Sawmill. Um, you know, and again, these would have um, an enhanced uh, convenience, but the trade-off would be uh, an increased cost. Um, you know, subject to uh, to change again. Like I said, I think this is probably one of the weaker parts of the design because it, it's admittedly a little bit shoehorned relative to everything else yeah um but you know we're just throwing ideas out there throwing out the fat i mean there's a bunch of fat here you know but you can take it or leave it yeah that's cool yeah exactly exactly you know and i'm i'm happy to uh to openly admit that too you know again there's a lot here obviously um but uh yeah it's out there the college of bards the bards guild um i'm gonna uh just kind of um just sort of breeze over this one a little bit because, um, well, it's not in the game yet, yeah. frankly. And um, again, this is us sort of future-proofing um, the skill, but the College of Bars already has a lot of illusions in the game, so we figured might as well make it the Bard's Guild, and uh, it would be in the floating city of Tempestus uh, within the yet-to-be-released Kingdom of Varlamore, which, again, the entire Kingdom of Varlamore is literally credited to General Tractor. Yeah, because uh, he designed it. He came up with the name and and first mapped it. You know, in his Zaya redesign so many years ago. So, um, just kind of cool that it's sort of come full circle, and now we're you know <laughs> beginning to you know expand upon this yet to be released uh, kingdom here. And 
I don't know, it's it's pretty cool. And uh, within this uh, guild, the, the guild would actually be not just sort of like one building, but almost like a, a collection of, of buildings. You can see in the, in the uh, map sample there. Um, but yeah, there'd be some facilities and hotspots, one of which uh, would be like a workshop that uh, would give like a rotating chance of, you know, maybe making one particular type of instrument a bit faster, you know, to give incentive. Um, and then uh, there'd be a performance zone, of course, that uh, depending on how well you do would give you like a temporary uh, visible buff. Um, and uh, also the potential for maybe PvP bard battles, um, you know, not for XP, but, you know, just for, uh, you know, Twitter clout, basically. <laughs> and, uh, and then the library as well, which this is an interesting bit. Um, that was mostly uh, General Tractor's brainchild, but uh, these uh, the notion of these epic folk tales he's calling them, which are basically almost like um, there's a little section uh, just down below here um, where uh, it would almost be like a musical retelling of of um, of another adventurer's uh, stories in the game, and um, you would uh, you'd be they would only be a one time thing. And uh, they'd there'd be one, you know, for probably each region, or maybe you know many of them, perhaps not all. And uh, yeah, the the whole gist of this is that again, it's just like a special thing you can do as a one-off, um, you know, mostly lore-centric uh, part of this design here. And it's yeah, it's basically like an interactive memory. So you're like you know a bard, as I've mentioned, is not just a musician but a storyteller. So it's almost like you're trying to learn. Uh, about this adventurer's uh, story and you're recounting it, you know, as if you're, you know, retelling their tale and you're sort of like reliving it, re-experiencing it. And there'd be different musical elements that you'd, uh, that would be very similar, you know, to interactions you'd find in performances and battles and stuff that um, you would do throughout these, uh, these little encounters. And again, it's mostly just like a for fun thing. But, um, you know, one of the perks from the, the Bard's Guild here, of course, would be an outfit. Uh, you know, those have become uh, pretty commonplace, and uh, the outfit would not give you more Bard XP, it'd give you more influence. Um, and then perhaps, you know, through unlocking uh, these folktales, which some of them would be gated behind quests and stuff, um, you know, they could uh, give, you know, cosmetic uh, alterations to the performer's outfit, depending on, you know, your quest completion and that type of thing. Um, few other rewards um uh, a troubadour's trunk that's a pretty big one you know so that would almost be like the seed vault so of course we're offering a bunch of new instruments and stuff and uh bank space isn't as much of an issue these days but you know we'd want to alleviate that as much as possible so yeah there'd be uh there'd be a um, a trunk basically available in the bard's guild for you to store some of your top end instruments and clear up your bank i have um, a i have yeah. a question about that actually would that be yeah. similar to a leprechaun where it would be in other places too with the same instanced uh bank sort of thing for your instruments i would, would i would i would there? imagine so okay i would imagine so yeah um i mean i could honestly see it going down either way but i don't see i i would imagine that you know just for the sake of convenience that the tool leprechaun uh method would probably be best yeah um now again there is another reward there the uh the agent's beret that would be a you know a relatively low cost influence reward that uh, would give you unlimited teleports uh to the college um so that would make you know accessing you know this this trunk if it were just in one location it would make accessing it be you know a little yeah. bit less burdensome but um yeah you know we don't we don't uh we really want to avoid 
um, bard becoming a skill of, you know, how well you can juggle instruments in your inventory. That's just not fun. So, um, yeah, they've come up with all kinds of uh, creative solutions to, to combat things like that. So I think, yeah, that the uh, leprechaun um, method there is probably the way to go with something like that. So I'm looking at the juniper berries. And it looks like a robin pet. Where does that come from? Just yeah. anywhere? Anywhere in uh, bard? Well, like, or what? What are you thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so of course, it would it would come through your uh, your your training methods of playing, battling, and performing. And, and I had imagine there'd obviously there I go saying obviously again. Damn it! Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I now literally I'm, I'm don't so hear it until aware. you call it out. Like I literally yeah, can't. Well, yeah. Well, I'm also at like the the nearly three a.m. delirium here. So <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, it's it's getting to me, but I'm trying. People to are probably it. listening to this in like the early, like like 11 a.m. or so. They can't. They yeah, don't yeah. understand. This is literally past midnight right now. Yeah, yeah, well past midnight. But I'm I'm having a blast. So me too. Anyway, thanks for thanks for listening to me uh, ramble about this shit for so long. Um, yeah. So the Robin Pet, uh, which we have a an uh, 3D model of in the uh, the final like recap section, but. Um, which was modeled by uh, my uh, my friend Life, who I mentioned uh, has the the thirty defense uh, UIM series going on. Um, he he also dabbles a little bit in three D modeling, and so he modeled the uh, the Robin pet, and we picked the Robin because first of all, um, well, when I was living in Oregon for quite some time, um, I didn't realize until then, but just like how prevalent the uh, the American Robin was there, and it's a beautiful bird with um, like a pretty jet black. Uh, backside but a real like dark reddish uh sort of chest and they're, they're a songbird and so you know i i felt that it was uh you know natural to have uh you know a songbird that was you know one of my favorite uh birds as a sort of amateur bird watcher um to be the uh to be the pet and then uh, yeah awesome. we just offer uh these these juniper berries as uh, as a transmog you know just a cosmetic transmog to a different songbird Love it, and uh, we've we've also got um, the the three or I guess actually these are uh, not three D modeled but uh, still two D mockups of uh, performers outfit from Atlantis OSRS on Twitter. So shout out to Atlantis for uh, for those. That was a sort of last minute inclusion, but very happy that we got uh, some kind of visual on a possible performers outfit there too. I think it looks really nice. Very cool. Yeah, so that's the Bard's Guild. Um, Ancient hymns. I mentioned these earlier. Uh, these are a reward component found um, either from uh, your training, like in battles and performances, or uh, more commonly from like your your uh, little D and Ds of uh, your melody riffs and echoes. Um, but yeah, they're kind of like totems, uh, schizo totems, where you'd find them in three fragments and then uh, combine them together um, in order to uh, to reveal a puzzle. Um, and the little puzzle that's included here is actually a solvable puzzle um, that uh, General Tractor mocked up as his tradition. So um, I don't know for any puzzle enthusiasts there, I guess. Well, um, you could you could try and uh, solve it or at least uh, try and figure out the the logic there. But anyway, it's just a sample, of course. But yeah, the whole uh, gist of this is that um, the the puzzle is basically giving you information as to how to consecrate um, this hymn. So um, you find these fragments through training and also even through reward systems like the echoes. And uh, you combine the fragments for this puzzle. And once you sort of deduce what the puzzle is telling you, it's basically giving you instructions. And so that's like the transcription part more or less. So next to the puzzle there, um, you'll sort of see a, a very 
you know, succinct breakdown. We, we intentionally sort of uh, avoided putting too much detail here because, you know, um, something like this could easily be included, you know, far down the line after a barred, uh, you know, a theoretical barred launch. Yeah. But basically there's parts to the puzzle. You'd have to translate some lyrics or, you know, some, uh, some uh, runic symbols. And that would basically like reveal an instrument that you need to complete the puzzle. And then um, there'd be some musical notes that you'd have to sort of uh, figure out what that means. And uh, after decoding it, it would reveal to you a prayer bonus. So like uh, for, you know, master tier clues, you've got certain clue steps that say, you know, wear this amount of, you know, mage uh, bonus in order to complete this step type of thing. Similar kind of thing, but uh, you'd have to have like a specific prayer bonus gear very uh, cool. equipped and then and then you'd also uh, it also reveal a location so basically you've got your your prayer garb you've got a particular instrument and you've got a location so uh you roll up with all of those things and your hymn of course and you uh you know complete a little you know ritual to like consecrate your hymn or to sort of make it holy and uh and that's the completion of that one particular puzzle again there's like a finite set of these things so there's only 24 of them that you can see in the bard hymnal interface if you scroll down just a bit um, and uh, so these completed puzzles you'll store in your uh, hymnal, which is inside any music workshop that you've, uh, that you've got access to. And um, what you then do with these completed puzzles is you uh, engrave their lyrics into a master tier instrument. And that gives it a unique bard uh, benefit for your training. And um, you can only engrave uh, one set of lyrics with one instrument. Um, so it's not like you can just have one instrument with all of the effects. <laughs> so you have to uh, sort of pick and choose. And in this version, we've given the players, again, the agency to, you know, decide how they want to combine instruments and uh, these engraved lyrics for these special effects. Um, and so um, in creating um, one of these, uh, well, it, sorry. In, um, let me back up here. Yep. Um yeah, so uh, after having you know any master level instrument that uh, that you want to use, you can take one of these uh, completed puzzles and engrave its lyrics, and that creates basically another tier, effectively, of instrument uh, called a divine instrument. So that's just and right again, beyond master. Yeah, yeah, okay. it's 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 uh, well, yeah, it is an upgrade. It's not it's not a side grade, so it is sort of an upgrade. But um, yeah, and uh, and they're interchangeable too. So. Um, you know, it, it's not like, uh, at least I would envision it to be. So yeah. it's not like if you were to, you know, uh, put one of these effects on an instrument, like it would, you know, like that's it. Um, you'd be able to sort of mix and match as you see uh, fit. Now, again, maybe that's giving the player too much agency. Maybe there's, um, you know, maybe certain effects only go with certain instruments or something, you know, to reduce the, the amount of choice you're giving the player. Um, it's hard to know, but... Um, the point is, is that, you know, you could complete these little musical, you know, uh, sort of uh, almost, you know, like uh, holy puzzles. And this was, again, I mentioned this was actually like one of the training methods originally, and I'm really glad it didn't end up that way. But um, I felt it was, it was important to still include something like this because, you know, Bard was founded in, you know, medieval musical practices. And back in the day, um, Bards... Uh, obviously had a, a large secular practice outside of the church, but they also had heavy involvement in the church and with sacred music practice. And so I thought that there needs to be some kind of inclusion 
or tie in with with prayer and just sort of like the holy element yeah. of, of being a bard. And I think that this is a pretty nice uh, inclusion that that sort of fits that bill. You know, it's not over the top or anything. Yeah, it's, but a, it's, it's so cool. Like it's this whole skill just radiates life. It's so fucking awesome. Like there's a lot of questions I still have about this because I know we're like really yeah. getting close to the end. But it's like you left it up kind of to the like you didn't just fill every single thing that could have possibly happened here. You just gave your idea of it and uh i just have so many other things that are floating through my mind that i i want to share but i know this this sebe cast can't go on for 30 hours so right yeah i'm loving it <laughs> yeah well hey thank you I, I i hope that uh that everyone else still is too i'm i'm still feeling pretty good but definitely uh gonna be ready to uh to, uh, <laughs> to head to bed before yeah. too much long oh yeah but um yeah the the final section of content here uh rhythm of the beast this one's interesting. It's very light on detail intentionally, but the whole notion here is is trying to create a piece of content that is raid scale, but focused around your non-combat skills and bard rather than combat. Um, and it would utilize you know your gathering skills and your bard abilities and stuff in a rhythmic way. I mentioned this this game Crypt of the Necro Dancer before, where it's it's like a rhythm based dungeon crawl where you are literally only allowed to perform actions on, you know, the game cycle, you know, at the tempo of whatever is happening. Um, so, I mean, again, the entire game is, uh, is like that because, you know, we're all inherently tied to the 100 BPM cycle of the, of the uh, engine. But um, this is just a way of kind of gamifying that a bit more. Um, and again, trying to satiate, you know, that, that crowd that wants, you know, that more combat feeling, uh, you know, bard experience, but this does it in a self-contained, um, way that doesn't impact the rest of the game, but it still allows you, especially with these like divine instruments and all these possible enhancements you can make. Um, we've tried to offer some enhancements that would, uh, you know, enable, um, you know, like role-playing in this kind of experience. So, um, you know, just like in, um, you know, like uh, WoW rating dungeons, for example, you know, the, the classic roles are, you know, tank, healer, DPS. And so uh, we'd hope that in something like this, you could have those kinds of roles, but uh, focused around instruments rather than, uh, rather than weapons. And, um, yeah, just to really emphasize and, and gamify the the you know innate 100 bpm cycle of this game yeah and um yeah there i feel like there's just all kinds of uh different things you could do with an idea like this um that you know we wanted to emphasize that this is meant to be like raid scale so this isn't like you know winter todd plus um winter todd is uh you know barely a skilling boss i'm still kind of upset that it's on the uh <laughs> the, the uh, combat achievements yeah list, but um yeah, something like this would be like truly raid scale and difficulty. That would be, you know, a party-based activity. Um, I wouldn't want to say it can't be done solo because, you know, Wooks exists and so it would inevitably probably be soloed. But um, yeah, uh, again, we, we intentionally stayed light on detail here but felt that we ought to include this because it's just, uh, you know, an end game skilling experience that we just don't really have anything quite like that in yeah, and so you know, we're just throwing it out there. You know, this is in no way, shape, or form integral to you know bard as a skill. 
Um, but again, it's just one final offering, you know, to at least throw out on the table for, you know, consideration. Um, just to think about, you know, the what ifs, you know, what could this look like? You know, what, uh, what might you get from it? Um, so yeah, we've, we've uh, intentionally left this very open-ended. But um, yeah, and then, you know, just a, a couple sample rewards, you know, so um, something like uh, the Magnum Opus, for example, which uh, I thought was a cool name uh, for, a, for a unique item from this thing. But basically, you'd be able to use it, you know, on your top-level divine instruments and make it uh, a permanent, non-degradable um, instrument. So um, I mentioned, you know, the, the durability on instruments, you know, had a bit of a caveat to it. So there, there ought to be ways in which you could, you know, sort of uh, circumvent that in the same way, you know, like uh, you can enchant uh, your glories at the Fountain of Rune and get a um, amulet of eternal glory, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so just sort of a, a minor inclusion. And then also, you know, uh, we offer uh, the Horn of Karasage, as uh, you know, this top-level uh, 99 uh, bard instrument that would be multi-class. Like if you were to use it in battles, um, you know, it would basically uh, mean that you wouldn't need to switch instruments, kind of thing, because it counts for every class of instrument. And who knows what it could do? But you know, we we intentionally leave this uh, this section light on detail because you know it's mostly meant to just sort of stoke your your creative imagination yeah. and you know tell you how it should be. Love it. Um, yeah, and. Um, this is uh, the final bit, the recap. You know, there's the songbird pet there and uh, the brief elevator pitch. Um, yeah, again, we envision Bard to be a medieval non-combat support skill. And, uh, you know, we hope that we've we've offered systems that, you know, integrate uh, inventively. And, uh, you know, we've presented, uh, definitely we've presented a diversity of, of options for both training and uh, reward outputs. And hopefully, you know, uh, we've conceptualized some systems that, uh, you know, could, could lead to some teachable moments and some skill transfers to help bridge the gap in certain areas of the game. And, um, yeah, I mentioned this too. I think Bard could even be more than just a new skill. It literally could be a whole new medium for experiencing the game, both mechanically and thematically. And, uh, you know, it's all about, I think any good game creates a, a positive union of story and gameplay. Um, and I think that uh, RuneScape has a lot uh, to offer for both of those. But I think that uh, creating a, a more positive union between uh, the mechanics and the thematics of this game is something that Bard could really uh, aim to do. And uh, yeah, you know, so I won't, uh, I won't go over all of this uh, verbatim, but, you know, so I laid out the design pillars at the very beginning of the post, you know, and so... Uh, basically, uh, after all of this, you know, let me know uh, what you guys think. You know, did we do we actually address the problems? Could we do it uh, better, differently? Do you want to solve different problems? I don't know. Um, you know, but uh, I want to reiterate here at the end to uh, you know emphasize the importance of of concept over content. I think any new design that's seriously considered um, has to be boiled down to the bare essentials. You know, like with warding. We were just inundated with information out of the gate, and it was uh, a lot. And, uh, you know, I think we also sort of did that with Bard to a degree. But uh, hopefully I've, I've done uh, our design justice on, on this uh, talk here and on uh, my stream from last weekend. But, uh, yeah, we, we don't want people to get bogged down in the details and the minutia, you know, of numbers or, you know, exact particular manifestations because that's all going to be subject to change in the actual 
you know, design process if it were to make it that far. So this is just, you know, one example manifestation of what this could look like. And this isn't, you know, an exhaustive list. This isn't a prescriptive list. It's just a, a list of cool shit that, um, you know, tries to solve some meaningful problems in the game and, uh, you know, create an overall better game because of it. So, um, yeah, you know, we're, uh, we're still open to, uh, to feedback. Uh, not in the sense that we're going to, you know, create Bard V2 and launch it uh, because that won't be happening. But, you know, uh, we uh, this is our receipt showing, uh, you know, that we did our uh, our best at uh, coming up with something here. And now it's in the community's hands and ultimately the, the developer's hands to uh, decide what to do with it. So, you know, if uh, if you're on board with uh, with what we've got going on, that's awesome. You know, uh, let us know in the in the comments. And uh, also, if you uh, if you don't agree, um, you know that's completely fine too. I know that this isn't going to be uh, everyone's cup of tea, but I'd be honestly really curious just to hear some some honest, uh, you know, constructive criticism as to uh, you know why you're uh, you're not uh, on Team Bard and what we could do differently or what other ideas you might have. Um, because again, I think it's worth emphasizing that uh, it's much easier to just sit back and, and be a critic. You know, and be a cynic about the the state of affairs with the game and whatnot, um, and uh, you know, just give it a shot. You know, just the. I, I think it's really important to at least I've tried to take this to heart in recent times to uh, create more than I consume, and uh, it's not easy. You know, I don't know if I'll ever actually get that far, but you know, it's it's easy to be a to be a consumer and a critic. It's it's uh, much more difficult to be. Um, you know, to endeavor creatively like this, and especially to do it uh, as a collaboration. So, yeah, I uh, I encourage everyone to uh, to sort of uh, you know stoke their creative flames and and try something out. You know, um, so I mean, I'm I'm also open, you know, to having people uh, you know message me on uh, you know, Twitter or whatever. Um, you know, if anyone you know ever wants to have a chat about stuff like this, I mean, obviously I've rambled on, you know, for like 17 hours or something <laughs> on this podcast already. So you know, I'm I'm happy to talk about it more. But um, I I think yeah, I think you did it. Uh, I think you did it justice. Um, <laughs> I I learned a lot personally. I know we've been here sitting for nearly seven hours, but I have thoroughly yeah, enjoyed like true gamers, true gamers <laughs> <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed the, uh, the explanations and the sort of insight you guys had when creating this, because you just can't yeah. get that by just reading it. You have to get the, yeah. the creator involved, you know? So anyway, um, yeah. Uh, I guess. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I guess, uh, I don't know. Do you, do you have any, any burning questions or anything? I know you said you had a few things. I don't want to get us I don't, lost in another Yeah, that, that's the thing. It's like, I feel very satisfied. Um, there's a lot of stuff going through my mind about how it would kind of be implemented and stuff, but that's just stuff that yeah. isn't necessary right now. Um, yeah. But there is just a lot of talk that I would like to go in, in future rambles and stuff like that, thinking yeah. about new skills and ideas and stuff. So thank you so much uh for that i i mean it still is a sebe cast so i still want to uh ask my final thing that i ask yes <laughs> and that is for three yeah. shout outs and it looks like there's already yeah, some shout outs yeah. like i'm looking at here you got some attributions oh, yeah. for this but oh absolutely yeah. yeah i mean um of course we got the uh we got the classic three shout outs um i mean i think you know the uh the obvious two to mention which of course are attributed at the end here uh, General Tractor and Screetmonge, aka uh, Gnome, 
um, yeah, th those two guys were absolutely um, paramount uh, in in getting this thing across the finish line. Like it literally would not have happened if it weren't for their assistance because well i mean you know this idea has been rattling around in my noggin for for many many years and um you know i've always uh, kind of struggled with trying to you know get ideas out of my brain and onto paper and uh you know to actually you know have something come to fruition and uh you know these guys went a really long way in helping uh, bring this idea to life and um you know, just uh, make it feel real, at least to me, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, ultimately, you know, I don't, I, I'm not too concerned with, with uh, the, the ultimate fate of Bard and whether it makes it in or not. And, you know, because to me, uh, it was, it was uh, much less about the ultimate outcome and much more so about just enjoying the process. Yeah. And uh, I think we enjoyed the process tremendously and you know we enjoyed one another's company tremendously so shout out to you guys both um especially the general tractor like he's been on this ride with me for you know three fucking years at this point which is insane to think but you know i just uh, you know a, a sort of uh, innocuous reddit dm one day asking for you know preliminary feedback turned into a multi-year <laughs> collaboration which i would have never uh, dreamed of so um yeah and uh, yeah just the way that these guys um were just so, um, yeah, just just so uh, helpful, frankly. And um, the, my the words are escaping me now. This this many hours in, but I know I probably sound like a broken record to these guys anyway because I <laughs> I thank them ad nauseum. But um, no, it it honestly would not have been uh, possible without those guys. And for my uh, final shout out. Honestly, um, I got to give a shout out to uh, to my mom, Cave Mom. Um, she's uh, an absolute OG. She's um, uh, just given me nothing but uh, love and support in my life, whether it's with music or you know making this bard skill or you know being a full time content creator. You know, she's uh, she's just supported me through and through uh, in everything, and especially when I uh, made the the trek back home from Oregon uh, back to florida you know when uh, when life wasn't going so smoothly yeah um at the start of the pandemic you know i i moved back in with uh, with mom for uh, for a little while which was a very humbling experience you know to uh to just admit you know that i i needed help and to you know start to pick up the pieces and uh that was when i invested quite a bit of time in bard um you know just like using it as an outlet and uh she was uh very uh helpful and accommodating and uh, yeah, just supportive throughout the whole process. So uh, yeah, shout out to uh, to mom for uh, for all the love and support. It uh, it means a lot. <laughs> so, unbelievable. Yeah, those awesome. are those are my three shout outs. I love it, cave caveman. It's uh, seriously been a total journey this whole entire yeah, evening into the <laughs> into the morning. It's yeah, it's been an absolute roller coaster. I'm gonna have to call out of work tomorrow because I'm gonna be <laughs> exhausted. But. No, seriously, uh, Sater, thank you so much for, uh, for you know, giving me, uh, you know, this platform to talk about this passion project. And it's, it's yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it's been great, you know, to, to finally get to, to chat with you, uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one like this for so long, yeah. you know, after, uh, you know, having watched your, uh, your stuff and, and uh, supported you from behind the scenes for so long. So, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. And, and thanks for having me on. Same, same can be said. I seriously, absolute pleasure having you on. This went fantastic. Guys listening um i hope you 
hope you i hope you guys took something away it is fucking 2 a.m right now i'm 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 losing my own train of thought right now but all i can say is guys down in the description go give caveman a follow uh I'll, i'll have all his links down there uh the original link to this reddit image the uh the uh, skyscraper image so if you guys want to follow along Mm -hmm. if if i didn't follow along well enough you guys can just look at that as well and um yeah i feel like i'm missing a million things uh like basically to say right now we we, could have kept talking for a few more hours i'm sure but but we gotta we gotta draw a line somewhere so i think this is this is a happy ending so so caveman thank you so much again guys if you guys want to support the sebe cast there's a link down in the description to the patreon and that's it from me we do have guests planned for the rest of the month and the month after but i will not be spoiling that yet mainly because i don't have it all fully scheduled out but there will be a guest next week and uh yeah follow me on twitter if you guys want to keep up to date with the next week's guests and um i guess we'll just leave it there thank you guys for listening we'll catch you in the next one peace ciao Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter. A health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.